10 pence arcade podcast is sponsored by Retro Games Party. Get out of emulation and into the arcade with Retro Games Party. Arcade game hire for public events and private parties. With three regular community-led meetings throughout the year, there ain't no party like a Retro Games Party. Visit their website at www.retrogamesparty.co.uk and get involved. The 10 pence arcade podcast is a proud member of the Retro Junkies Network and Throwback Network. Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. We are podcasting live from Manchester and Blackburn today. My name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic. And I'm Sean Holly, aka In Your Face, Sean Holly. You seem to have earned that moniker lately. You never had a nickname before, now you have. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's not I've, bad. I've got another one as well now. Oh yeah. I am five pence of the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. You are the five pencer. The yeah. tiny coin. <laughs> right, would you like to introduce us, mate? Yeah, we've got a bit of a mission statement here. So mission I'm statement? Re- that sounds serious. It's good, isn't it? Go. Go for it. This is straight off the top of my head, as you'll be able to tell. Yes. Yes. Uh, what is a 10 pence arcade podcast, Vic? Let's have a look, shall we? Yes, let's. Yes. We are a light-hearted, bi-weekly podcast covering all things video arcade game related. The main feature of the podcast is an in-depth review of a single game from the past with a friendly high school competition between the two hosts. I say friendly, it's not. sometimes it's quite not, is it? Absolutely Fair. not, no. no. In other sections, we discuss the gameplay, graphics, music, machine artwork, restoration, history and legacy of these beautiful games. Beautiful? Beautiful. We also take a look at the current news in the scene, get involved with the community, respond to listener feedback and touch on console, computer and pinball games as well. Special features can include event reports, which we've got a few of this time. We certainly have. Manufacturer specials and interviews with prominent people throughout the, sk- the, skein, the scene. The scene. Well, for the, off the top of your head, that's pretty good. It's not bad. I, I would disagree slightly. I'd say we're a hard-hitting, fact-based mission. <laughs> we're really yeah. not. Anyway, we have been doing loads lately. We've not had a, few, a proper podcast for a little while because 335 was your rather excellent Tower Plan special, which we've had quite a bit of feedback on. Everyone loved it. Yes, yeah. I think all that hard work you did and the the weight you made to people, you evil man, has paid off. It was pretty good. Mm, yes, thank you. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That was really good, thank you. And the you. best bit apart, I didn't have to do much. And I just sat there and <laughs> nodded a lot. I went, yeah, yeah, okay, mm, all right, you know better. So anyway, what have we been up to in these quite a few weeks since we've done a proper, proper podcast? Yeah, four weeks, yeah. Well, what have you been up to? I've been looking around the internet and stuff and you know, the usual kind of thing. We've been up to loads together in person and this week and a few weeks ago. But uh, one of the small things I noticed, um, you know, we did March in Mays a little while ago. Yes. I found a for sale of a March in Mays PCB for the bargain price of 325 Queen Pounds. Wow. 325 quid. Wow. That's a lot of money. It's not even great, is it? And that is a March in Mays, not... Uh, the American version, which we can't seem to find. So it is the Japanese version. Wow. Also found a for sale of your favourite game, Dodonpachi. Mm-hmm. In brackets, possibly the best shooter ever, question mark. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. 400 quid. Wow. For the PCB only. Not the machine that comes around it, the PCB only. Cave games, you see. Uh-huh. I was looking on, uh, as I do quite a bit on MAME when I get bored, I just flick through MAME looking for games for us to play. Everyone, check out Van Dyke. By UPL in MAME. It is hilarious. You'll see why as soon as you play it. It's ridiculous. 
Is it more filth? It's not filth, no, but it's just silliness. Silly Japanese. Yeah. What I think the Japanese thought the Americans and, and Europe liked in the 80s. I think that's what right. they kind of like. Ah, yeah. And we did a visit to the Hog, did we not? Oh, you lucky git. I would love to go there. You were there. I was there. You were yes. there, remember? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's coming back now. Yeah. You, you daft old fool. <laughs> yes, we went to the Hog, the heart of gaming in Acton. There was about five or six of us there. We went in a sort of mad old boys troop. In fact, we were probably the oldest boys there, actually. Yeah. Um, and we talked to Mark Starkey, the owner of the Hog, and the sort of event planner, if you want to call him that. And we have an interview with him. Um, it's about half an hour long. And I think we should pop it right here to break up the podcast. We've got quite a few of these interviews, people. You know, you ask for them. You keep asking for longer episodes. So, you know, you opened a box. We came. Such sights to show you. So here is the interview with Mark Starkey at the Hog. We are at the Heart of Gaming today. Uh, present we have Mark Starkey, head of the Heart of Gaming. Pleasure to be here with you guys. And we have Sean, our sound man. Hello, how are you doing, lads? In your face, Sean. In Holly. my face. <laughs> uh, there's a few of us here today at the Heart of Gaming. Uh, when I look around the Heart of Gaming, and I'm going to ask Mark a few questions about it, actually. I have on my phone in front of me here. So Mark, introduce yourself and can you tell us about the rest of the team involved with The Hog? Okay, well my name is Mark Starkey, uh, I'm the owner of The Heart of Gaming. We're um, an arcade project basically that emerged from the ashes after the closure of numerous West End uh, London arcades. The team, the majority of the team consists of myself, um, April Pereira Finn who is our events manager, uh, Jonathan Keary who is our building and maintenance manager and then we have numerous um, volunteer helpers uh, within video gaming community who basically help out here uh, in return for a reduced or free admission because you know they, they enjoy the community spirit here and they, they want to help and be part of it. Nice, that's what we like. Um, I, I know already, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background in arcades? You've been in arcades for a long, long time now. Uh, yeah, I mean ever since I, I kind of, I went to America, 1989, saw the NES, came back, got straight into video gaming, uh, found Street Fighter 2, um, you know, got more into arcade gaming, discovered London, living only a few miles outside of it in Hertfordshire, and found what are arguably, were arguably the greatest arcades of the time, the Namco Wonder Park, the Trocadero, uh, the infamous Casino on uh, Good Street, and numerous other arcades around the West End, all of which are sadly gone. I then went on on, um, after I left school to do a sitting guild back to coin slot engineering course uh, which until recently I thought might have been a bit of a waste of time uh, <laughs> with the closure of um, you know so much uh, you know of the amusement industry mostly video games uh, I was the youngest technician at the time um, 16 years old sort of 1994 um, but obviously being a technician and but being young I was um, you know very much into the sort of um, the the gameplay side of it, you know. So I, I, I grew up in that in that generation. Um, you know, it's always been a hobby of mine as well, you know, modding, uh, making super guns. I'm sure everyone knows what they are. Yeah, we've all started with those. Of I course, consoleizing systems, and you know, ultimately, when you get into this hobby, it leads to the point where it's like, right, I want a machine at home. And from then on, you know, addictive personality, uh, I guess here we are today. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slippery slope. It is a very slippery slope, yeah. It can really, really suck you in. But I mean, it's a labor of love. 
you know, I mean, not to be honest with you, I don't think anybody really does this now with the intention of getting rich. Uh, we want to keep uh, destination gaming going alive. You know, the um, the sort of the the vibe of the community. Um, lots of people coming from all over the place and instantly able to connect and get on with one another simply through the love of video games and irrespective about of anything else about them. It doesn't matter how old they are, whether male or female, the religion, background, what games they play. There are you you'll find in here that you can always talk to somebody about something relevant and find like you know. Um, uh, a reason to talk, chat, be friendly, and just generally enjoy the atmosphere. Mm. I noticed that in here today, mm. there's a lot of kids in here, and there's yeah. even I saw a guy and his wife and, and a little baby with him as well, all sure. enjoying it. I saw two little girls mm -hmm. sat on a stool together, <laughs> playing one of the, the puzzle games together, and they look having a really good time. So it seems like quite a family-friendly place as well. Definitely. I mean, we, we've achieved something that I don't think has been done yet. We, we were contacted... Um, by schools uh, early last year, and we now support educational visits here. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, we oh, do. Yeah, so cool. Um, it's it's good because I think we can all safely say that back in the 80s and 90s, uh, arcades were generally looked at by our elders um, as places which were you know seedy, unsafe, maybe ill repute. Of course, mm. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so the fact that now schools are like, well, video gaming is established. It's an art form. Uh, it's a platform that many young people want to get into. To. And whenever you're studying anything, anything at all, it's very important that you learn the heritage of it. And here we keep the vibe alive. You know, we aim to keep a number of the sort of the older games alive. You know, dating as far back as Space Invaders. And you know, it's very, very. Uh, it's it's rewarding to basically give. You know, be giving something kind of back. Uh, you see all the kids running around here, and they're literally the kids in the sweet shop that you know we probably were um, when we first discovered you know some of the, the biggest arcades you know back in the last millennium. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I noticed this. Um, I think today might be a special day for DS gaming. I have a yeah. lot of kids in here with DSs, hmm. and I think you're handing out games for them to play on the DS. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I until recently I didn't feel that the handheld market was one that we should. I mean, we we, we do consoles and arcades. Mm -hmm. But I never really thought to myself, shall we pursue um, doing anything with handhelds? Because generally, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where you'll meet up around the house or they'll go somewhere, um, you know, maybe sit in a field or whatever. And our events manager, April, she said, well, look, you know, we can provide them with shelter. It obviously won't be cold if it's at, like, you know, potentially, which it would be outside. Uh, they can use our charging points. We'll offer them a reduce rate and see what happens. And the event seems to be going down very well. Absolutely. There's loads of people playing yeah. Is it look quite comfy on the mm. chairs as well? I generally found handheld gaming to be, for the large part, a little antisocial. But now, obviously, because you can link via, you know, Wi-Fi, local mm -hmm. connections, and all that sort of stuff, you know, in an environment like this, once you've done, you had your game, you get up and you'll go and play something else. Yeah, mm -hmm. I noticed some of the people, they've actually got their DSs folded up on the arcade cabs. It's quite <laughs> yeah. nice. So when they're not playing the arcade, mm. they have a quick game of DS and then back to the arcade again. Yeah, I also noticed. Sorry. No, go on. I there's a lot of people in here uh, you were playing Money Puzzle Exchanger across, and, and the machines are set out. Mm. Uh, they're versus cities, so they're, they're back to back machines. They're Absolutely. built together. And you were playing someone across the way, mm. and you were going crazy at it. And when you finished and came away with us, I saw the same guy playing a dance machine afterwards. Yeah. So it seems like people are into all sorts here, and they're not just on the classics or the consoles. It's nice to see people having to go at everything. I attribute that to us basically casting off the old model of pay per play. Uh, the way 
way I look at it now is that obviously it's a new generation of young game players. You can't really, from a young person's point of view, when they have so much available to them through the internet, you can't drag them out of their house, make them travel, make them spend money on travel, you know, and then basically tell them to change up 10 and 20 pound notes to play old video games. Mm. It's it's not yeah. going to happen. So our way of doing it is, well, we charge you a price when you come in, and then everything is free to play. And that way, the variety becomes a lot bigger. You, I, I always used to ration my money. It would be, I'm playing Street Fighter or I'm playing King of Fighters, one or the other. I'm not playing anything else. And consequently, I might have missed out on a lot of games because, I mean, you know, in London, the arcade's 50p, one pound a time. Mm. Uh, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't necessarily have that kind of money to drop very quickly because we know these old arcade games have a habit of being, you know, very difficult to take your money as quickly as possible. No less addictive or fun to play, it just encourages you to put more money in. But again, it comes back down to the thing of, you can't really do that with old games, uh, you know? If you see what that means. No, no, you can't. You, re you really, you, you can't. But, again, the system we use means that anybody can come in and enjoy absolutely anything. So you, you're getting more games out to more people. That's you never could do back in the day, could you? No, no. I mean, I remember the arcades when I was a kid, uh, growing up on a, on a seaside town. If you were to go to an operator and say, here's £10, I want to spend all day here playing games as much as you, you would have got kicked out of the arcade. Yeah. It would have been a grumpy man smoking behind a screen, yep. basically. Yep. I don't know, £10 was a lot then, you know. Oh, it was a lot then, was, but... Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'd be able to get through it in an arcade, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, you, you could. You, you could always take the gamble and uh, play a fruit machine in the hope that it'd give you more money to oh. put into the machines, but... Uh... <laughs> My dad was always like, put money, you might win some of that. I don't want to win anything about it. I just want to play games. Yeah. I want to play Pulsar. I want to play this. Oh, God. Pulsar. So, tell us how long this place has been running now. Well, we're approaching our two-year anniversary uh, on April the 11th, next month. Ah, I thought ah, it was coming up to two years, It actually. is. It, it really, really is. And... Um, I'm very proud of the fact that you know we've managed to make it make it progressively um, you know uh, we managed to sort of add more content um, design the building you know add more stuff to the building because it's very very different now to how it was before and that's all down to basically community direction talking to the people that come down here and interacting with them because to do this you really do have to have the mindset of a video gamer um, you know if you're you could have all the money in the world you know, realistically, not well, not realistic. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and but if you don't really know what the cornerstone titles are, if you don't know where you can get your spare parts, where you can get them repaired, um, you know, which out of the thirty Street Fighters that are available from the nineties is going to be the best one, you know, then then you know you're you're going to end up crashing and burning. Mm. And you obviously haven't, which is good news. No, no, we haven't. Uh, <laughs> you kept your finger on the pulse, and when I first came mm. ages ago, yeah. when you first opened. There was a handful of machines mm -hmm. and they were playing certain games. Yeah. There was no dance machines, nope. there was no rhythm games, mm -hmm. there was no consoles at the time. And it seems you've grown, yeah. but still kept some of the classics. Uh, we, it's, there will always be um, a selection of the sort of classic um, golden era arcade. You know, I, I think you know, there'll always be uh, Donkey Kong, there'll always be Pac-Man, there'll always be Space Invaders. They are cemented in the history um, of arcades and yeah. schools when they come down. They expect to see that. Yeah, I'm still playing like, them now. I saw course. kids earlier yeah. playing them yeah. and enjoying it as well. 100%. But we have found that we did get labelled with a bit of a stigma that we were only for fighting games. Yeah. Uh, and I was very... That yeah, as well. of yeah. course, of course. I'm very keen to shake that off because, despite fighting games being a genre I was into for 20 plus years, um, I'm not naive enough to think that that's where video gaming begins and ends. Mm. You know, mm. it, it, but at the same time, 
people want to keep it social so what else can we add you know dance machines seem to be a very good thing they seem to be very popular people use them uh, to play for fun to play for good cardio maintenance I mean I myself lost five and a half stone uh, yeah. in about four months when I yeah yeah I was wow, horribly overweight yeah. over 20 stone and now I think I'm about 15 no about 16 just over yeah right I need one of them yeah <laughs> are you going in your front room <laughs> no get a little one <laughs> Uh, intense amount of fun and the best part being is that the players can chart um, and make their own files and add them via USB onto the machine so the appeal is infinite um, you know it, that, that, that that's probably one of the few machines that will be their right to the very 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 bitter end yeah as long as they're making music and let's face it that's not going to stop anytime soon people will have charts um, you know people will sit down and they'll make their charts on their PC they'll bring them here and they'll play them awesome yeah because a lot of these people who play in dance machines they haven't got a fully fledged dance machine at home. No. It's one of the things that's going to work in an arcade. Yeah. Because you can have one of those crappy mats mm -hmm. on the PS2s yeah. going, they're just not as good. I mean, it's they're not, really no. not. There are a few people across the country that own them privately, but I mean, again, it's yeah. all people outside of London. Um, space is a little bit cheaper. You need a big room to get You do, and in. you need, uh, you know, you can't really get it through your average front door, so you need no. a good house. A, you need a, a house with a big front door that's affordable. Or, or a garage. For the heart of gaming. Or Come to, well, come here. Yeah, yeah. we were we're up to four dance machines now, and uh, yeah. I got plans to add a fifth in a couple of months' time. So awesome. Yeah. So I think you get teams of players coming as well. They're serious people, aren't they? They are serious. I mean, it's um, as I said, people play for different reasons, but some of the long-term Trocadero veterans are mm. absolutely amazing. You know, you get them, and some of them are doing like 13, 14 steps a second. Wow. Uh, just, yeah. Just yeah. Watching, How many legs have these guys got? And yeah. girls, sorry, not just of guys. Course, yeah. That's. Perhaps, perhaps well. that's the most the best thing about the dance machines is that it's very female friendly as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, that develops it's good social development for young people. You know, when they come in here, a lot of them they come in they're very closed off. You know, like they're just too nervous to speak to anyone. They come here a few weeks and they they're a totally different person. Yeah. And you cool. learn your life skills from these things. And if you can, and people skills more importantly, if you can talk to people in this life. That's pretty much half of your battle one. Yeah, you know, really. I think the kids these days are having a bit of a problem with it because they're always, it might sound like an old fogey now, they're always looking into little screens. Yeah. And they're talking to people they've never met before. Mm -hmm. When they come down here, mm. they're meeting each other. Yeah. And it's, it's great. I really it is like great. It. It's very faceless and impersonal on the internet. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that, you know, people can find other people to play games with so easily, but it's at a cost to the element of social development. Yeah. And that's one of the key things that we're sort of very keen to push here. Yeah, which is great. It's, yeah. it's, it's the spirit of the old arcades. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. Uh, this might be a bit of a difficult question. How many machines you've got, and please name them all. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, no, let's do, do a rough estimation of classics, dance games, uh, rhythm games. That can sort I, of can I name can. the cabinets, or does it have to be the games? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Just tell us sort of what, if, it, if someone was going to come right, here to have, play a game, roughly what have you got for them to play? All right, in the arcade room, we have Killer Instinct 1, uh, we have Daytona, two player sit down, which I'm hoping to upgrade to a four. Uh, Time Crisis 2. We have a couple of electric coin cue sound cabs, one sporting Final Fights, one sporting Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, we have our Upright House of the Dead. We have Six Versus Cities, uh, which are Japanese import candy cabs that have a back-to-back -back sort of seating arrangement. So that's uh, 12 players on those. 12 players, machines. in effect, yep. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they were 
they are predominantly popular with fighting games, but they also host a number of puzzle games um, in them as well. And I'm shortly probably going to add a sports game or two. I've just got to check and see one that might okay. be poignant now. Tetris with Dave on that back yeah. to back. Yeah. yeah. Did you beat him? Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think track and field might work on that. Do you think? Um, track and field might work based on the fact that I uh, I ran on Naomi at one point virtual athletics. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which effectively I suppose is the same kind of game. You know, rapid button pushing in succession version, to yeah. make your athletes sort of uh, spend more energy or perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, virtual athletic probably looks a little bit more. Um, up-to-date and varied than something like track and field. Track and field would be a good classic yeah, and yeah. it would probably get a fair bit of play but again it's like how easy is it to kind of put a legitimate setup of that together compared to just shoving in an Naomi cart yeah, if absolutely. you see what I mean. I mean yeah, yeah the boards are a bit flaky now as well especially really track are, and field. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've just, I've just had our Shinobi go all garbled graphics on yeah. us. Uh, Sunset Riders uh, again with the Goal. same problem. Yeah so you know but I mean yeah aside from that we have um, um, we have a pop and music machine, good rhythm game. I was playing that earlier. Yes, yeah. awesome. It's good fun. Isn't really it? like yeah. it. Really like With it. With a huge button. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was playing yeah. five buttons at a time. It's a lot of fun. It's all in Japanese. Yeah, but it's easy to get hold of. It goes it up really to nine is. buttons as well. Like when you nine. get to sort of pro level, yeah, yeah. Oh the Lord. five are the most immediate ones, and then you get another two either side when you get to real pro level. No, it doesn't so. complete with me. No, <laughs> can't do that. We have um, four upright Naomi cabs, uh, most of which, if not all, have been jammer wired by myself. Um, you know, they support uh, normally um, at the moment. One of them just developed Shinobi, just developed the problem. Yeah. Uh, there's Metal Slug 3 in one, which is a good, a good shooter. Again, the Metal Slug games are almost timeless in that they have that very beautiful 2D graphic approach. Yeah. I mean, 2D yeah. ages lovely, early 3D ages horribly. Yeah, it really does. Fires you go and back and you look at all that old stuff. It's like, oh dear, oh dear, you know. But it's really still, <laughs> pointy and awful. Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, and then I have uh, four sit-down Naomi cabinets, uh, which I uh, wait, wait to sort of get the chassis sorted out for. So I'm yeah. unsure what's going to go on those. But um, again, I'm thinking maybe stuff like Pang or Big Tournament, Neo Turf Masters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think some of those easy to play but very very fun games um, you know that don't really lose their kind of appeal you know maybe Puzzle Bobble there's there, there, there's a good few now that I think about it there's a good few Neo Geo games that kind of still hold up yeah. even now yeah if you cast aside all the fighters the 2D fighters um, are pretty much done you know yeah. that no, there's too much new stuff for the young fighting games are generally for younger people yeah. uh, and there's too much new flashy 3D widescreen high res 1080p I can download this straight to my sitting room stuff going around um, for any of the old stuff to really kind of get the look in and that's okay it's you know they've done us a great service uh, up till now but yeah you know we will be kind of sort of uh, reassessing the software that goes in some of the machines aside from that we also have four dance machines we have uh, two in the grooves which are the only ones that are publicly out on site anywhere in the United Kingdom right yeah um, there are no more uh, you know so for you to want to play that sort of game you do need Come to get in. down here yeah mm. exactly uh, we have a classic dance dance revolution for the old school DDR players uh, Supernova 2 mix I believe or is it X2 one or the other um, and 
also we're I'm refurbishing a dance machine for the Anime League, which is um, a group sort of that operate events, mostly cosplaying and anime meetups, uh, which has custom software in it for people to play games on it. Not just your basic arrow reads, but like, I'll, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, sure. It, yeah. Um, you know, then we have uh, two Vulixes, Vulix sort of cabs, which I suppose are the most modern joystick and button cabs you're going to get, mm -hmm. uh, that were donated to us by Capcom. Uh, very nice of them, which I then, um, because obviously we can't get new software from Japan anymore due to the need for an internet connection. Yeah. Uh, you know, we um, I, I sort of uh, modified that to run Xbox 360, but the presentation is still good. The setup is good. People enjoy it. And that's our main goal here now, which is to sort of maximize the potential of the home setups. You know, the arcade has always been about providing the best experience of each game. So, for example, now with consoles being more powerful than the arcades, it's like, so what do I do? I get... I get, a, I get a Wii U, I get two GameCube adapters and I have eight controllers so that people can at a moment's notice just say I want to make player action on that. My mum won't let me have all my friends over or whatever. I don't have the money to buy controllers for everyone. My friends don't have them themselves. It's convenient. And it's the same, for example, if you were to network Xboxes together for driving games and then start providing steering wheels, accelerators, etc. You don't know. Yes, you could do that at home, but it's not very likely. So we basically take the home formats now and we, we, we push them to give as much back as they can and that you know I think is part of the reason why the console play here yes people could do it at home but it's still very popular here and also you've got some nice sofas a nice area mm -hmm. and a 12 foot projector screen you ain't gonna get that yes. home, are you? Yeah, no fair enough no. which is a pretty awesome setup I think actually. thank you very much yeah um, another thing I was going to ask you about is um, what sort of prices do you charge here because it's a, mm -hmm. a, a, a pay on the door yep. play for as long as you like basically yep so what are the sort of deals there okay well Monday we're closed Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday we open at 4 o'clock till 12 sorry till 11 I beg your pardon it's £7 the whole time which equates to a pound an hour wow uh, Friday Saturday and Sunday uh, all those days are £10 per day however again going back to sort of like the younger generation and perhaps not having pocketfuls of pound coins anymore we do offer a monthly pass which is you know offered at a very low price for £20 and you can come and go as much as you want so whilst you know whilst it may seem oh, 10 pounds to a young person it's like but if I pay that you know 20 I can come down like so much more it's like they're basically showing us that they're committed to the place yeah. and in return they deserve the value for money for those unlucky enough to like you know live further away who do wish they could come down there'll shortly be a scheme coming into effect whereby a down payment of 20 pounds will entitle you to say three weekend or four weekend visits oh, nice. yeah of oh, course because not not yeah, you know idea. I mean it, it's we want everyone to benefit in some way shape or form and of course I recognize the fact that a lot of people travel from very far to come here and perhaps doing it every weekend yeah, or maybe even once a month is going to be a tough thing for them yeah Sean's come from Blackburn it's well, a long way <laughs> fair enough I think 20 quid nowadays for a month mm -hmm. equates to about a fiver a week. Yeah. I spend more than that on Diet Coke every week. There you go. Seriously, so it isn't a lot of money nowadays. Diet it? Coke? Yeah. yeah. You was bag. Size and you have, you have a lot of tournaments here as well, and you've had all-nighters before as well. We do, yeah, we do lock-ins after 12 o'clock sometimes, you know, if the vibe is good and people don't look like they want to move, we'll just say, right, 
if you want to go, you have to go now, otherwise we're locking the doors till the morning, etc., yeah. etc. Et wow. Um, and it's good, those are over 18s only, I'm just saying. That's <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, the tournaments are great because they bring exposure to us. You know, we, we live stream old school Street Fighter tournaments direct from the arcade feed. Um, you know, and uh, again, it's something that really nowhere else or a handful of places in Europe might actually do. We've got these great, like, you know, versus city machines. We've got these great, a number of the old Street Fighter boards. There's still a market for them. So, yeah, we do tournaments. Uh, we'll live stream it. We'll let other people see what it is we're doing. Um, we also do, obviously, live stream for when we do Smash Brothers or Street Fighter and stuff like that, you know, because it's good. It's, um, it's free advertising, and it allows people a window to see into what we do. Yeah. Central business tool these days. So I remember a little while ago, I think it was when uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4 came out mm -hmm. on the Xbox. Yes. Did you have a rep from Capcom come down? We actually, we were, we were given the, um, the the location test for that game in the UK, which awesome. I'm very proud and very grateful for, mm. um, because obviously we're going to start pushing Street Fighter 4 quite hard here now, because obviously with SF5 on the horizon, ah. we want to make sure that it comes to us. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I do like Street Fighter. I know it's a modern one, and we're old duffers. We like the old stuff, <laughs> but I do like a bit of Street Fighter Four. Absolutely, I really I enjoy. I it. started playing about a month and a half ago, simply because I wanted to kind of. I, I think I really sat down and I thought to myself, all these old classics, now they've had their time. They're not going to really grow anymore, not majorly. And Street Fighter 4 is what's current, it's what everyone's playing, and I want to kind of connect to the audience because I get very in the trenches here. I'm not your sort of your typical arcade owner who's out of sight, out of mind, and just kind of leaves it to tick over. Yeah. I, I generally like to get involved with the players, speak to them, you know, and of course I am and always will be a games player myself. So yeah, Street Fighter 4 was quite hard push to get you in here for five minutes. You've been <laughs> rushing around the place, changing games over for us, mm. playing money positive exchanger uh, getting food in for the staff and everything it's, yeah. it's nice to see rather than just in our day it was a guy behind a window smoking usually yeah. handing out change and shouting at people for hitting their buttons too hard yes <laughs> so it's nice to see a guy you know our age-ish uh, playing the game still well this is just one of the small things I guess when I think about it one of the small reasons why maybe a lot of the old arcades failed because they didn't evolve they didn't change with the times yeah now you have different ways of pushing public video gaming for example there are places you know that provide a nice sort of bar environment with the classic games um, and that's great you know for us though it's uh, it's a sort of it's a slightly different angle because the emphasis I suppose is more on the video gaming um, but again we don't do the coin operated we kind of change that and you know one person came in here he said to me no ashtrays no change machines no fruit machines what kind of arcade is this and I, I, I a better one than I, you've been to I, mate. I scratched my head I didn't know what to say I didn't yeah. but I, I, I he wasn't serious he was just kind of like yeah, yeah. you know when you put it in context how different things are now yeah. to how they were then but it's the need to evolve um, in order to adapt and survive you know it's, it's the same thing with, with pubs these days people mm. say oh you can't smoke anymore I mean even if you are a smoker 99% mm. of them don't want to go home stinking of course and when you come to play games and there's kids involved and adults you don't want to be that I mean you can't do it anyway in this country but you know there's amenities outside that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and you know it's, mm. it's quite and you're, and you're you're quite um, easy going as well I try <laughs> you are really and, and I, I said I sent you a message before we come mm. there's a load of us old duffers coming down can you do something and mm. you put some old classic games in as well as the fighters you've been changing over boards for us mm. 
and I'm sure if people wanted to come down in a party mm. and play Gunberg 2 all day yeah. and bring their boards Mark you please put these for you put them oh, in oh absolutely you know, know I, I, I generally like generally try to make sure I've got like Jammer and JVS and Horizontal and Vertical and three button up to six button um, you know I mean you guys know better, better than anyone that sometimes changing a board over is incredibly simple or not really that simple yeah um, but there'll always be someone who will kind of like ask you for something that you have got you could set it up but it's going to take a while and everything you know well I was expecting to come out and play Darius Burst today but I'm quite disappointed that four player £3,000 cab yeah, that one. the one that you pay for three that you play uh, pay three quid for and you get infinite credits that one yes yes that yeah. one yeah lovely, lovely. I know someone's got one of those actually can you get one of those please just quickly for us yeah I'll, I'll, I'll my, uh, I lost my you know my sort of uh, bank bank manager and uh, I'm sure he won't laugh in my face <laughs> well just the last thing mate before we let you go off back Absolutely, to the arcade yep. and fix things mm -hmm. can you tell people where they can get hold of uh, the hog uh, Facebook yeah we have Facebook uh, Facebook the heart of gaming uh, Twitter is at the hog UK uh, website is also the hog UK currently down for maintenance but coming back soon um, yeah I mean literally type London Arcade into Google it's pretty much us all over the first three pages so you can't really go it's not wrong. difficult getting to Acton either I think no 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 it's literally the central line direct here you know five minute walk at the end and uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to be adding a lot of stuff here because I want the thing to be very self contained you know you come here and maybe maybe uh, you know we I've, I've approached the community before about the possibility for example of having a bar in here mm -hmm. and it's very divided opinion very divided literally split down the middle of yeah, people yeah. who think it's a good idea and people who think it's a bad idea yeah. the trouble is young people even when they're old enough to drink say 18 19 they don't drink responsibly no um, yeah. but at it's the same time as well. yeah, it's like everything has to be managed and regulated and overseen and I, I'm toying with the idea there'll be more of that you know more sort of on that being discussed on our Facebook page at some point closer to the time but yeah you know I'm also contemplating perhaps making and selling you know meals food here um, not, not me personally but you know in investigating the possibility of uh, having some sort of a kitchen and cafe sort of set up because let's face it in North Acton there's not really much going on no, it's outside a of us to get yeah. To some shops yeah yeah um, and I like the idea that perhaps if we had I mean us being the age kind of that we are we can't sit around and game consistently all day oh, if no, there was like no. a bar area where you could go and maybe watch something on sky or listen to some music or whatever and you know have a drink or two um, I, I, I think that would yeah, nap, a, yeah a little nap yeah Napping you know area. The, the hot water bottle get comfy on the sofa etc yeah. you know, you're yeah. in your nap sure <laughs> oh no I'm a nap today yeah what, what Mike was saying a minute ago is yeah. absolutely spot on mm. we went for a coffee earlier we nipped sort of uh, about five minute walk away and we were just chatting about things about six of us just talking and we'd rather have stayed here and done it yeah because it's a nice you can hear the music in the background now it's a nice ambient mm. atmosphere and somewhere like this mm -hmm. where we're sitting in now with a sort of little, almost a quiet area mm. where people just talk and i'm sure they'll be doing the ds thing and yeah and then go back out and play afterwards maybe have a diet coke a mm -hmm. drink or whatever or a sandwich or whatever you like absolutely It'd be brilliant but i think personally with a bar mm, not convinced myself of it because when I'm playing games and I'm, I'm serious 
serious arcade gamer, mm -hmm. as well as sociable aspects of it. Yeah. I don't like to mix drinking alcohol no. with the games. Mm. And you know, you can't really have people putting pints on the machines. And, well, this is this you know, goes, sort of it thing. goes back to the issue of it having to be more controlled. For example, yes. the room we're sitting in now, this is currently, I suppose, a kitchen, but the redesigning that we've done at the front, a lot the of changes. Yeah, yeah, the office and the kitchen are going to be up there. Mm -hmm. Cut a hole in this wall here. Knock this partition wall down. Seal up that door there. Have wow. four Naomi's on the outside here. And this whole room becomes an eating area. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, again, things going on. There's yeah. also another room just to the left of the, you know, of the toilets. Um, big room would be perfect for the bar. So it's all mm. cut off and isolated, and no drinking beyond this point. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you can see, it's like there's a lot of different angles, a lot of different sort of um, pros and cons. Um, but again, I mean, I I think it could be possible. But at the same time, I'll, I'll do what I've always done, which is generally listen to the majority, yeah. uh, because that's really all, all you can do. I've noticed on, on the Facebook page, mm -hmm. you do throw questions out, yeah, and you have a lot of good conversations mm -hmm. about it, comments, and it's quite nice to see that, yeah, because people are sort of shaping the way they want the hole to be, mm -hmm. and it's pretty good, I think. It is, yeah, it is. Um, you just got to make sure that uh, you know you, there's um, one thing I found very quickly is that everybody on the internet will have an opinion, but oh, only, yeah, only, yeah. only a select few of those perhaps percentage of those replies other people that really kind of come down yeah yeah you're, you're always, always gonna get that you always get two three people every thread saying man I've got to get down to you guys one day and it's mm. just like yes just do it yeah, yeah. Down, have yeah. fun you know because I live not that far away mm. and I haven't because it's just been busy and excuses 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 we're here today yeah come yeah. on down it's really good mm. uh, and on that note thanks yeah. about it mate we'll let you nice. get back to putting PCBs in machines and you, I'll let you have that sandwich in a minute Brilliant. If you're lucky. Thank you very much, Mark. No worries. Cheers, mate. Pleasure to be with you. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you for your time. No worries. And you can eat your cold chips now. Yes. Uh, i got a microwave just behind me. I'm, I'm <laughs> So that was uh, Mark and Sean and I at the Hog, sitting in a little room talking about the Hog, which was pretty cool. He seems to have it pretty much sewn up there, I think. He's, he's doing really well, Mark is. Yeah. And we also, in the evening, we went back to my place for a bit, had chips and fish, which is traditional in the UK, obviously. Yes. And tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, or ketchup. And we also, in the evening, went to, Alex came along with us to this, because he's been to the Hog before. He came along with us to the Four Quarters visit in mm -hmm. Peckham Rye in London. And we spoke to Simon. Now, we didn't get any interview with Simon. We were too busy drinking beer, guzzling beer we were, and watching Davo play Tron quite well. <laughs> I, I actually played a few games. Did you play any games there, or was you just chat it, chatting to everyone? I, I think I played two goes of Asteroids, Yeah, and uh, Alex destroyed me on it, so I sort of retreated destroyed. and started chatting and drinking instead, which I was much more successful at. I did. I, I played... They had a The Invaders there, you know, the Zachariah version of Space Invaders. Yeah. It's such a tiny little cab. I had to bend down to, to look inside of it. And the buttons on the Zachariah cab, which I have a real problem with, are really stiff buttons. They're leaf buttons, but they've really got really strong springs in them. And I had Arcade Finger again. And I didn't beat the record. I think the record was about 9,000. They put it on a big chalkboard at the back. If you, if you get a record, I think you get a free pint or something if you get a record. Because uh, Eric, hooray banana was trying to get the, the golf record, because he's really, really good at golf. He's got his own golf at home. And I don't think yeah. he was in the mood or the joystick wasn't working on some dumb excuse knowing him. Um, so, yeah, we was mostly... Because uh, Simon gave us a bit of a tour of the place, because he sort of runs it there. And uh, he was very, very nice to us. Got us preferential treatment at the bar, and it was brilliant. But he did give me a lot of grief about hating Mooncrester. 
Well, rightly so, yeah. No, no, I stand by it, and I have a microphone, he doesn't. <laughs> Mooncrester is rubbish, sir. Oh, I was playing it last night. You, did you see me, like, get onto the third, is it third level? I did, I watched you with scorn upon my face. I was giving third you the loop. eyebrows, the evil eye, what, playing that game. Yeah, masterpiece of a game. Well, that is the other thing we did. We shall talk about that a little bit later on, actually. We went to Arcade Club last night, because I was, I'm in Manchester, because my wife's on a conference in Manchester, and I just travelled 30 or so miles to your place. And yeah. we went to Arcade Club, which was Yes, we did. Marvellous. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, more about that later. Another thing I've been doing is playing a lot, a lot, a lot of Time Pilot on one of my ponies. Mm. I've also been playing the Cosmic Twins quite a bit. Haven't done yeah. anything on Death Race for a while. I haven't had time. We've been, you know, the weekend you lot were down. I didn't have time to do anything there. And in the weekend after we were doing something else, and then this weekend we're here. So I haven't had a lot of time on the on the time um, on the Death Race yet. But I will get back to. It. I need to put the monitor inside, a little bit more painting, and just assembly really. And then mm-hmm. on to the next project, which I've got loads of things planned. But um, Loads of projects. Yeah. Whether I complete any of them is a different matter. Mm. I also interviewed Oliver Moazesi, also known as Alpha One, from the UK VAC forums, and he was a very prominent collector in the UK. Uh, we'll probably pop that at the end of the podcast. It's quite a long interview. Uh, it's about two hours long. He told us loads of stories about all his collecting uh, shenanigans all around the world, and it's very interesting. Probably he's the biggest... I think him and Rav are probably the biggest collectors in the UK, along with Andy and James, you know, from Arcade Club and RGP. He also got yeah. a massive collection. Yeah, so uh, what else have you been doing, mate, before we get on to Arcade Club? Because that's probably the biggest thing we've done recently. Well, yeah, it's been really, like you said, it's been four weeks since we did a proper podcast, the, apart from the Toa Plan special. So um, biggest one's 8-Bit Flip that I went to last weekend. Yeah, you lucky dog. I couldn't get to that because it, it, was, it was actually in Blackburn, wasn't it, where you live? No, 8-Bit Flip was in Northwich. Oh, Northwich, yeah. Not yeah, too Chesh- far, though. Cheshire, about 50, about 60 miles south-ish. That's doable, yeah. that's doable. Yeah, so it's, you know, getting down down your way, you only, you only had to come up 200 miles, you would have been there. Yeah, easy. Done at me lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, so that was a good atmosphere, and I've actually got a little five-minute clip of a walk around. Oh, excellent. We'll put which, that in... Which we can slot in here. Hello, this is Sean Holly reporting for the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. We are at the Lost Stock Sports and Social Club, and we're just going to have a walk round of the 8-bit flip event and have a look at all the machines on offer. It's been a really good event. It's about 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. It's still really busy. It's probably been well attended. Right, as you walk in, Mr. Do, Phoenix, Tempest, R-Type, Salamander... Vulcan Venture, Ghouls and Ghosts. As you walk over here, we've got some pinballs. We've got Twilight Zone, Getaway, Mustang, Congo, Indianapolis 500, Indiana Jones, Party Zone. Hello, Tony. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm all right. How's this event been so far today, this weekend? Well, it's been busy on both days. It's been fantastic. So, uh, no problems with the machines, all the machines working fantastic. Brilliant. And, um, a good group of uh, bids and pins. What more could you want? Yeah, it's been really good, hasn't it? It's been brilliant. I'm just doing a walk around of all the cabs now and the, and the pinballs. Happy days. <laughs> all right, mate. Uh, pole position, Weckley Man's 24, Speed Buggy, Paper Boy, the boy of papers, Daytona USA, Thunderblade, which is mental, Afterburner, Radmobile, which I've just finished using a measly 40 
52 credits in your face. Uh, super hang on. Very good, very good. Hey, yeah, Mr. SM Raiders playing point blank, getting another world record possibly. Hi, Steve. Hi, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pac-Man, the Man of Pac, Galaxian, Asteroids, Star Wars, Tron, Cuba, Defender, Joust, Robotron, and we have two Clark K cabs, a Donkey Kong, and a Pandora's Box 2, which must run all those Neo Geo type games. Killer Instinct 1, Mortal Kombat 2, Fix It Felix 0, NBA Jam, Frogger, Time Pilot, Space Invaders Part 2, never heard of it, Outrun, Operation Wolf 3, Road Blasters, Track and Field, Crazy Kong, Millipede, Double Dragon, Hello! <laughs> Berserk, Big Doug. This is Andy. Hello! Event organiser, Jane. Event organiser, hello. I'm just interrupting their um, food. I'm just doing a walk around of all the cabs. I've just remembered it's four o'clock and I've not even gone round. <laughs> Enjoying myself too much. See you in a bit. Uh, we have Super Street Fighter 4, Gauntlet Legends. We've got some more pins down this side. There is so many good games here. Street Fighter, some Mario thing. Mario thing, probably called that. Uh, Doctor Dude, Black Knight 2000. I like that. That's one of my favourite pinballs. Beat the Clock, World Cup, TX Sector, uh, Robo War, Genesis, Medusa, Gorgar. It's an older style pinball, I like that one. Joker Poker, really old style, and that looks like 60s, that one. I wonder what it is, that's good. You have to play that. F14 Tomcat Fathom, that is a beautiful looking pinball, it is blue and gorgeous. Quartet, that's a video game away. And so is Street Fighter 2, more pins, white water. The what is that? Oh god, it's covered up. Can't remember. Hey, we're having a pinball tournament now. World Poker Tour. Fast Break, Flintstones. Don't know what that is. Spooky crap. Adam's Family, Dracula, Party Zone. I think I've got them all now. Let's have a walk around again. Oh, I missed all this side. Spider-Man. Pinballs. Star Trek. Pirates of the Caribbean. Adam's Family, of course. Twilight Zone. Circus Voltaire. Star Trek. Medieval Madness, very famous. Lord of the Rings. ACDC. Indiana Jones. World Cup. Hurricane. Jack in the Box. Really old one. CSI. And Avengers. And I think, kids, that's it been a really good event. I've had a lovely time. It's soon time to go home. Goodbye. Goodbye. Excellent. I saw you do that little cheeky segue there. Well done. Yeah, it's good that. Yeah. Better than me at them. Yeah, so that's like a, a little walk around. It's an enjoyable day, like I said, and hopefully there'll be quite a lot more of them. Cool. So what, what did you like about 8-Bit Flip? What was the best things about it? Because... Uh, I think you really liked it, so next year I might try and get there if they do another one. Mm. I yeah. think a lot of these places live and die on the atmosphere of the, of the venue and the actual, yeah, just the atmosphere when you get there. The ambiance. 
that's the word. That's a lot of them have the same games and that. But there was a lot of cool pinballs actually. Some really old sixties ones that I'd never seen. Oh, nice. Uh, there's one called Joker Poker, which I mentioned at the end of that little um, walk around. Yeah. And I did get to play that, and I do really like them old sixties pinballs with the authentic bell sounds and the oh yeah the, the EMs yeah. The simple gameplay, it really appeals to me that. Probably yeah. the same reason the older arcade games appeal. It's just, you know what you've got to do, you've got to do it, and you've got to do it well. Are you just dressing that up as we're old duffers? Well, we are, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll allow that. Yeah. I, I actually Sophisticated. Played one, I played one at the South Coast Slam, which is mainly pinball a few years ago. Dolly Parton. And it was yeah. the 70s one when Dolly Parton had a big bubble perm. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. It was a really good little thing. It didn't have any of the music in it. It was just bells and whistles and boings and bangs and all that sort of stuff. But I really liked it. I liked the back glass. It was really properly cheesy 70s. I quite like that. Oh, they are good, aren't they? I've also been to the Batcave, the one-year anniversary of the Batcave. Um, I did a little mini podcast with Paul Monaghan from his Maximum Power Up. Is it his... Split off from Retro Asylum, he's made a new podcast with another guy and they called it Maximum Power Up. So that little half an hour walk around of the Batcave is on his podcast. Yes, I've listened to it. Very good as well. Mm. Sounded like quite a good thing. There are loads of stuff going on. And the arcade ambience, the music and the sounds in the background were really well done. So it's good to your uh, little dictaphone thing you bought. It's brilliant. One thing I have to mention about that walk around is I'm showing off saying how good I am on Tempest TXK that they had playing on a massive TV screen and then Jake Smith goes and smashes my score. How dare he? But at the time of the recording, I was like, yeah, no one's going to beat me on this. And then about 10 minutes later, he thrashes me. I saw a picture go up, I think, on Twitter just with his score and and a smug expression from him. So well done, Jake. And then the five words that keep appearing on my timeline, in your face, Sean Holly. Yeah, I was going to say I got a message from Jake for you. In your face. It's going to be a curse, that, you know. (laughs) Well, I get it more often than not now anyway from you, you monkey. (laughs) Cheeky monkey. You've also been to Pixel Lust 2. That was properly in your town, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the two-week event of little mini-events in a couple of places with around Blackburn. Most of them in a store called Blackburn is open. And there were retro games and bead art and Ooh, cool. c- kids' coding nights and bands. So I went to the retro game night and then the closing night, which was a few like arcade-themed bands, oh, awesome. video game-themed bands. Oh, right. Really got live stuff. Yeah. yeah oh, there was like I a, love that. There was like a jazz... A jazz duo doing like Mario tunes. Really do. Yeah, oh, like awesome. That. I love stuff good, like that. Yeah. I really like those. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Jazz Club, bringing you all that's best in the world of jazz. Nice. And finally, hmm? I've been embarrassing myself on the Shoot 'em Up League, the Retro Gamer Forum Shoot 'em Up League. I came ninth out of 13 this time. Ooh, well done. That's not good, is it? On Prehistoric Isle 2, because I, I wasn't really into the game. Is that a horizontal shooter? It is. It's very good graphics, but very large sprites, which are found cramped up the screen. So I struggled with that. I think that's the game that um, our friends who are doing the Sky Cursor new Jammer game, that's yeah. the kind of game it reminded me of, the big graphics, yeah. horizontal sort of shooter with lots of stuff on screen. Mm. And we have a message from... Are one of our sponsors. Well, not really a sponsor, just an idiot who follows, follows us around. Hello, housewife. 
and there's a house husband. And look, delightful children. Everybody knows in times of austerity we all need to come together and work out how to get the best out of life with the littlest of things. That's why Sean in your face Holly and Victor Marlin have invented the sandwich modifier. With the sandwich modifier, the boys will teach you how to throw any old ingredients, including clothes, old shoes, car parts, between two slices of bread and you've got yourself a family meal. The Sandwich Modification Podcast. Not coming soon by Victor Marlin and Sean in your face Holly. Bloody delightful. Right, and in the sort of arcade news type of thing, No Quarter, our friends over the pond, were threatening to cease podcasting because uh, I think Carrington resigned because he's got too many things on at the moment, which is a massive shame, actually. We all sort of moaned and pleaded and cajoled uh, Mike to carry on because uh, everyone's going to miss No Quarter. I've been listening to it for you know since about episode ooh, 12 and I've quickly caught up with those and they've been really good. And I actually sent Mike and Carrington an email uh, and here is, I'll just read out a little bit of what I wrote on there. Uh, Dear Mike and Carrington, please don't stop back. Please don't stop it, Carrington. I don't like it. That's sort of how it went anyway. And um, <laughs> afterwards, I think Mike sort of, uh, oh, everyone does like us actually. And yes, we still do. And he got another co-host in. He kept everyone guessing. And my guess is it was going to be uh, Quinn Dunkey, who also does a, an Apple podcast with him. He's a very, very good person and that sort of thing. She's built her own computer. She's really into Apple Mac. She loves the arcades, uh, drives racing cars and all sorts of stuff. She's an excellent podcaster. And the other one I thought might fit the bill was uh, Robo Hara. Or Rob O'Hara, as he's so known. And he does lots of uh, podcasts that I listen to. He does Sprite Castle, Commodore 64, when you really like that. Yeah. Uh, he does his own um, You Don't Know Flack. He does loads of different subjects, yeah. all on his own as well. And they're really, really listenable. You wouldn't think that with a single person speaking, but he's very, very good. And he's, he's hosted on other stuff. And I think he does some other kind of podcasts as well, different related ones. And luckily, it was Rob O'Hara who done it. And the first one's come out, and it was very, very good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've listened to that. It's a really good one. Yep, and they've changed uh, their. Uh, I think they've changed their site now. It's not going to be hosted on the Monster Feet anymore. It's going to have their own their own site. So we'll put links in the show notes so everyone can change their RSS feeds and all that sort of stuff over on. That. No porter. No no porter. No, there's no porters involved. No porter quadcast. I'm, I'm actually in a hotel room in Manchester, and there is no porters at all, and it's very nearly a quadcast. <laughs> That's brilliant. That right. Oh, this is a good one. More arcade news from around the world, local areas, and everywhere else, if there is anywhere else. Yes, poor Mr. Minter. The Atari lawyers have demanded that the Vita game TXK, which I was playing last Saturday, is removed from sale. Can I, can I just change that slightly? I'll do my spin. You've wrote it very politely there. Go on. Right. Atari dick lawyers <laughs> demand the awesome Vita game, which Jeff Mint had produced when he was actually in Atari as, a, as Tempest 2000, who was actually paid to do it by Atari, has done his own remake with no Atari names to it, no Tempest names to it, and they're going, me, 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 remove. No, they won't. I'm not too, <laughs> I'm not too happy about that. Have you guessed that already? <laughs> They have, they've had the audacity to stop Jeff and Llamasoft producing one of the probably the most popular Vita games at the moment. And this Atari isn't the Atari we love from the early, late 70s, early 80s. This is just some flyby nights who've bought Atari recently 
and they're just trying to make T-shirts and stuff out of it. They're not actually producing games anymore, as far as I know. Um, yeah. But I think if they actually just stuck their name on it and gave Jeff a bit of money and had a percentage of the game, they'd do much better in it. I think, I'm sure everyone would love to see the Atari name on a game like that. Yeah. Yeah, but hopefully, were. when these charlatans inevitably fail, which most of the other people who've owned Atari do, I'll buy the company for a pound and let Jeff mm. carry on. That'll do, nice. it? Sorted. I think that's fixed now. Nice one. Okay. Do you know the best thing about TXK? It's brilliant. Yeah, the inclusion of the jump button, which I Ooh. was very impressed with. You pick a few of these power-ups up throughout power up. the level, and then when you have enough power-ups, you have a jump so you can leap back off the grid. Ooh. shoot the bad guys and then land back on it and it adds another dimension to the gameplay and it's Vevegord Vevegord that sounds awesome mate that's absolutely brilliant because I was playing um, actual Tempest last night at, at the arcade club on a, on a mini cabinet on a proper Vector one and I've never yeah. really played it that much it always seems a bit difficult to me I've seen people playing it and they're really really good at it and I really enjoyed it I mean the spinner was perfectly weighted on it the screen wasn't wobbly at all it was a really well maintained machine I really liked it. I got. I didn't get very good scoring. I got at level six or so, just something simple. Really, yeah. really enjoyed it. I mean, if I wasn't so scared of um, color vectors, monitors, I would actually probably have one of those if I could get old one. Yeah. Right, so we're moving on now. Our Sky, Sky Cursor friends are now doing a daily development vlog on Twitch. A vlog. A video a vlog. Log, yes. I haven't watched any of them. Every time I think, right, I'll watch one of them. Um, I've even had a look this morning offline. Yes, I did the same. I thought I'd have a quick look, see if I can catch up. I thought it might be um, backup ones you can look at, you know, ones they've done already that they've recorded, but it seems to be just a live thing. Because yeah. they're all in America, it's going to be like eight hours behind us or in front of yeah. us, wherever they are. Uh, next, I have a question for you, actually, on this. Go on, I'll bet I can answer uh, in, it. In my Facebook feed, there's a, an arcade called the Silver Coin Arcade from America. Yes. And the guy who owns it buys some really excellent cabs and he's always putting on that these really rare pictures so I enjoy yeah. that and what he put up right a fully working non-hacked up Asteroids Deluxe and he was selling it for $500 so if that was sold in the UK I'm thinking a lot more than that what, what would you reckon that would if, sell if I for? Was in, if he was in the UK and he said to me would you like this Asteroids Deluxe for $500 I'd rip both his arms off before he'd finished saying the word dollar. I'd right, you'd, have yes. to lift, you'd have to lift it yourself then. I'd wait for a bit. Yeah, that's true. But yes, that is a re- that's so cheap. You've got, yeah. a, you've got to be talking, for an unhacked, decent one that works, at least £800 or more. You, so you've got here, you, you, I think I put six to 800 I think 800 to £1,000 for Asteroids Deluxe. So it's over double, isn't it? Yeah, easy. easy. Yeah. I love Asteroids Deluxe. I really like it. And in the proper cabinet as well, it's got a mirrored back glass on it with um, like like original Space Invaders. So you've got like a backdrop. It sort of floats, the screen floats on. It looks absolutely amazing. It's mm. really good. I really yeah. like Deluxe. So it's probably my favourite out of the Asteroids games. And, right, moving on now. Oh, dear, I've just read this and I realise we're going to be struggling with this. Okay. Mr. Charlie Farr. Yes. The Galaxian expert has beat one million points on Galaxian and he's done it twice. Actually, Let's give him now. an arcade ping. But we can't. Ping, ping. I'll add that later. You can add it later. Of course you can. Yay. It's a wonders of modern technology. Mm. Yeah, so well done, David. Well done, brilliant, Char- brilliant score. He's not Charlie. But his, his real name's David. That's just confusing. I'm calling him Charlie. 
I, I did ask him, and he told me of the Charlie Farr thing, but you know what my memory's like, I can't remember. It was last night, it was like nearly 12 hours ago. Yeah, like, goodness me, Yeah, sir. so he is now a Galaxian millionaire. I think, <laughs> before long, watch out Americans, um, we're going to be owning the Galaxian world record again. Yeah. He's not got far to go now, I think 1.4, 1.6 million is the world record. Do you know what I got on it? 10,000. 47 and a half. That's, that's really that, good. That is that's, really that's better than I can get on Galaxian. I love that's Galaxian. That's my record. Yeah. Wow. Another game we played at um, Arcade Club last night, there was a, a cocktail cabinet with the, the proper Galaxian American cabinet with this sort of, it's got like a, a twisty, turny lever rather than a joystick. And it's yes. got like an 18 yeah. one multi-game on there. And I was mm. playing Galaxian, I think, part X, which is like a hack of it, and had really, really quick bullets. And they were bendy. You could move the bullets around as they were flying up the screen. Yeah. I still only got about 15,000, which is rubbish. I mean, that game is really, really easy. I just, I like it, but I'm just rubbish at it. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I noticed on there. There's a guy on the UK VAC forums called Sea Monkey, Adrian. Very, yeah. very, very, very clever chap. Yes. And uh, he, he put a post up. He'd found a hidden musical tune on OutRun. Remember a little while ago, people found in the code of Donkey Kong some extra tunes that weren't used. Yes. Well, I thought, wow, someone's found it in OutRun. That's amazing. You know how good the music is in OutRun. It's proper synthesized, full on three, four minute tracks. Wow, how come no one's seen that? And I read a bit further on, and he had been sea monkeying around with the code, and he'd inserted it himself. And what he did, I think if, if you held the start button or held, stood on your head or moved the steering wheel to the left, you could <laughs> yeah. get this extra tune. And then everyone's going, wow, where's that coming from? And they sort of realized, hold on a minute, he's messing about. So yeah, he'd done sort of an early uh, April Fool's trick for himself. So well done for actually being able to read the code and slip things in there. Because he's, he's moving on to doing some stuff on the L-System Taito hardware. And yeah. a few other chaps are doing that. So I think uh, Hooray Banana, our friend Eric, who's also, he's a programming lecturer at college. He's into that sort of thing as well. He's just bought a board to try out. So hopefully some games, some 8-bit computer games, will be ported onto arcade hardware before long. I think that's mm. their goal, ultimately. Yeah, happy birthday to him, actually, to Adrian. It's his birthday as we're recording this today. Oh, cool. Well done, him. Yeah. Lezolil, 70. Lezolay. Lezolay. I don't know how to say it. He did say I'd said it right once, but I say it different every time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's provided us with a nice link to John's Arcade uh, over in America, who, who's got the uh, excellent Nintendo collection. He does the, um, their podcast as well. Uh, he's restoring a nice Century Time Pilot machine. And also, he sent us a, a link to a Starcade episode. Remember the um, the American TV game show with the arcade games in from like the early eighties. Yeah, and I've put both of them in the show links. It's very interesting. Actually. So I do think that Century Time Pilot is better than the Atari one we were playing on last night. I just like the cabinet better. Yeah, we shall uh, get on to that later on. Oh yes. Uh, also, in the world of Mame, somebody has dumped the French version of Berserk. How bizarre! Yeah, so. This means French synthesized voices. Instead of chicken fight like a robot, it'll be poultry, manger, avec. Robotique. Uh, robotique. Our French is amazing. Sorry if anyone from France is listening. Yeah. <laughs> really sorry. But also, uh, on the Dragon's Lair Fans Forum, which is a European forum I, I visit quite a lot now, because the French ROMs have been dumped, they reckon the German and even Dutch versions might be available soon as well. Which is quite cool, because there is quite a lot of, uh, and maybe even Spanish and Italian, I don't see why not. Yeah. Because when you, when you play Berserk on MAME, if you go into the settings, the dip switch settings, you can actually change the, the text language to German and French as well. So I don't see why yeah. they couldn't do the, um, the synthesis in different languages. 
Awesome. Mm, that would be interesting to hear, won't it? It would, yeah, it'd be bizarre. And for all you Street Fighter fans out there, someone on the U of the tubing Tube has you. done a full res- retrospective of the Street Fighter franchise, starting right from number one up to modern day. Okay. And, it, uh, and another guy, this first guy's done them in install- installments, yes. and the other guy's stitching them all together into like a two and a half hour video. Awesome. Uh, so I've just picked my way through little bits of it. But if you're into that, it's brilliant. It's so detailed about the, the very beginnings of it, going right into the creation of it and the programmers and the fighting styles and how the characters developed. It's it's really good. It's right up my street, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, it, there's a lot to talk about as well. It's in so many different kinds of street fighters, good or bad, mainly yeah. good. Uh, and when we were talking to Mark at the Hog, I'm not sure if he mentioned it in the interview. I only listened to it the other day again. They are being sponsored by Capcom, and hopefully they'll get a preview of Street Fighter Five when it comes out. I think it's, I think that's this year. Yeah, I might have to go along for that actually because I do like Four. I do like playing Four. It's brilliant. Mm, I saw you playing that last night actually. Yeah, it's good. I was going to have a two play against you, but I didn't want to embarrass you, embarrass you with my one button attacks. I would actually do a real life uh, spinning bird kick on you. <laughs> Me big long legs. <laughs> right, next we have. Can you remember that thing we were on about Etsy a few weeks back? Yes, Etsy, the crafty type thing. Yeah, which was mini arcade machines. Yes. Well, someone has come up with paper versions. Papercraft, I think it's called. Paper versions of arcade machines. Origami. On Flickr. So you go and print off whatever they've put on an A4 or an A3 sheet of paper. Yeah. You fold it all together and you have your own machines. Wow. You can like you know, give them to your kids and and give them to the cat. Yeah, That's awesome. I have to have a look yeah. at. That. I do like them silly little things. I probably will probably yeah. do one as well. I'll do like uh, a Donkey Kong or a Dig Dug or something and just pop it on top of my machine in the garage. There is a Dig Dug. There's a Mappy with a massive Ooh. marquee thing at the top. Oh, I do like a bit of Mappy. I th- mappy. Oh, our friend uh, Ollie uh, Muddy Music has got a Mappy. Yeah, I know. He does. He's moved. He's now in Cornwall, so he's even further away from me than he was. I think he's done that on purpose, so I can't play his map. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a nice new arcade room as well, so one day we'll have to go and visit him down there. What's this National yeah. Video Game Arcade in Nottingham about? We mentioned it a couple of months back, and now it's finally open. Okay. It's the, well, they're saying it's the world's first permanent arcade and video game exhibition. So they're going to have different events in the actual place. Hopefully that'll be promising. Yeah. I think the first one, the first is like exhibition is a hundred games that changed the world or something, or a hundred game objects. So one of them is like the Jet Set Willy copy protection booklet that you oh, got. Oh, I hate that thing. Do you remember that? With all the I, colours? I never liked that thing. Oh no! Stupid reds and magentas look like the same colour. Yes, I'm definitely going to go on along to that when I'm in the area. I think mm-hmm. it's open weekend, so that'll okay. be good. Another one I found, Danny O'Dwyer. He's like a, a YouTube podcasting guy. I yep. think he works for IGN, somebody like that. And he did like a little 10-minute video on and how game content has changed originally from the arcades to what you get now. And that's worth watching. It's re- really interesting. Like game content was your original five minutes on Robotron. That was it. Yeah. And now it's a multi-million dollar thing where more content is seen to add more value to the games but I, it doesn't you know no, they, they have these massive dlc packs and Ugh. but really it's the core gameplay which i think has been lost along the way absolutely this download thing it's, oh, it's not for me mm, Any, that anything good. that takes 
longer to load and get ready than actual play is not for me. Mm, it's a good rule. I went, I think I said before, I went on the PS3 for the first time in ages. I had a little bit of spare time. I thought, I'll just pop on there, see what's on the, you know, the cheapo games for download for you know, a couple of quid. I might buy a few. And I think my PS3 had to be updated again. And I was like, I had to wait like 40 minutes. And we were waiting for a TV program. That's why I had a bit of spare time. By the time it had got halfway through, the TV program was on. So I just left it overnight and thought, I'll go tomorrow. That's not yeah. how I want to play a game, is it? Oh, I'll go tomorrow. I want to play yeah. it now. I know. It's a sign of the times, isn't it? Mm, not good. Mm. Um, game Room Junkies 50, the, po- the podcast Game Room Junkies. They've got an interview with Billy Mitchell, which is worth listening to. The hair. It's about... Uh, oh, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through the podcast. It's about 25 minutes. It's a right good, interesting listen and, okay. a, and a bit of an insight into the guy. I do like Billy. I've met him a couple of times before. If you're for it, you're a son of a gun. If you're against it, you're a son of a gun. Uh, he's a really nice bloke. Whatever yeah. anyone thinks of me, he's quite a good bloke. And he's very, very very good for the arcade scene. He does a lot of promotion. Good, good work. Yeah. Yeah, they asked him what he was doing this weekend, and he reeled off all these things. He's always busy. Yeah, yeah, as well as running a successful business and preening that wonderful hair of his. Yeah. <laughs> must take hours. And next one, next bit of news. Uh, what do you like for inf- infographics? Do you like your infographics? I don't know what they are, but I'm sure I like them. An infographic is a picture that gives you information. Okay. It's like a kind of a mind map, but Like better. a crayon drawing. No, not... Or finger painting. No, much better. Much better than that. Potato painting. Um, yeah, getting there. Okay. <laughs> I found one. A Brief History of Pinball. And it's a big, long infographic. It stretches about three screens on your, on your laptop. All right. And it goes from 1871. The modern version of Bagatelle was patented by Montague Redgrave. Montague Redgrave? He's probably yeah, a relation of mine. It's Bags of Tells. Bags of Tells. And it, yeah, it's just interesting about the birth of the flippers and the, all of that lot. So I love me infographics. I love them. They sound quite cool. And it goes, yeah, right down to 2012. So if we do a link to that, that's worth looking at. We certainly will. What's Uh-oh. the next uh, news? You can do this one. Stern. Yep. The Pinball Legends are releasing an old stool, old stools. They're releasing a load of old stools. load of old stools, just two legs, three legs, whatever. Yeah, so I spoke to them and said, come on, get back to pinballs, lads. So they yeah. are doing. Okay. And they're releasing one called Woa Nelly, Big Juicy Melons. I've heard about this, I think, from the Broken Token guys, because they're quite into their pinballs. And it's an old school one. You know, Explain like yourself. It sounds terrible. Yeah, but it's supposed to be like a tongue-in-cheek old-school pinball. It's got yeah. the the mechanical reels and the bells and the, the the proper plunger and all that lot. So I think it's going to be brilliant. That. They're going to do a throwback sort of mick take. Because I yeah. remember, you know, you said earlier about some of the 60s and 70s mechanical pinballs. Yeah. I mean, the, the back glasses were, how would you say, uh, not very politically correct. They're all buxom ladies with uh, very tight tops on and gentlemen smoking big cigars with top hats on and you know this sort of <laughs> rubbish like that and it, it i wouldn't take them seriously i really wouldn't they're just silly and if they can yeah. if they can pull it off by being silly enough for people to accept it as not being you know sexist or a bit too racy or whatever i think it'd be quite good and and stern generally do things correctly don't they they don't really make uh, any errors with their pinballs they're pretty damn good yeah there must be a demand for it that's they wouldn't do it yep we had an April Fool joke played on us, didn't we? We knew there would be one before long. Yeah, we on knew the it. arcading community. Arcade SD. Yes. Phoenix Arcade. Oh, he's 
not going to make any more of his arcade SD boards, he said. It's sort of like a main thing, but on a single board. It's not a PC. Yeah. I think you can actually license the games properly. So if you want to play your games legally, that is the way of doing it. Mm. And they told everyone we're not doing it anymore. And everyone went, meh! Yeah, he said he could have sold a thousand that day. He said, I don't know. But... Oh, yeah, I bet he could. Everyone would go, well, what one now? That's a good, yeah. um, that's a good uh, trick to get people to buy your things, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because at, at first, when um, No Quarter didn't do a podcast one week, everyone thought, oh, you know, Mike's been a bit ill lately. He's had a bit fluey sort of thing. Okay, we'll leave it. And then there was another one saying, we're not doing another one. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on two weeks? They've never done two weeks without a podcast. And then there was the news saying that, you know, Carrington's right. Everyone's going, oh, come on, it's an April Fool's. You did it last year. Sorry, Charlie, you took the mick out of us and, you know, made up this arcade machine. All this sort of, and people fell for it. But it, it really wasn't. It wasn't an uh, April Fool. I think he sort of left it to the wrong time and he regretted telling me people around April the 1st. But that's all uh, happily been sorted out now and we're all happy again. Yeah. So what is... Pack-a-pong on Windows. This interested me because it's like a throwback Windows game. Yeah. And oh, I hit, think I saw this. I'm just remembering is, now. You've got Pac-Man, Pong, and the little introduction of Space Invaders every now and then within the game. Yes. You fire Pac-Man from your bats across the screen. You've got to go through a maze. Yeah, so it's the Pac-Man the maze. Yeah. <laughs> but you're firing the, the pack guy yeah, across the maze, and he's got to avoid the ghosts as he goes, or eat the ghosts if he's got the blue pill. Blue pill sounds a bit ominous. Have you been what, taking col- in Viagra's again? They're blue what pills. Colours the Pac-Man pill. I've completely forgotten. Is yellow. it blue? Yellow. Oh, yellow, like the other pins, or is it white? Oh my god! Oh my, oh god. my god! We, we call ourselves arcade podcasts, and we don't know the colours of Pac-Man. It's all right. I'll edit them in later, so we look really good. Oh, that's good. Well done. I won't. And then, yeah, along the sides where your bat is, there's space invaders appear, and you have to smack them with your bat. <laughs> I always like doing that on Arkanoid, you know. You know when the little, those little silly things come down the screen, they get in the way of your boy, you whack them with a bat, and it knocks them out. Yeah. Talking of that Pac-a-Pong, did you see that little game they put on Google where you could actually play Pac-Man through the Google Maps? I think yeah. everyone's reported on this. It looked quite good. My, my, yeah. my wife sent it to me almost straight away when she went on there. I was like, oh, that's good. You can actually go around where you live with a Pac-Man. It's quite good. Yeah. Got my drive with Pac-Man eating pills and come back down again. <laughs> Next one. This is a little video I found. A 1990 walkthrough of a Tokyo Game Center. All right, okay. 1990. Yeah. Well, I was there f- then. A four-minute walkthrough. Just a little look at the Tokyo scene at the time. Oh, it would have been awesome. 1990 would have been a good year for candy cabs, I think. Uh, there are, Actually, there wasn't a lot in this one. There's really? quite a lot of... Um, coin pusher type of things and redemption type things they look to be playing boring yes yes oh this next one is appeals to me it really appeals to me there's a new type of illuminated tea molding it lights lighty up tea molding lighty up it's not as the previous apparently there's some stuff with leds under it that you can fit right this is a different type i don't know if this is some sort of different way of illuminating it yeah they look to me like it's sort of, sort of fiber optics going through the tea molding and Could someone be. had fitted a load of blue to a Tron, and it looked proper good on a Tron. Yeah. But what I was thinking is I might do this for a little project, if that stuff becomes available, is get some pink and make a yeah. black and pink 10 pence arcade podcast arcade machine. Oh, that would be good. With our pink you know, colour in the logo, and do some side-up with some 10Ps on the side. Then you could give it to me for playtesting. I could lend it to you for playtesting, if you come and collected it. 
Well, the idea was I was going to try and get quite a small machine, like a MIDI-sized machine, and we could perhaps take it to Nerg and uh, play Blackpool and, you know, all the sort of events with us and stuff. It'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Just put the games we've played before on there. You could play on there and see them beat our scores. It shouldn't be too hard. And the final bit of news, the Midwest Gaming Classic Show. Yep, that's a big one. It's is currently on now. It's in Wisconsin, which I think is in between Wolverhampton and Stafford, is it? Yeah, it, might, it might be a little bit further than that, you know, mate. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there anyway. In America. America, yeah. And that's another one of these massive events that we get jealous of. It certainly is. And that concludes the news for this week, kids. It certainly does. Right, let's get on and do a few pickups. There's not been many. Uh, I did actually buy something that's been quite cool. I bought uh, a nice soft-modded Sony PSP. You know, the old uh, portable? Yeah. I've been playing Ape Escape. It was a game I loved on the PlayStation 1 and 2. I've also been playing a bit of Raiden Project. You know, the Very Raiden nice. 1 and 2 together you were playing when we did that. Uh, and I had a quick whiz on it as soon as I got it at work. I got, it came at work and I nipped into the toilet. I hid it in my me, in me pocket and went to the <laughs> toilets. I've <dived laughs> off. And uh, it had Taito Legend, Taito Classics on it. And I played a little Lunar Rescue when I was sat on the bog. It was great. <laughs> uh, and obviously, we're playing a game I really love on the on the PlayStation Three and PC called Everyday Shooter. It's a twin yeah. stick shooter with just very very simple like block graphics. It is amazing though. It's if you like your Robotrons and your your Geometry Wars, you'll love this game. Mm. But that's about it, actually, mate. And it's just reminded me. I should have done this in the in the bit what you've been doing. I went to Denmark a few weeks ago on a quickie Copenhagen long weekend with a wife yeah. and we were going to go to this big collector fair but we missed it by a day which was a bummer because i was hoping to buy some arcadey console type things from junk that i like buying um but we also went to a little arcade there i'll put a link in the show notes to it called chassis arcade and it was a little sort of um console shop that had about five or six cabs in it it was a really cool little place so i'll put a link to there on there so you, people can have a look at that but if you're ever in denmark in copenhagen nip in there and they were playing a game. There's three guys there, and they were quite good at this game. And they were playing this game on just a jammer cab called Radical Radial. So like a 1983 game. It looked a bit to be a bit like a swimmer, but with little shooting levels in it, and then avoiding levels where you're sort of going up the screen like a sort of... Um, it almost looked like a river, like a river raid type thing. It looked really good. But I played yeah. it with rubbish at it, so I didn't like it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got any pickups? Have you bought anything lately? I've got a, a freebie from Arcade Mugs. Com. Oh, you got your one, did you? Yeah, 1942 Mug. Thanks very much to them. www.arcademugs.com They are awesome and very, very generous indeed. Yeah, yes. their, their mugs are absolutely brilliant. I had a few myself from them. And that will just neatly put us onto the arcade competition we did a few weeks ago. And nobody, well, one person has applied. Listeners, yeah. you are rubbish. Anyway... <laughs> yeah. To do the competition again, because I've got this mug to give away of your choosing, he'll send you a mug for free if you win it, you have to correctly work out what these arcade sample sounds are that we used. And because we use them between each segment like we do, people may not have had a piece of paper to write them down on or forgot to do it or whatever. But what I'll do, I'll just slip in here, is I'll put in the samples. So here they are. Write them down. Send them to me any kind of way you like. Emails, Twitter, Facebook, you know, on, on the podcast webpage, you can put comments on there. And you've got a chance of winning a mug. So here are the arcade samples. Oh. 
Did you get that? They're fairly easy. I thought it was probably one at the end. It was a little bit difficult. But yeah. I've talked about it before. There's a little clue for you. Okay, let's do a bit of feedback. Yes, quite a bit quite of feedback. Quite a bit of feedback. Silver Fox, uh, he likes your hairy legs in the picture for episode 33, March in Mays. You were dressed up as a lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's also awaiting the arrival of an original frogger he's getting. I'm quite jealous of that. I like a bit of frogger, me. Mm. I got the high score on the one arcade club last night, and some horrible person called Jace can beat it. Wasn't yeah. happy about that. Because you beat it first, and I was happy beating your score, and then he beat mine. That's not on, is it? How many goes did he have on Frogger to beat my score, by the way? Me? Yeah. Two. Are you sure? Yeah, but I only beat it by about 300 points. Oh, right, I knew I could okay. beat it. I think my best ever is about 16,000. I think I got 15 and a bit to beat it. And then this guy came and beat me by about another 1,000. I was like, God. Yeah, you get to that, is it about the fourth loop through where the difficulty ramps up and there's, yeah. you've got a tiny gap to get through the traffic at the bottom of the screen, which, which got me. Yeah, and you get the three racing cars. You've got to sort of time it with the racing cars and then the trucks behind it. Yeah. And, and then the one on the very top log, you don't get very many logs coming past. You've got to time it really well to get the very, very left-hand one, which is the hardest one to get. I know, yeah. yeah so there's a real knack to that. I just haven't got it. I need to try and work. I love Frogger. I really yeah. like Frogger. It is a good game. Love it. Benson Rad, listener number four, as he's well known. Uh, it helps his train journey home as usual. Always a pleasure to help out a commuter. Uh, he also thinks that you, you, you young man, <laughs> saving states and replaying playing some levels is a bit cheaty. Well, uh, Benson, you're banned. You can't ban him for that. <laughs> no, I can't ban him, though. I think... That's the wonder of this modern gaming era. You can just get to a certain point. I got to level three, was it, in March in May's, and I thought, right, I, I, I can do one and two easy. What's the point of spending time doing one and two? Get yeah. to three, get good at three. Once you've done three, then go back to one and play it normally, which is what I did. So that's not cheating. That is you do, using modern technology. Because you did it and you beat my score, it yeah. definitely is cheating. You're bad, <laughs> young man. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's pretty good nowadays because you can use the save states on MAME. If you want to practice a particular level, and the one that really springs to mind to me is the, the third elevators on Donkey Kong. Everyone who plays Donkey Kong seriously will do this just to get that level and get the, the knack of getting over that springy thing at the top. Anyone yeah. who plays Donkey Kong will know what I'm talking about. And it's yeah. good to practice that level. And when you think you, you can do it every time without getting killed, then you play a proper game and then you can play it through and get high scores on it. It's, it's that's something I'm using more and more often now, the the cheaty bit. Yes. Yeah. But um, Benson also men, uh, mentions, uh, we talked about Lucky and Wild. You know that funny cab with the guns and the steering wheels? Yeah. And he said it was at Dreamland Margate. I think you correctly said it was. There on his stag do. And he believes the place shut down a few weeks after that. Probably because <laughs> his mate smashed it up in a drunken yeah. stupor. Otto the Mad and Evil is enjoying it and hasn't had an electric shock for over a week now. Keep up the amazing work. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and Otto, keep up staying out the back of that cab. Yeah. Uh, Hannes Slanis, our friend from Austria, that is quite funny that. He hates Mooncrester as well and is hateful. Ah, uh, yes, but Fuzzy was defending it and so was Simon at the four quarters. They were defending the, the good name of the moon. Yeah, and but you can't, you can't trust someone who's actually fuzzy. He's not really, that's his name. That's his. Are you sure he's not just covered in fuzzy felt? No, I've met him. Uh, he's covered in t shirts normally that say UK VAC. 
and not I love Mooncrestor. No. Ugh, hateful game. Still hate it. <laughs> but you were playing it quite well last night. Of course I was. Yeah. Qu- quite a lot of people quite peeved about Atari blocking Llamasoft from bringing out TXK on the PS4 and PC, which I had a bit of a go about earlier. Yes. Quite rightly so, I think. Yes, everyone's annoyed about that because it is an amazing game and we all want to play it. It's as simple as that. So everyone should rush out and buy it on the Vita now. Whether you've got a Vita or not, then you'll have a physical copy of it. Yep. Ha-ha. Up yours, Atari. Yeah. Lezalil 70 Some interesting feedback about Hyankyo Alien turning into Space Panic, which was the very first platform game. And this is a link to the Great Bit blog. And I know a little bit about this. This is Septic Melon. His blog site, he's actually called Septic Lemon, but I like calling him Melon. <laughs> yeah. uh, play it in Mame, Ian. You can play it. Go and play it in Mame, you silly billy. Uh, so it's actually quite an interesting uh, blog site that he wrote about it. So I did have a look at that. We'll put that in the show notes. Mm. Leslie also says, following on from the Toa Plan podcast, he says, my right thumb permanently clicks. I blame Toa Plan for a misspent youth. Now I need to break out Zero Wing on the Mega Drive. Yes, everyone loves that game on the Mega Drive. Mm. It was quite a popular title, I think. Talking about your thumb clicking, I was playing uh, for about two hours solid on the plane to Denmark. I was playing my PSP, and it's got a D stick on the side, and it's got a little sort of um, analog, like turny, roundy, buttony thing mm. uh, on the bottom. And my left thumb is really hurting. I feel like I've got arthritis in it. I think it, I, I broke it a few years ago, and I think it's always been a bit weak from then, so I can't really use D-pads anymore. I've got to use sticks. Right. So I'm a uh, proper hardcore arcade I do like console. Mm. I need to build myself a single stick, one button unit for consoles because I'm trying to use Atari sticks, you know, the old CX40s yeah. and a quick shot, and I just cannot get on with them. My, my hands, where you're holding the actual unit in your hand and pressing the button and using this quite stiff stick, I get really sore hands. I'm such a wuss on a console. So I'm going to make myself a proper, like a Sanwar or a Samitsu stick, or maybe even like a an old school chip shop jammer stick, you know, the old hap ones. Yeah. So I might do, or even a Suzo maybe, you know, there's big thick sticks, one of them with just a single button either side. I'm going to do one of them soon. It's amazing what we used to put up with, isn't it, on that kind of thing, the Atari sticks. Oh, no. And then when, um, what was the first depot? Was it the NES came yes. out? And thought, oh, how comfortable is this? But when you look at it now, it's like real sharp angled pad. Yeah. And then the Mega Drive came out with these lovely curves. and Oh, how brilliant is this? The Saturn pad is very comfortable to hold. I yeah. do like the Saturn pad. Mm. And the, they did a six-button Mega Drive one. Yes. That came out a little bit later for like when Street Fighter came I mean, That's a really nice pad yeah. as well. What else have we got? Oh, someone moaning about my audio. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, they are correct. My audio was a bit low. I think I moved the settings by accident. It wasn't very good. Hopefully it's better now. Yes. I do try. Honestly, I do try. But thanks for telling me. I did know. <laughs> uh, right. Here's an interesting one, actually. Our friends from the Broken Token podcast, the Kentucky guys... Far, far. They were saying they've actually played the 10-player Killer Queen cab that we reported on. Remember there's that the two-screen 10-player cabinet that been released in America? Yes. Uh, he's actually played it, because we sort of gave it a little bit of a negative review. We think it wouldn't work, the game was a little bit dull-looking. Apparently not. Here's what I had to say about it. You talked about Killer Queen, a new 10-player cooperative dual-monitor video game. Whitney and I had the opportunity to play it at one Logan Arcade in Chicago, which looks awesome. You and Sean were discussing the viability of a 10-player game. Personally, I'm not sure I can make a blanket yes-no call, but with respect to Killer Queen, I would definitely say it's viable. The game was played constantly during each of my visits to Logan. The more players, the better the game, so people already playing it were reaching out to the crowd to invite others to fill open spots. There was a great atmosphere of friendly competition surrounding each game. 
cheers from the crowd and the winning side, and as well as an uh from the losing <laughs> side that can be heard through the entire arcade. As you mentioned, the game is rather large. At Logan Arcade, the cabinets were back-to-back as t- a team per cabinet, which is good. To add to the excitement, there was a redundant display mounted on the nearest walls so that crowd could watch the game from afar. Included is a link to the album of pictures from our Chicago trip in 2014. Toward the bottom are a couple of pictures of the game and the redundant monitor they were able to grab during a quiet time at Logan. So, I will put a link to their pictures in the show notes. I've asked the guys and they've nicely said we can do that. And there's also a guy called Dwayne Rich you've not heard of before. And our friend Ben, Vip, turned yeah. him onto our podcast. And we turned him on to No Quarter. So we've been turning people on. <laughs> That's probably not the way of saying it. <laughs> no. Maybe not. Uh, thanks. Both are excellent podcasts. I listen to enough podcasts on consoles, so the arcade discussions are a nice change of pace. Growing up, his family doctor had a Space Invaders machine set on free play in the lobby. Oh, I'd like to have gone to the doctors there. Uh, being young and unskilled, a quarter never lasted long in the arcade, so having one on free play was amazing. That'd be like finding a pot of gold when I was a kid finding a cabinet. Oh, no. Yeah. I remember in the arcades, every now and again, you'd find a faulty coin mech. And it'd have like 50 credits credit. I mean, you just stand there playing it for hours on end <laughs> before someone shoved you out of the way. Oh, he also says, uh, it's just on the next page of my notes here, he also says, uh, recently his brother gave him a Nintendo Play Choice 10 in a converted Pac-Man cap. What a present. Mm. And I added an adapter from Clov that allows you to play regular NES games on it. Right now it is playing Spot, the NES 7-Up board game. It's like Othello with different rules up to four players. It also gives you an entertaining cool spot animations every time you move a piece. Mm. He looks forward to collecting other cabs, uh-oh, and would like to set up a Raspberry Pi Cade or a regular MAME so he can play the games that we talk about and highlight on each podcast. Keep up the great work, both informative and entertaining. This is Dwayne Rich, DRich255. Thank you. So thank you for that, Dwayne. That's brilliant feedback. I like it when people tell us a little bit about themselves rather than just saying, you know, thank you, good podcast, or please don't do it again, rubbish podcast. I like it when they, they tell us what they're doing and what they're collecting. It's very interesting. I'm very interested to hear what people are up to. And we'd even like to see some pictures if people want to send us pictures of their arcades in. Yes. Uh, Chris Plus Plus, Chris Federico, uh, a guy from Atari Age who wrote the uh, book cast online book we both read. Uh, he was saying, first of all, thank you for being too kind to mention my Dodgem score a couple of episodes ago because it was even lower than mine and mine was terrible. <sighs> uh, that would have been somewhat embarrassing. And here I thought it was reasonably high. Here's my in-your-face, or yours, for my time pilot. His highest score this week has been a laughable 108,000, right on the dot. (sighs) Uh, I made it to the year 2001, which is the last level for it loops. This is a phenomenal game that I first saw on the US game show called Starcade, which we linked to earlier, in the early 80s. He also says that Time Pilot 84 is very good. Well, we'll talk about about that later on, because it's a slightly different game. Mm, Yes. Right, some feedback from Hooray Banana, Eric, who I met with uh, you when we went down to the Hog. He did? Uh, he's on about tour plan. Plus one for Gox, he says, I always get my students who are going to write an Arkanoid-type game to play this first. He's got to be the coolest stu- uh, teacher, tutor ever, yeah. isn't he? Getting these kids to play these old arcade games and then write them. Yeah. Write versions It's a good of way them. of learning, isn't it? Yeah. He also put, great podcast, Sean and Vic, quite interesting. How about Exidy or Universal for a history? I was kidding, oh no. Yeah, we can do, can't we? But it's going to take... Can you do both of them for me? Well, I've, I, I need a very <laughs> long lunch break for that, Vic, really. You will. Yeah. Yes. Um, the different manufacturers will be covered. We can safely say that. 
We don't know when. Yeah. Might be a few years, months, weeks. Yeah. But definitely. Uh, and I will be doing some research. I've got a few days off soon. I will be doing some research on a certain manufacturer. I won't say who it is yet, but I will be doing the research on that. Very it's nice. going to be a good one. Yes, excellent. Hopefully. Alex has said, great podcast as always. Thank you. He couldn't believe Bruno got that arcade sound. There was one sound uh, we used as a sample, quite an obscure one, and Bruno got it. Yeah. Because I think he was into that game. There's always someone who, who finds the really odd ones. Um, we got, uh, I think he's a German uh, collector, a guy called Tyrem we talked about. He had a, an arcade party in Germany. He did. And we moaned that we weren't invited, even though it was in Germany. <laughs> he says, by the way, guys, I like you a lot, and you're invited anytime." Brilliant. So next time we're in Germany on our lunch breaks, so we'll just nip into Tyrem's place. Yeah. Uh, this meetup was not an official party. You reckon the Dutchies, I presume that's the guys from Dutch land, Netherlands, <laughs> uh, wanted to visit his place and he was more than happy to have them there for the night. How cool is that? A bunch of guys coming from another country to come play in your arcade. Yeah. Well, same here. If any, any, any of the German users want to come and meet one of us and they're in the UK, come on round. Yeah. I live in London. Sean's in Blackburn up the north. Yeah, it's not far. Mm, mm. Uh, Bobby Idod. Yep. Been looking forward to the special. Cheers, chaps. Uh, Andy U72. Great podcast as always, guys. Excellent. Been looking forward to this one. Yes. Thank you, Andy. I spoke to Andy uh, last night. He actually gave me a little bit of a tour around Arcade Club in the back rooms I've never seen before. And they've got. Arcade Club is pretty big. There's about 100 cabs in there, you say? Yeah. And he said, I'll oh, come in the back, I'll show you the PCBs. They had shelves and shelves worth of PCBs. <laughs> uh, and then we went in the back room where they've got all the sort of cabs they're not using, they're doing up and stuff. And it was another world around there. I thought, oh my God, this place is like a TARDIS. Yeah. There's loads of stuff in there. It was really interesting. I love seeing those kind of things. Just looking around and sort of exploring places you've never been before. And, oh, you've got one of those. You've got another cab. It's one of them. I've never seen one before. Mm. It was really nice. And we sort of sat in there and had a chat around the back. It was quite nice. We've also had some nice feedback from Robert Hazelby and Steve Ridley off Facebook. Thank you for that. I think Robert Hazelby's Bobby Hazelnut, we call him. Is he? Well, uh, I do. Bobby Hazelnut. Uh, yeah, many thanks. Keep them coming. They will be coming. And Steve, can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. A guy called Robotech. Thanks, guys. Yep. I really enjoyed the special podcast. Some interesting history. It's got me into playing shooters, and I normally don't touch them. P.S., Armed Police Bat Rider is awesome. I think we must have mentioned the Bat Rider, the Rider of the Bats, didn't we? The Rider of Bats. Yeah. They're definitely quite small to ride a bat. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Like a Lego guy. Could a Lego guy ride a bat? I think he could. If he had a little, if he had used a little elastic band to hold him on. If off. he was like sentient and he could steer it, that'd be a good game. Panzer, Panzer Dragoon Bat Saga. Oh dear. Do the next oh one. Oh dear. Alpha One. <laughs> Excellent podcast, chaps. Listened to it at work yesterday. I've got Gox. The PCB is Ooh. faulty, however. I heard it's quite hard to come by. I also have Truxon 2. Interestingly, interesting. I'm one of my first jammer cabs. You'll hear about them soon. Which, yep, the end of the podcast. Yeah. If you press both buttons down, the ship would turn invincible and the game would speed up dramatically. It would fly past everything at about 400% of the normal speed. Oh, that is a bit of an odd thing to have go wrong with your PCB. Yeah. Do you know Gox is the only Toa Plan gamer I couldn't find any music for it during that special? It, I played it the other day, and I don't think there's any music in Maine. No, there's not. Is that, so oh, I looked online, weird, and there's nothing. 
And mm. I looked on YouTube, see if anyone had put anything from that Tower Plan shooting battle compilation, if there was a slim chance there was any Gox music on there, but there wasn't. Right. I know it's not a shooter, but I thought it may be. Yeah. Well, also, um, you'll find out later on in the podcast, when we talk to Ol at the end, he, he actually does, because he's got so many rare PCBs and boards and games and all sorts of hardware, he does share these by giving them to people, lending them to people to dump the ROMs so they're available in main because of because of him and a few other people. Some of these games you'd never see in main yeah. because he has actually donated his board to be dumped. You know the, the ROMs read and then put into a file and then put onto onto main. Uh, and hopefully, if he can get his Gox working, they'll be able to get the sound files off. Of oh, it. that would be good. Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, a little bit more feedback from Ian Ski. Good podcast and research, and also Chucky Egg as well. Thank you. Good podcast and research. Yeah. Uh, I want to say a, um, a thank you to the Schmups Forum guys because I put yes. my first ever post on there. So I, I put something like, hi guys, I'm normally a lurker. I've been on here a year, but I don't really post anything. This is a, a Toa Plan podcast. Are you interested? And we've got over mm. like 600 views on the thread. That is amazing. That's good, that, isn't it? So Thanks for looking. Yeah. And some, some nice feedback from Cave Hermit. H-N-N-S, Nick, Atro, and specifically S-T-K, who is the owner of the Toa Plan Museum site, which is one oh, of the nice. ones I use quite a lot. Wow, that's praise indeed, isn't that's, it? That's good, that, yeah. All down to you, bloke. You did mm. all the research. I just ummed and hard a bit. <sighs> yeah, so when you do your research, you've got, a, you've got a lot to live up to, fella. I'm sorry. Oh, God, it's going to take me forever. <laughs> anyway, and, and the company I'm doing is actually way bigger than Tower Plan. It's, it's, it's only bigger. They're still going, actually. It's only bigger in size, not bigger in... in um, Stature. That's it. Yeah, well... well we anyway, anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's do shout-outs. All the guys who met up with us on the 21st of March for the Hog visit and the Four Quarters visit. These include Alex, Chucky Egg, Eric, Hooray Banana, uh, Adrian, Davo. Uh, and Darren Hatton, we met there. And also Sarge came with us as well. Yeah. The Hog. And to the forecourt, actually. Obviously, Mark at the Hog for looking after us and talking to us for a little interview there. Uh, Simon at the forecourt for providing us with delicious beer. Yes. And, and giving me a lot of grief about hating Mooncrester. But yeah. I still hate Mooncrester. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of shout-outs, really. Uh, oh, Roger Cantor for some good tips on the Toa Plan research. He's been... PM PMing me. So thanks for that, Roger. Thanks for the interest in it. And it did help a little bit with the uh, information towards the end of the podcast about what happened to him and everything. Okay, cool. Oh, a massive shout-out to all the 8-Bit Flip people. There's just hundreds. Mm. The Batcave people, the Arcade Club people. Yes. And all the people that played Time Pilot along with us on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. No, no, don't shout-out to them because nearly all of them beat me. <laughs> But what a good game to pick because it really got everyone into it, didn't it? Yes, I did like that, even though they beat me. I like the fact that they're playing it. Hopefully we've inspired a few people to, to get that game and play it a bit more. We have it's loads fun. of scores to talk about later on. Not just our normal yeah. two scores, but loads I don't, I, of scores. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is it for me. Oh, and the arcade mugs again. Thank you for that mug. Yes, and also Ben Vitt for his funny ads he's done for us. And he's done a little Time Pilot review, which we'll play when we review Time Pilot soon. Oh, yes. That is funny. He's, a, he's a, a funny chap. He's a crazy man. He's crazy. He's a bag of frogs, isn't he? Yes. 
I'd like to just uh, give a shout out to Andy, Arcade Club last night, and also James, RGP, Arcade Club. Also, all the staff there, Andy's mum and his uh, girlfriend, and also his little girl for helping out. They were doing all the teas and coffees and making sure everyone was happy and looking yeah. after things for people. So thanks, guys. Also, Mark Singleton, who helps out with the, um, the run-in of the place. So yeah. yeah, absolutely wonderful place. I really enjoyed it last night. Um, we'll have to get Andy and James together one day for a bit of a chat sometime, I think. Yeah. It'd be nice to hear what they're up to, because they've always, always got plans, them two, and they're always good plans. Really yeah. cool. <laughs> Love what they're doing with the place. Okay, let's do what console stroke computer games should have been in the arcades. Right, I've had, uh, from my ongoing thing of asking other podcasters about what they would like to have seen in the arcade we've got rob from the player missile atari podcast which i'm going to be helping out with uh, an atari 8-bit draft soon we're going to review some games together so i'm going to hopefully be on his podcast with a few other oh, people reviewing good. atari games you would have been asked as well but you're not really an atari man you're a flipping commodore 64 man no i've very little um knowledge of the 8-bit ataris yeah they are yeah. very good very, very good machine. Atari VCS is another matter, but not, not the 8-bits. Yes. Mm. Well, he recommends a game called Oids on the Atari ST. Now, I sort of missed out on the ST. A friend of mine had an Amiga, and I always used to play his Amiga. But the Atari ST was a similar kind of machine. It says it's a kind of like a combo of Gravatar and Choplifter. You rescue little people on the planet's surface using a rotating ship. Great fun. Mm. And I'll put a link into a video of that. And our friend Aaron... Uh, from Retro Obscura podcast, he says WarioWare. Why hasn't this been put in a cab like Hyper Bishy Bashy for at least three players at a time? Awesome fun. Side up would be wicked. I loved that game on the Game it Boy Advance. A, it is a silly game, but it's very fun. There's a couple of mini games on that that me and my son played to death. There was a skateboarding one. Very yeah. simple duck jump skateboarding. That's all you had to do. Is it just like three buttons, kind of hippie, hyper bishy bashy type thing? Yeah, I think it's yeah, two. Very actually. simple. Yeah, very simple. It's probably duck and jump, I expect. It was yeah. like an endless runner type thing. Those kind of games really work well in big arcade cabinets where you've got like three sets of control. So three players can play at the same time. I was playing a game at the Hog. And it was like a rhythm game where the, the things flip down the screen. And when, when you hit the line at the bottom, you hit the corresponding colored button. Yeah. And it gives you a good, bad, or awesome. I was really getting into it. I couldn't stop playing it. Yeah. It was really, and I saw some little girls playing it as well. So it was an idiot like me, long-haired, 42-year-old idiot playing it, and some tiny little girls. So that's the different kind of person mm. it appeals to. And it was really good. I actually would like to get Hyper Bishy Bashy. I've got a board or a motherboard that would actually accept that game. But it's a yeah. bit of a fiddle trying to get it working on there because I might lose the game that's already on there and I don't want to lose my Konami Classics because that's what's got Time Pilot on it. Mm, that's a good board, that. There's so many it good is. games on that board. Yeah, it's got quite a few good ones on The only thing it hasn't got that I wish they'd taken off that silly racing car game that you like yeah. and put Frogger on. That would have made my day, but they didn't, unfortunately. There's Road games Fighter. Like, yeah, like yeah Road Fighter. They've got games like Kicker on there, Time Pilot, Ya Kung Fu, Circus Charlie, Scramble, uh, Super Scramble, Gyrus. Yeah, it's got some really nice games on there. Mm. We've got some user ones as well. Yeah, Lesley 70 Yep. He recommends Impossible Mission from Epics. Yes. I played this quite a lot on the Commodore 64. It was an amazing game on the 64. Yeah, it reminds no. me of that Rolling Poo game. Sorry, Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder. And also really? Elevator Action 2, which is what Robohara and Mike McGuinness from No Quarter did 
on their first podcast together yeah. for No Quarter. They did Elevator Action too because Mike hated Elevator Action. I really like it. Yeah. And Rob really liked the first one. He used to have it. But they both liked Elevator Action too. It's quite a different game, sort of more updated game. Quite cool as well. There's a kind of a nice atmosphere, a foreboding atmosphere to Impossible Mission. Like you're going down into the depths of this cave system and you're, yeah. you're running around and there's very robotic sound effects. Yeah, that voice is quite creepy, isn't it? Uh, also, Charlie Farr, our millionaire on Galaxian, gets reckoned stunt car racer. But I thought that was already in the arcade as Atari Hard Driving. Is that a very similar game where you do loop the loops in a sort of 3D car? It's all polygon graphics. It is similar, but I think Stunt Car Racer came first and it had bigger oh, okay. bigger jumps. There was this ski one. Oh. Like, uh, like a ski jump thing. And you okay. knew that when you went off this track, off the top of the jump, you were going to wreck your car, but you just couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> help yourself doing it. It's just a fantastic feeling it was. This, was, uh, this game was done by the legendary Jeff Crammond, who I have heard of before. Yes. He loved the roller coaster type tracks. It would make an amazing two-player arcade racer. Ooh, it yeah, would. Wouldn't it? And then yeah. a dual cab, yeah. Updated graphics. Also says Splat on the ZX Spectrum, which was an ultimate game, was it not? Don't think it was ultimate. I'm was it not? not sure. I always thought it was ultimate play the game. He reckons it's a real simple four-way twitch game. The screen scrolled up, down, left, or right at random intervals. All you had to do was keep your character from getting trapped at the screen edge. I always thought Splat was like Food Fight, but I think I'm mistaking that for another game. Cookie, I think it was like Food Fight. Incentive software. I'm just looking it up now. Okay, we've been going for over an hour now, bloke. Let's do a musical interlude. And this was chosen by yourself. It's Gunlock, or also known as Rayforce, from Taito 1993. And we'll pop that about here. a good bit of music isn't it i like that yeah it's almost like kind of an outrun vibe to it that tune i like yeah that. very breezy summery type of thing very as apart from you're in space shooting things but yeah yeah summer in space shooting things <laughs> right let's get on to our featured game review and here is what it sounds like 
Okay, the game, as we know, is the mighty, mighty time pilot. Yes. And before we get on and waffle about it, let's give our friend Vip a go. Here's what Vip thought of it. He did us a little interview, a little review of it, and here it is. Ah, uh, I better see if there's anything on TV. With parts made in Pepsi bottle, a Coca-Cola glass. I don't give a damn. This is Time Pilots, a battle with aircraft from the past and the future. Homing missile. Got him. Uh-oh. Blue bomber. Time Pilots, the best new arcade game. Hi, this is Vip from the Retro Obscura podcast. Only a part-timer, not because I don't have anything else to do, but because I'm quite bloody lazy. So, Vic and Sean asked me to come on to the show. We had a meeting recently down south in that London, and uh, and Sean and, and Vic basically said, look, 99% of our listeners have filled out a survey. It turns out that all of them actually listen to this podcast while they're at work, and all of them rate as their number one reason for listening to the show uh, as, as the thing that keeps them coming back, that is, is Sean Holly's audible chocolate uh, voice, his lovely, lovely voice. It sets us all into a day dream it's that northern accent up north it's lovely and uh, basically we, they brought me on board to keep you safe we know that some of you work with explosives some of you work here in factories with giant saws and stuff apparently one of you works in the factory where the mannequin comes to life back in the 1980s so kudos to you did i say kudos i don't know what that means i'm quite old i'm young but i'm old so let's move on before i say too much more Time Pilot. Now, Victor Marlin was very kind and sent me this nice little arcade stick here. It's got six buttons, a stick, and a start and select button. It goes on the back of the PC, and it lets me play MAME, which is really nice. I've never had one of these before. Uh, to be honest, the only arcade stick I ever had was part of a cardboard one that I made as a kid from uh, Quick Save No Frills packets of crisp cardboard boxes. And I ran out of Crayola halfway through its design, so it was only ever half a video game, if you get what I'm saying. So this one's really nice. I love it. In fact, I've been playing Time Pilot every day since Vic told me that he'd like me to do a recording for five quid so time pilots an eight-way game uh, I'm, I'm still new to the lingo so give me time and I'll, I'll learn but basically for me that means I can go in eight different directions and you're probably gonna need to on this game I noticed when I was playing it that the spacecraft as soon as you kill them they seem to appear back on the screen within seconds it's not like a, a Xevious game where everything seems to have uh, a pre-designed plan and you can sort of get an idea as to where to start shooting or where to have your craft at the beginning of each section of the stages or something like that. Uh, Time Pilot is just all over the place. There are some formations of craft that come towards you and if you shoot all of them you get a 2000 point bonus. Also if you click the parachute guy you'll get a bonus and that goes up to a maximum of 5000 if you don't die in between collecting them that is. And the game's fairly simple. You're traveling through time, you're shooting different spacecraft, you start with my favorite which are biplanes and you move forward to jets and then for some reason helicopters with homing missiles. Now I sat down to this game with my brand new shiny lovely arcade uh, stick and control system that Vic sent me and I thought 
I'm going to beat in your face Sean Holly. I'm going to make sure that Sean cries when he sees my score. I'm going to obliterate anything that he does because I'm, I, I like the I like the competition in the arcades. I always liked the fact that scoreboards are there for a reason. If we go to the arcade and Vic's put his score at number one, we're going to spend enough 10p's to make sure that he's down at number five so that when he comes around with his mates and he says, oh, look, I, I got that foreign space area, he'll see my name at the top and hopefully start crying into his into his salted chips before i digress too far the game was very fun and like i said i i, I was overconfident and sometimes we all feel uh, that we we're going to be really good at a game when you look at an arcade and you'll know this feeling yourself you'll be standing in a queue and you're talking with your mates it might be an expo might be in your childhood and you're watching the player play the video game maybe trying to pick up some tips or pick up patterns or maybe in your the back of your mind you're sort of playing it over his shoulder trying to imagine yourself being under the same pressure and and just basically getting your game on yeah that's that's kind of what we're doing there and and so time pilot was no different for me when i saw the videos of it i thought yeah you know i think i think i can get pretty far on this and i i kind of was wrong so my maximum score uh to date which i i very much doubt i'm going to be able to beat is eighty-six thousand. now i do know that there's been a bit of a competition that sean holly put out on twitter and maybe about six or seven uh, people came on and actually joined in it's been a lot of fun actually the community for tenpence arcade is quite strong there's a lot of you guys that know your arcade machines very well and very kind spirited people that like to have a bit of fun so the competition was a, a great deal of fun and I think the last score that was submitted was way above 300,000 so uh, I have no idea how people are scoring that much I mean I I found some of the things in the game uh, that were problematic for me was constantly having to tap the fire button and maybe the game I don't know if it'd be better with an automatic fire but what I do like in arcade games, say something like Sinistar or something like that, is it being able to tap the fire button at whatever speed uh, I want to and, also, and, and always getting a bullet every time I hit the button kind of makes me feel more in control of my craft or more in control of ultimately the the future of the gameplay. Now, obviously, that's not related to any sort of logic or uh, science-based testing that I've done. I just feel better when I can hit a fire button and I get a bullet come out. Either that or if it's a craft that's got automatic fire. I'm not a great big fan of automatic fire. Again, I feel you lose some control when you have automatic fire. Say, for example, Time Pilot, when you go from uh, vertical to horizontal positioning in the playing field, your bullets obviously become spaced out as you make that movement over, it would be four turns, wouldn't it? Yeah, so over four turns, your, your bullets are now projecting over the screen in four different places, and you lose a lot of control. So I'm not a big fan of automatic fire. I do like, however, to have full control of fire, so that's one aspect of the game that kind of threw me off. Ultimately, though, um, oh, another thing that I found quite difficult was not being able to... Uh, I like to be able to get close um, to the craft and to be able to manoeuvre myself. You know, I, I guess I fancy myself as a bit of a, a wily uh, space fighter pilot sort of person. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... 
essentially when I was getting my craft, my time pilot close to the uh, the bomber that comes across the mothership on the second stage, I, I felt that sometimes I I wasn't close enough to it for me to explode that I actually did. So a lot of the time I was actually exiting the second stage by exploding my craft into um, the spacecraft, the, the the mothership that's going across the side. Um, largely though, uh, for some reason I didn't gel with this game. It's a very fun game. The replay value is okay. It's a little bit frustrating if you're bad. Uh, the replay value is okay though. I don't think there's any long-term strategy uh, or game plan that you can set in place that's going to enable you to get better at this game. I think it's a case of sitting down and actually playing and playing and playing and playing. Some games that you don't mind grinding and some games you do. It's just a case that Time Pilot, for some reason, just didn't gel with myself. It might be the fact that Sean Ollie's way too good at it. I don't know. So that's Time Pilot. I'm going to keep my, my review as, as short as I can because the guys have probably got way more to say about arcade machines that's going to be way more impressive than, than what I've got to say. But thank you for listening to the Tempence Arcade Podcast. And thank you to Sean and Vic for asking me to do a little recording. I'm going to go away and play a different game. I'm not going back to Time Pilot. It's crazy. Uh, the, the game I have been playing besides Time Pilot is a game called Batsugan. Uh, that's a very nice game. Uh, but I, I fancy myself at playing a bit of Battle Squadron, so I'm going to see if I can find that on MAME. So you guys have a nice day. Uh, if you're listening at work, have a have a great day at work. It'll probably be at a weekend soon, so look forward to that. Let's see if they invite me back. Let's see if I did a good enough job. Enjoy the rest of the show. Now, I agree with what Vip says, a lot of it. Um, he's quite new to it, so I don't think he was as successful as we were. We've been playing it for 20 years plus. But he's done really well, got a good score for a new guy playing it. And the game, as he said, is Time Pilot. And this is from Konami, who wrote the game. It was licensed to Century and Atari. And it's an eight-way, one-button game. And you say it's a Monroe joystick used on the game, which is also used on Gyrus. Is that true? Well, yeah, the, the John's Arcade Resto one, yeah. Resto Vid, he says it was a Monroe joystick. And you look at it, and it, it, I had to look at what that was, obviously, in my technical knowledge. Yeah, I, I know what it is. And I looked at it, and it does look like that when, when you look at other places on the interwebs. Oh, okay. Which is it's, in... it's sort of a more, it's easier to rotate, isn't it? So it's good for, like, yes. gyrus and stuff like that. There are, I'm not sure how it's constructed. Um Silver Fox, Sarge, had one recently. He had one sent to him because I think he's trying to build a gyrus. And it's, it is sort of like, because in gyrus you rotate round. Even though you're moving the joystick in eight ways, you sort of rotate it. It's not analogue. It must be the way it rolls round. It rolls differently. And it could well be in, in, in Time Pilot because it sort of needs that kind of movement. Yeah. On the Atari one, which we played last night, I'm sure that was just a leaf switch joystick. But I could yeah. be wrong. Could yeah, yeah. Could anyway, be. It, you need an eight-way joystick. You don't need a, a rotary or a Monroe. You can play it quite easily on MAME with an eight-way joystick, yep. which is what we did. Mm. Now, the Monroe joystick you can actually buy from Quartercade.com, which if you want one for building a game. And we'll leave a note in the show notes where you can buy that in America. This game was designed by Yoshiki Okamoto. His boss at Konami tasked him with making a driving game, but he didn't want to. This is a great story. So secretly, he worked on Time Pilot, surreptitiously, <laughs> pulling the wool over his boss's eyes. When the game actually came out, it said 
The story goes that the boss took all the credit for the game and Okamoto kept quiet to save his face. What a guy. Mm. Uh, have a listen to podcast 24 when we did Son Son for a bit of a feature on Okamoto. So he's obviously making some damn good games if he made Son Son as well. Yeah, and 1942, Street, oh, what a man. Street Fighter 2 he was involved in. Yeah, He's a bit of an arcade hero, isn't he? Quite he is. Quite a arcade hero. He certainly is. Um, all the PCBs of Time Pilot I've ever had, except a bootleg I once had, have never worked. I don't know what it is about it. I've, got, I've actually got an original Time Pilot, which Sarge said he'd try and fix for me. So, Sarge, I'm going to send it to you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm currently playing this on proper hardware, but it's a Konami 80s gallery motherboard, which is on um, Konami 573 hardware. There's like a CD in there and a, and a security chip, and it plays different games, like we said earlier. But it's basically the same game. It's a flying eight-way scrolling plane shooter, similar in a way to Bosconian, which I had next door to it when you came to see me. Yes. We, we were playing a bit of Bosconian. We got a bit sidetracked onto Bosconian, which is a great game. Yeah. Now, your plane stays in the center of the screen at all times, and the backgrounds and the, the players and the different enemies all fly past you. And did you notice last night on the Atari machine, it had a bit of screen burn right in the middle where your plane is? Yes, it did. Because it yeah. never leaves that spot on the screen, so it's obviously going to get a, a circular burn in the middle of the screen as always yeah and that machine has started a really bendy screen it's sort of got a bit of a problem with the monitor yeah it's always been like that but it still works perfectly it's a real it's nice to play on a machine that isn't perfect because that's yeah. what it would have been like in an arcade they wouldn't have fixed it straight away they left it until it totally broke and it is brilliant now the background and sky as, as you scroll around you your aim in the game is to shoot enemy planes or enemy craft because some of them are helicopters and spaceships and pick up falling parachutists. Uh, you pick them up for different scores. After 56 enemy planes have been shot down, this is the same for every level, a boss aircraft appears. Hit yeah. this seven times. It's always a bigger plane and looks quite unique to the others. Then all the remaining planes on the level will be destroyed and you warp through time to another flying area. That's pretty... That is the sound effects, people. Honestly, it sounds just like that. Yeah, brilliant. When when they're flying around, the aeroplanes, you sort of move around, they sort of throw bombs and shoot at you, and you can avoid them quite easily, or not so quite easily sometimes. Every now and again, a parachutist will fall down the screen, and if you grab him, the first one you get is 1,000, then 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, up to a maximum of 5,000. They'll just all be 5,000. So always try and get hold of the parachutists. Yeah. And then usually when a parachutist comes, soon after, a squad of planes come in a little sort of formation, and it'll make a certain noise, like this. And if you get all those planes in the group quickly, you'll get a bonus to them. I think it's 2,000 points every time for those as well. So the squads and the parachutists are what you're after for big points. Level 1 of 5 is 1910, back on the old biplanes. The biplanes fire normal yellow shots, you little dots, and lob out wide arcing bombs, which can be shot and destroyed. Uh, but they sort of do it like they go, boo! And they always hit me. Yeah. Damn things. Uh, the boss on this level is a Zeppelin or a blimp. And you just get behind him and shoot him to death. And he's pretty easy. And I, I find level one one of the hardest levels. I really do. It lulls you into a false sense of security, doesn't it? Absolutely. You, you think, think oh, level one easy? No. Yeah, those. No, it's not. Those arcing bombs. Mm, they're a pain in the arc. Oh, well did. done. See what I did there. Right, level two is 1940. You've got single-man fighter planes. Same as level one, 
but you get mid-sized bombers appear to like a camouflage, almost like a little Lancaster bomber, yeah. which can be shot for 1,500 points. Good. And you get the same parachutist and squats as usual. They yep. fire the same kind of bullets and bombs at you as level one, but slightly easier, I thought. And level two, probably the best for grabbing points because you've got the, the Lancasters for 1,500 as well as the 2,000 squads and the one to 5,000 parachutists. Yeah. When you get to the end of the level, there's a larger bomber, and he's the boss. You kill him off, and you're done. Level three, 1970. Yeah. That's my 70s rude music, horn music. <laughs> uh, this is Chinese Year of the Chopper, apparently. Is it? Small helicopters, oh yeah, are after you, <laughs> and they throw out up to three homing missiles at a time. And they fire the normal yellow shots at you as well. But the homing missiles slowly follow you round. And they're quite easy to get out of the way of, aren't they? You, I normally just loop round under them. And they, when you've looped round them, they forget where you are and they disappear off the screen. Or you can shoot them, which is easier to do as well. It starts off easy, but it can get difficult, especially when you get three coming from different directions at you. Yeah, those, yeah they're a pain. When they come in the same direction, you can just loop round and miss them all or shoot them on the way back round. Yeah. But when they're going different ways, it, you can get hit. And you've also got the, the choppers to avoid as well. Yeah. It's quite difficult. And the boss is a chubby chinook. <laughs> yeah. On to level four. This is 1982. What a year. Yeah. Uh, jet planes. These are being piloted by Duran Duran members. Yeah. Are they? How did yep. you... This is planet Earth. Oh. I should stop doing that. Same, it was almost the same level as the choppers, but the jets are a bit faster and they follow you closer. They really get up close to you and they're slightly yeah. quicker than you. So they catch up with you yeah. if you let them. They can fire up to three homing missiles at a time, very similar to the choppers. And the boss is a large jet fighter again, different kind. Level five. This is 2001. The future. Going into the future. wonder what the future will be like in 2001. Blue UFOs, apparently. Yeah. The sky's gone black. Uh, this level's slightly different. Um, you're in space. And instead of all the clouds floating past you, you've got, like, um, asteroids. But you can go past them. They don't crash into you. I'm going to avoid them or anything. It's just a background effect. And there's no squads on this level for the extra points. You do get, you do get, do you get parachuters. You don't get parachuters in this Nothing. level, do you? No, it's, it's in space, and they they die. It's a survival level. This yes, it is a very quick level. I try and get it done as quickly as possible. And it says here, I almost traded my Rover two one four for one of these UFOs because that's what I had back then. Did you? Yep. Two thousand and one. What did I yep. have? Do you know? I think I might have had a Rover. Yeah. I had a red Rover around about that time. Chinese year of the Rover. Mm, 2001. Yeah. Yeah, could have but been. These, anyway, go on. As we're talking about these asteroids, rather than the floofy clouds going past, they hide the opponent's projectiles. They sort of go in and behind them. And they're twirly, fiery things. They almost look like um, an Apple Mac spinning wheel, you know, when you're waiting for something to happen on YouTube. It looks a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, one of them, well, the yellow ones that fly past you, they sort of arc in a sort of uh, wide arc. So they sort of, they're not homing, but they go near you and they sort of come towards you. And both of these bullets can be shot, the coloured yeah. ones and the yellow ones. So it's quite easy to get rid of those. And the thing about this level, you're in space, right? So obviously there's no parachutists, but could they not have had spacemen floating around that you could pick up? Could have done. Yeah, that's mm. my two pence worth put in there. And the boss on this is a big, fat UFO mothership, bigger than the other guys. It looks like a bigger version of the little guys who flop around after you. So... I try and get that level done as quickly as possible because it is quite quick. And when you loop round to level one again, everything seems ultra slow. It's mad. Yeah, it it's, throws the you, game, actually. The game does get quicker progressively until the end. You don't realise how quickly you're going. And when you suddenly... It's like being on the motorway going at 70, 80 miles an hour. 
than hitting a little village going 30 miles an hour through it. It's a yeah. very odd feeling. Like, God, this is so slow. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the Game Boy Advance version of Time Pilot in Konami Arcade Classics, which I've actually got, has got a hidden sixth area. Well, I've never seen. It's a, the area is 1 million BC, where mm. the player must destroy vicious pterodactyls. Not pterodactyls. Pterodactyls. Mm. I just spat all over my microphone then. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> in order to return to the early 20th century. So that's pretty cool, putting an extra level in. Mm-hmm. The play tips I think of, and you can add to these because you're better in this than me, you bum, yeah. is you get as many parachutists as you can all times because they get up to 5,000 points for every guy saved. Yeah. And it's probably, the, as you said the other night when I was talking to you about it, it's probably the easiest game in the world to get your first extra life on. 10,000, yeah. 10,000 and then every 50 after that, yes? Yeah on default settings. So you can get a, an extra life in the first level very easily. Yeah. So what I do is get as many of the um, as the parachutists as possible. And then usually after parachutists, very quickly as a squad formation, get all of them for the 2,000 bonus. Yeah. And one thing you shouldn't do is try and scroll them off the screen. Because like in Volgus, who we're playing the other week, if you scroll one of the parachutists or a squad off the end of the screen, you go back, they're gone. As soon as you got the boundary of the screen, they disappeared. You won't get them back until the next one comes. I wonder where they go then, parachute guy. They'll probably just get fed up and... Kill just, themselves. Yeah. yeah. Or just jump in one of the passing planes. Yeah, you've got to run these guys over in the plane, which seems a bit evil to me. Yeah. How do they get in that ship? And how do they all fit in? Yeah, there's loads of them. I'd collect loads of them. Just guys bored in parachutes in the back of the plane. Mm. We have some play tips from Phil V 85 who was at... Um, Arcade Club last night, who I gave a lot of grief to when I first met him, and he'd already got 400,000 on there. <laughs> I wasn't happy about that. <laughs> yeah, as I was, um, I've been, well, actually, we've been playing this now for almost a month, haven't we? Yeah. So it's, I've had a chance to get better at it, but I was rubbish at the start. I really was bad. Yeah, I've, I've actually got worse at the game. Um, mm. My record, which I actually have a picture in my screenshots, of what back in the day when I played it on my old main machine, yeah. I had about 319,000, which is a reasonable score compared yeah. to what you lot have been getting. And I couldn't get anywhere near that now. Yeah. Nowhere near it. So I'm not sure what happened to me. Well, I've just got old and dodgy and doddery, and my reactions aren't very good. But I remember when I played it before, I remember milking the first and second levels forever, just avoiding planes, not shooting anything. Yeah. Just getting the squads and the parachutists as many times as I possibly could before the big guy comes at the end. Because when the big guy comes at the end, the boss, you don't get any more parachutists. Yeah. And you do get squads, but very, very infrequently. Yeah. They sort of come really... And you got and if you shoot, even by accident, the boss plane seven times, that's level-ended, and you're back on another level again. And all the parachutists are down to 1,000 again, and everything's reset, and you've got to carry, you know, build it up again. So I don't know what happened with me. Or the level I was on, I don't know. But I'm it's, not as good yeah. as I used to be. I'm just not, and it's ruined it for me. It's one of them. If I left it for a couple of days, and then went back to it, I can normally pick games up straight away, get back to it within one game. I'm back to the level I've got to. Yeah, you've got to put a bit more practice in, haven't you? But this game, it was maybe four or five games. Yeah. Say ten minute games before I could get back to the. L- somewhere approaching the level I was at two days previously. Yeah. It's just it's something about it that just throws you when you go back to it. Yeah. It's amazing the depth of these old simple games, isn't it? Yeah. Give me these tips from Phil 85, yes, right. which you had, which was unfair, because I didn't have them. 
Yeah, well, I was trying everything I could because I could. <laughs> you, you were having to go on Twitter. All your scores are better than mine. I thought I'm gonna need some help here. Yeah. And he's put right on any stage. Listen for enemy shots. They mostly come straight at you, so you can slightly alter your direction as soon as you hear them. That's a good tip. That. Yep. Stage one. Always head upwards or diagonal when the enemy's bo- when the enemy bombs arc. If you're heading if you're heading up upwards, there's a lot less chance of the bombs hitting you because they they fire and then they drop, don't they? Straight off the bottom yes, of the screen. Yes, got a, like a funny arc to them. Yeah, just keep heading in one direction. Stage two: take out as many as the bigger planes as possible, but don't risk a life on them. Yeah. So don't sort of loop back too much, which I, I could never resist doing. But there you go. If you go in a diagonal up, I always go to the left for some reason. Yeah. And those bombers always come from the left when you're doing that. And if you shoot a load of shots at them as you're coming towards them, you normally kill them off before you hit them. So it's yeah. quite easy to kill them in one go. But then other stuff comes in the way and gets in your way as well. So you have to be a bit careful. Stage three says, head to one side. The enemy missiles will follow you. So you're heading to the left or right side. There's less screen space for them to manoeuvre. Makes sense, yeah, because it's a vertical game, yeah. Yeah, so if you loop, they go off the screen more. Ah, I think I we actually changed this. I started going up and down. I found it easier because I've got some more tips from SM Radis. Who, yeah, who's very good at it. Yeah, who um, who had this clever little looping sort of dodging mechanism and he'd just go complete up all the time on level three. That's how I always did it on the chopper level. I've always gone yeah. up. And when, when the, the homing missiles get close to you, you just do a quick loop round and then shoot them on the way back up, or they just disappear off the screen on their own. They just yeah. disappear on their own. It's quite. I've always done the loopy things. It's quite because as you shoot round in an arc, your shots go all over the screen. You you take out any choppers or planes that are in your way as well. Yeah. Stage four, but this one is a bit of a free for all. The only real tip is that you can group the enemy planes and quickly get behind them to take them all out. Maneuverability is high on this stage. You can almost turn on a sixpence, sixpence, yeah. a ten pence. I think you mean. You can I almost, think you mean a ten pence. You yeah. can almost turn on a ten pence. Because sixpences had lots of different sides, and we're quite smooth in our moves. Yeah, we are. Ten pence arcade smooth in their moves. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's he's completely correct. Um, the planes get they group and they follow you really slowly and they catch up with you. But if you whip round and get them from behind, they're an easy target. It's all clumped together. Yeah, that one. I ended up doing what you did, moving diagonally up and left. Yes, I, I, find I that found that. And then before the planes got too close, I doubled back and moved down and right, shot the planes and back up and left. Yeah, that's the best thing I found to survive on that one. And level five. Listen for the enemy shots, mm-hmm. as he said before. He's put, I almost draw a figure eight on my, with my plane on this one, looping around in a figure eight. Yeah. You've got to be brave on level five. You've got to get very close to the, to the spaceships to shoot them because they're so, they're so behind you, close behind you all the time. They're sneaky. You've got to almost risk a crash with them to kill them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The thing with this game as well, the, the, um, the collision detection is quite generous. Mm. If you if you almost clip one, as long as you've shot it at the same time, it'll die and you won't. Yeah. So you know it's it's quite easy to shoot them, and you shoot quite a few bullets at a time, and they, they come out quite quickly, like a machine gun fire. Yeah. And the UFOs, they instead of following you or arcing round towards you, they sort of move around in a sort of weird, um, sort of disjointed pattern. So you have got to go all all around all over the screen trying to get them. Yeah. And it takes a while. I just try and get rid of it, get rid of that screen as soon as because there's no real points to get on that screen. There's nothing, no bonuses to get. There's no squads either, I don't think. Squads of, um, of yeah. UFOs. So just get them out of the way quickly. Gone. Do your best. Then you loop it and then 
if you keep your head, you can almost guarantee to get back to the fighter plane. So you can, if if you can get past level five, you can sort of count on another hundred thousand on your score, kind of. Are you mocking me? No, <laughs> I think you are, <laughs> you monkey. Yeah, and it says, and as I've always known, point scab on the lower levels. Level two is good for point scabbing. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. That's sort of what I used anyway. But I'm just not good at it as I used to be. Nowhere near, which is really bizarre. I've always loved this game, and I sort of love it. I've lost, I fell out of love a little bit with it now. I think when I was younger, if I had a ten pence and I was good at a game, you mentioned this before. You'd play the game you were good yes. at instead of experimenting. I always played this one. I love. I've always loved Time Pilot, even from as a kid. Yeah, so I've never played it. I've played it like in the last few years, and then I really played it these last four mm, weeks. But yeah. I love it. It's just an awesome. I got game. to the stage where I was rage quitting because I was just annoyed with myself. Like I couldn't play yeah. as well as I could. Because the other week you said, "Oh, you're pretty good at this one. I better practice." I was thinking, "Yeah, yeah, in the bag. This one, I'm going to beat him." No, I think we all know <laughs> now. Is no chance. Nowhere near. I'm, I'm probably at the yeah. bottom of our little table of people who've been playing it. We've got here talk about the gameplay and controls and, and sound and graphics. I love everything about it. It's very simple, yeah. uh, probably 16 color graphics. It's nothing special, is it? But I really like no. when you play the game, it does like this clock effect. It, like, um, it sort of wipes the screen man in a sort of uh, clockwise effect. I really like that. It's yeah. very simple, but I love it. And I like the time travel effect. When you've done the, le- the last end of the level and you kill the boss and all the other spaceships explode around you, whether they hit you or not, they just die. And and yeah. it does this sort of like, um, it's like a lightning effect. Your ship goes almost like through a, a wormhole of time and it sort of zzz, and it zips you out and then boom, you're on the next level. I really like that. It's such a simple effect, but it's really effective. And you're just going, you're round and round. There's, there's sort of like... Um, Parallax scrolling clouds going around, which was good for the day. It's an early game. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I really like that. I love the pew-pew sound effects. And I was actually playing it one time on, on MAME indoors rather than in the garage on, a, on arcade board. And I had my headphones on playing it. And the explosions are really deep, bassy explosions. I really liked it. Yeah. And you get different... You've got to listen out for the noises as well because when the, the parachute guy comes, usually after that you get a squad and it makes a certain noise for the squad. You can hear a snap for that, and you know there's a squad because sometimes they don't look like they're in much of a pattern, but they are. They're together, and as soon as you kill all them ones together, that's when you get the bonus. You cut, you keep an eye out where they are, and then try and kill them all. And every time mm. they shoot something at you, it makes a sort of tweaky noise. And when they shoot a bomb, it makes a deeper noise. So you know to get out of the way of that bomb. So I really like the sound effects as well. <laughs> Talking of uh, sound effects, mm-hmm. Eight Bit Flip, their Frogger cab was next to it. Yeah. And when you died on Frogger, there's a humongous bass sound, like a And I thought, someone's got some drum and bass on here. It's yeah. such, such an awesome sound from that cab, that Frogger cab. I think it's the mono speaker mounted in a big box. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of a teenager's car. You know, they've got them 12-inch subs in a big boom box yeah. in the back of the car. And that's what I like about You can't get that on a main setup, really. You've got to have it, a rubbishy old mono speaker in a big wooden box. And that's Under where you get the table. sound from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, that's what it is. Cabinet art, alternative titles and differences in territory cabs. Yes. I like one of these and dislike the other one. Mm. Um, the Atari version, which we were playing last night, which is perfect to play on, is almost the same shape as a gyrus or a Euro millipede, 
or a really, really rare Euro Popeye, which I've never seen. But it's quite a sloped cabinet, quite an upright. The screen's quite high angle towards your face. Yes. And as we said, it's either got the Monroe or the um, Leaf Switch joystick and just one button either side. Um, the side art's quite nice. And I just don't, I've never liked that shaped cabinet. Just don't like them. Mm. But on the other hand, the Century one, or Centuri, however you pronounce Centuri, it, yeah. is a wooden sided cab. But I presume it was an option at the time. You get full, almost five foot tall side art on the side of it, planes and stuff. We've put pictures, we linked to pictures on the podcast show notes, which everyone can look at. I prefer the Time Pilot one. Mm. It's really nice looking. The Century one. Sorry, yes, the Century one. <laughs> there is a Time Pilot one. The Atari one, yeah. I didn't like it, even though I love Atari normally. There was ports of this. Um, there was also a bootleg called Space Pilot, which is also playable on MAME. It's yeah. exactly the same game, but the title page, instead of having time instead of space, it's got the space written in a really dodgy, not even like the same font as Pilot, and it just looks real dodge. That's how you do a bootleg. Yeah, it looks really bad. Yeah. And there's a sequel to this called Time Pilot 84. It's a similar game, but it's more sort of spacey, as uh, you know, it might have been as it being a sequel. And yeah. you've also got another button. As you, as you move around the screen rather like Time Pilot, when you sort of go past an enemy spaceship or a plane, it puts like a little target on them. And when you hit your other mm-hmm. button, it's got like homing missiles fly and get them, you know, sort of automatically. So it is a bit of a different play mechanic. So we'll have to play it a little bit, I think, because I've not really yeah. played it. I've always been yep. a Time Pilot man. Mm. Have you seen one called Time Fighter, which is on Galaxian hardware? It's like I a, haven't, no. It's very strange. I've had a little go of it, and I think the bullets only shoot up like Galaxians. The bullets shoot vertically. They don't shoot horizontally. That sounds a bad boot. Does it look like Time Pilot? It it looks similar, but you can tell that it's Galaxian hardware. It's got that kind of look to it. You know what? When, When a lot of people use Galaxian hardware, it's very versatile for people in the know. And they, they, they bootlegged a lot of games on, on that. You can play Frogger on there and uh, Scramble and Pac-Man. But the thing is, you can't get away from a Galaxian colour palette yeah. or the style of graphics, or especially the sounds. They're quite tinny, shooty, pew-pew sounds. And, yeah. and when you play Pac-Man on Galaxian hardware, it sounds horrible. It's really nasty. And Time Pilot was ported to quite a few different things. Atari 2600, which is pretty dire. MSX and Coleco. Because a ColecoVision, I found out recently, is very similar hardware to MSX. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I've played it, and it looks very similar. Game, just a port. Uh, it's also on Xbox Live. And this is one that's really worth getting if you're into Vectrex. There's a homebrew cart available just a few years ago. And it, you cannot buy it on a ROM to put on a, you know, on a, on a multi-cart. You've got to buy... The product you get, yeah. you get a proper case with it looks like a, an old video case. You get the cartridge, and you get some overlays for it. And it is absolutely top-notch professional homebrew of this game. Absolutely brilliant. Um, friend of mine, Martin White Gudler, brought it to the Cambridge Arcade thing we did uh, quite a while ago, and he let me play it on a Vectrex there. And I think it's about £50 to buy. It's quite expensive, but it is really nice. I'm going to have to ask for it for birthday or Christmas one year. And it's actually got that little effect in vectors, you know, when you travel through time. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't know how they packed it all onto a Vectrex, 
And I didn't realize Vectrex could do music like that. So this guy's a genius. If anyone's got a Vectrex and they want a really good game, go buy Time Pilot. The Batcave guy, Lewis, he's bought it. So hopefully oh, I should be... play that? I should hopefully be playing it soon. Oh, yeah, you lucky you... dog, you. It is really cool, mate. Honestly, it's amazing. If he brings it to the next meet, that will be brilliant. I think you should ask for that. Mm. Right. There is quite a few people have been playing with this on this. Some of our yes. friends on Twitter and in real life and that sort of stuff. The scores. Yeah. Um, oh, my score's actually higher than that. So I'll do my score when you get to it. I've got better than that recently. Luckily. All right. So, oh, I'm, a li- I'm one up on the scores, not two. <laughs> right. Are we going to do top scores first or lowest scores? Let's do lowest scores oh, first. Oh, don't do that. I'm third. <laughs> Right, the lowest score is Ben, Vip. He was at home playing on MAME setup. He got 86,000 clear. And then Ben, 76, 8-bit flip. We did mention the guy who got 108,000 earlier on, Chris++, didn't yes, we? Yes, Chris++ yeah. got 108,000, so he's next in line for the lowest ranking. And you got Ben, 76, 152,000. Yeah, I think he was just playing. Um, I don't know if he's wanted to be in his competition. I just wrote his score. Yeah, yeah, he's having it anyway. Third lowest. Ha! And you got, uh, it was me, but I'm, I'm up a bit higher than that now. You got madsteed.com, who's one of Ben's uh, guys off Twitter, I think, who's getting into the arcade yeah. stuff. 180,000 clear. Yeah. And then rubbishy old me in my face. 202,000, exactly. And I gave up. Just couldn't get any better than that. Well, that's a, that's a decent score, really. Not really. Not compared to you lot, as swines at the top. Uh, you got the Otto, the mad and evil. 242,900. Yeah. You got Tronads, who did an 8 bit flip, 286,000 points, clear. Uh, yeah. Charlie Farr, our Galaxian millionaire, did an arcade club, 302,800 points. Lezalel 70 at home, 371,800. Getting some good scores here. Yeah. Phil V85, arcade club, 396,000 points. I got a feeling he beat that last night, didn't he? I think he might. I don't. I think got th- yeah. when I saw he had three hundred ninety nine thousand on this. We'll say three ninety nine thousand for him. Still in the same position. Yeah. Some geezer, some old baldy headed fool. <laughs> Sean Holly in my face. Four hundred and forty six thousand one hundred points. Four six four. Four six four one hundred. Yeah. And that was eight bit flip. I presume is that on the machine that was at um, Arcade Club last night. Yes, we're going to talk about this. We will. And you've also Mm. got 326,000 points on the Konami on the main version. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. And top of the pack, SM Radius at home got 536,000 points. And do you know what? I know someone who can beat that. Uh, Ollie Muddy Music, he can get over 600,000 on Time Pilot, apparently. Wow. But he wasn't included in our game. Uh, Well, I have to ask him if we've got any video evidence of that. Now, there's a little bit of discrepancies in the scores, which you're not worried about. It's only a, it's only a fun thing we're doing. Yeah, I won't worry yeah. about it. But I, as soon as I played the one at the um, arcade club last night, I said, this is an easier version. I don't know what yeah. settings they've got out. We didn't get to look in the dip switches. Um, but it, it seemed a lot easier. That's a proper Atari licensed board set. Um, proper arcade hardware, obviously. And I found it a lot easier to play. Even though I didn't get a better score, I didn't really play it enough times. I was a bit disenfranchised by it by then it seemed a lot easier I mean at the first level you weren't getting those those horrible planes firing at you all the time it's very rare you saw the, the arcing bomb while them firing at you it was very mundane yeah. for the first level and I think someone said about you know the settings are a bit easier on there and we don't know what settings they were set to because we were playing on main on the standard settings at number four mm. 
But on, I think the Atari version, the standard set is five. So there is a very slight discrepancy there. Whether they are completely different or not, I don't know. I didn't really realise. But yeah, the, the one at Arcade Club was apparently easier. But then again, you've yeah. got still a good score on Konami hardware, oh, sorry, software on MAME at home. So yeah, we were that's... sort of doing that, weren't we? And I was playing on the Konami 573 Classics board. Yeah, on the ones where I know the actual settings. On my bar top, I got 326,000, which you can go in and check. It's the actual Konami. Yes. Uh, difficulty four at three twenty six, so that would knock me quite a way down the list. But still beat me. But the other people were still playing on arcade club hardware as well. So, yeah. but SM Radius, if he's gone home and he's playing on the normal settings, he's still That's amazing. Yeah. He's still thrashed everybody. He has beat our bottoms. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> has. Yeah, so but well done, we everyone's played, especially to yeah. SM Radius. You've got top of the top of the league, easy. It's just a bit of fun, but it was great to have all these people playing together and talking about it, and it was just a great community feeling. Yeah. So hopefully our next game, everyone will be just as interested. I really like it. It gives me a great sense of achievement when you get... We haven't forced these people to play it. They've done yeah. it on their own backs, and it's lovely to have a bit of competition. I really like it. Even though I'm down the list. <laughs> I don't mind. I've paid them hundreds of pounds. Oh, okay. So, so we look popular. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do The Art of Side Art. How about this tapper? Oh, tapper is lovely, isn't it? Mm, isn't it? Wasn't it? Mm, darling, sorted. <laughs> now, this is on Silver Coin Arcade. Uh, you said about earlier, it's a guy in America who posts up some wonderful pictures of some really rare cabinets. Those lucky dogs in America can get hold of. Yeah. And this is amazing. It looks like some, I hate to say the word steampunk, because it bugs me, all this brass and copper rubbish and leather that people keep making things out of but it does look like an old machine it's got like sort of black and white almost like an old photograph from a sepia photograph of the geezer behind the bar in tap with his big moustache pulling a pint and it, it, on the proper cabinet you've got a joystick in the middle for moving the guy up and down you know and, and left and right through the bar but as instead of a button for dispensing the pint to drink you've actually got a little um, little draft pullers you know the sort of little levers yeah, I really like it, and it, it looks like it's got like a brass bar around the control panel, and it's all like yeah. sepia. It almost looks like a wood panel down the side, like an old bar panel, and yeah. the tapper is in really oldie style, almost like the Cheers logo. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice, isn't it? And it goes well with the beer theme as well, and the drinks and stuff. It's a really lovely cabinet, and I've played one of those in Fun Spot, and playing with that instead of right. I'm using the lever and the button is really weird because it's got. It almost looks like it's got three joysticks. You've got a lever either side rather than a button. And I think the lever's got broken quite easily and people just retrofit them with the button. But when you've got a lever one, it's really nice. It's like pulling your drinks. as you're Really nice cabinet. Mm. Quite rare as well. Probably that's why it's on there. Oh, I've just seen the score on there. He didn't want to part it out because I think it needs some extra parts, which is ridiculous. You, you, get, you get flayed for that in this country for parting out a tapper. Uh, he's yeah. selling it as a complete and working machine, $800. How ridiculous is that? That is yeah. crazy money. Yeah, Tapper is a really nice game. I like it. And it's quite a fun game to play. I used to play it on Atari, Atari 8-bit. It's a really good game on the 8-bits. Mm. Okay, you can do releases from this month in history. Right, we're going way back, way back, way back, way back, way back, way back, way back. How far back? Quite a way back, okay. really. Not for a minute. We're just going to 10 years now. April 
2005. Right, these are these strange Japanese racers. Wangan Midnight, mm-hmm. Maximum Tune. You said Wang. <laughs> Wangan Midnight, Maximum Tune. It's a funny Tune. name, isn't it? From Sega, developed by Namco, I think, but it's got Sega on it. Mm-hmm. Right, I've played a couple of these over the years. I've definitely played number four. Oh, how many I don't are know, there? I, don't I think there's five, six, something like that now. Yeah, that's getting like the initial Ds. They're on about seven, aren't they? There's the definitely one from 2013, I think. Wow. A Wangan. Mm-hmm. And from what I can tell, you just drive in a straight line for quite a long time. Right. There's a few corners in it, yeah. and it's all about powering up your car, really, and you, you oh. have these cards that you insert into the machine. I think it's one of those long-term things where you build your car up, oh, and the okay. actual play in the game is like almost like a side quest to the powering your car up. That sounds uh, very Japanese arcade to me. Yeah, a lot of the modern games in Japan, they have these, you can put your own card in, you can save your settings, you can you know trade bits and bobs. And yeah, as you said, the, the game is more of a sideline. It's more sort of the collecting part of it and the powering up and, and doing all these things away from the machine. And then you put it back in every time, almost like a memory card. And I think yeah. a lot of machines in, in Japan have all got like headphone sockets. You can you know put your headphones on and get right into it. And it's more of a... Mm. So I suppose it's a community thing because I presume all the machines are all linked up and on the internet and you can, you know, check each other's scores and there'll be like hierarchies and all that sort of stuff as well. Very different. Yeah, the one I played, there was an obvious strong story element to it because you kept getting these like little manga in, uh, captions pop up and oh, okay. the, the two guys are racing and talking to each other. You think you can beat me, you stupid driving guy. I can beat you. I'm faster than you because my car has been spent 9 million yen on my car. Yeah, and I've got one of those baked bean-type fat zorsts on the back. Yeah. I've got one of them things that goes... I've just watched Fast and Furious 7, I'm so quick. Oh, did you really? No, I didn't. No, no, I don't ever do it. It's going to be properly bad, I'm sure. I know. Okay. Anyway, we are now going back 20 years Mm -hmm. to April 1995. This is an interesting one. It's a racer. Yeah like an F1-style racer called Slipstream, and it's a prototype only. Oh, okay. Main info reckons there's only about 150 made, and they're saying oh. the reasons for its lack of success was obvious. It was dated before it was even released. Oops. It's adequate, but its unremarkable use of sprite scaling as well as basic gameplay mechanic were more suited to the arcade scene of the late 80s than the mid-90s. Oh, that's not going to sell, is it? No, you can load it up in MAME. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's like you kind of... Pole position spa- type thing? Yeah, it's kind of like a space area kind of sprite scaling effect. Oh, okay, a little bit later. But by mid-90s, everyone was using polygons in racers. Yeah, yeah, you got Virtua Racer and all the mm. Sega. Well, even like Sega Rally was sort of that year, wasn't it? That's an amazing yeah. game. Yeah, it's um, it plays all right, actually. Mm. But yeah, dated, dated before it was even released. Oh, oh, just yeah. in the next one. Tell us about April 1985. Right, we have an expert in the house on this certain game. Oh, yes. Kicker, or Shaolin's Road from Konami, was released April 1985. That's next week's game. <laughs> I really like Kicker. It's a very, very easy game, I think. Uh, yeah. It's more one of these things where you just got to keep your head and keep playing the same game. It goes. I can play it for... I did five hours on it once, a long, long time ago. And I've never done that much since. I gave up with Lives Left Over. And the world record, um, they did an overnighter. The Broken Token guys were there when he did it um, at one of the arcades in America. I think he did something silly, like 50 hours play on it. Wow. And he just went over it. You know the thing about 8-bit 
games when they get to two five five, strange things happen. It's because of that yeah. that counter, that rollover counter on the game. The the scores just keep rolling around. When you get to a million points, it goes back to zero. But when you finish the game, it remembers how many millions you've got, and it will actually display it in the title screen. So say you got six million points, two hundred thousand, it will give you two hundred thousand. But on the actual when you put your name in, it puts six million two hundred thousand. And I got over six million on it when I played it. It's roughly wow. it's about fifty minutes for every million, I think. And I gave up with nine lives because I just got to a point where I just kept doing it. But the real expert, I can't recall his name at the moment. I met him at Fun Spot in two thousand and eight when I could get seven hundred thousand ish when I was just still playing it and still learning it. And yeah. he was he went there in the morning at ten o'clock in the morning. And the actual machine, I went back at lunch and thought I'd be finished by now. And he was still playing. Oh, God, I'm not going to get on here. And the actual board has developed a fault while he was playing it. And all the sprites were all like blocky and different sprites. And he was still playing it as normal. It just ignored the fact that he couldn't see any of the graphics properly. He was just still playing it. And the game kept sorting itself. It always had a dry joint on there. It was getting hot and cold. And when I went back about tea time, he was still playing it. And it it had sorted itself out. And I was sort of looking at the score thing. I wonder how many score, scores he got. Because obviously it doesn't display the millions on the game. And when I talked to him at night, I was talking to Walter today, And this guy yeah. came over and he sort of introduced me. I said, I'm, I'm quite good at kick. I can get this score. He said, oh, that's pretty good. I said, what did you get? He got oh, about 20 million. I was like, oh my God. And I think he was top score at the time. It was like 22 million. I thought, I'm not going to beat that. But yeah, I can get quite a few million on it. I can do a million just like that without even thinking. I can just have a go on it and I'll get a million points. No problem. And then give up. Because it just takes so long. But there is talks of a UK scoreboard one day um, where yeah. they're going to do our own scores. And I will have a go for that. I'll actually go somewhere, whoever, whoever does it, I will go there, sit on the machine, and I will do a score and put my whole score in. I'll, you know, I'll take the whole day doing it and I'll have a go at that and then I won't need to do it ever again, hopefully. Hopefully no yeah. one in the UK will beat me at that. But yeah, I really <laughs> like the game. It, it, they reckoned it was an unofficial follow-up to Ya Kung Fu. Yeah. It's got very similar type graphics and it's yeah. sort of very... Very Chinese, Japanese sort of music to it, Oriental type uh, temples in the background, and you know, this typical sort of Japanese, Chinese kung fu bosses and little guys trying to kick you. I really, really like it. Mm. We will do it one day, but it's a bit of an unfair to our um, points challenge because I am pretty good at it. But maybe we'll do it one day. Yeah. Okay, so 10 years before that? 40 years ago. Wow. 40 years ago. I was two. I was, uh, what was I? 45. <laughs> Five. <laughs> April 1975, Highway from Atari, their first sit-down cab. It's like a mould, kind of a, oh, a Dura yes. mould thing. Is this similar to Night Driver? It's like a it, Dura no. mould, that, that funny um, oh, the cab, sparkly yeah. paint. Yes. Yes, it's similar and to it Night could Driver. could be maybe the very first sit-down cab, we're not sure. Mm, sounds like it, 1975. It's kind of like a speed race type of thing. You're looking on a top-down road, and then yes. the the road is more windy than speed race. There's some proper curves in it instead of just like your, your straight track. That sounds exactly like Night Driver. No, it's not 3D. It's not a 3D. No, no, view. this one isn't. It's a top-down thing. But the the sort mm. of the road sort of swerves around, and you can your car is painted on the on the monitor, mm. so that only this, the the road moves. And if it, if that that graphic on your front of your monitor hits, well, virtually hits the screen, that's when you crash. 
Well, that's kind of like a pseudo 3D view, isn't it? That yeah, night. I suppose. You're driving into the screen. This one, you're like you're looking from above. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Top down. Yeah. yeah. I see. Like your Monaco GP things. Oh, right. Okay. I'll have to have a look. And... I'd like to know if that was the first sit-down cab. Yeah. I, you know that book I showed you when you came around that I had with a sort of coffee table book with all the, the old arcade cabs into the sort of more present ones? Yeah. They've got a lot of old games and that. And I'll see if there's any before 1970. Because I think it's starting about 1970 there. And I'll see if there's any, any sit-down games before then. Mm, that's a good book, wow. Yeah, it is. It's expensive, but it's uh, it's worthwhile getting, I think. It's a good book. Mm. Right, And then. that's it. Releases from this month in history. Gone. Done. Done did. Yes. Right, then. We have got a game to pick for next show. I did uh, mention to you one I quite liked the other night. What do you think to that, old chum? Have you got any other ideas? No, we could do that, actually. It's a bit different, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a run and gun. It's Green Bertie or Green Beret. Or, Green Beret. Or also known as Russian Attack. Russian Attack, yeah. yeah. Americans don't like them Russians back in the 80s, did they? I don't know. What have I played this on? It must be. It's got to be Commodore 64. I played this quite a bit on. It was a very good version. The Spectrum version was also very good. The Atari yeah. 8-bit version was terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. It was really bad. Yeah, it was awful. But um, I will be playing on proper arcade hardware because I've got the original board set, if it's still working, for this. Ooh, which my nice. friend Sean Meldon gave me because he hates the game. <laughs> so he's just, have it, take it away. And I really like it. So I'm digging that out and playing it on proper arcade hardware. I've never managed to loop the game to get to the end and loop it. Hopefully right. with a bit of practice, I can do it. I can get to level three quite easily. How many levels is there? Four or five, I can't remember. I think at the end of the and fourth have, level you do it. You have a knife. Do you have a, a gun and a jump? Is there three you're, you're a bit stabby in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there's only two buttons. It's left, right, down to duck. You lie down on the floor. Diagonals gives you a jump. And you've got ah, one button right. for stabby, stabby, stabby. And you've yeah. got one button when you get the extra, you get like fireballs and bombs and stuff. So you've got like an extra weapon. Mm. Very similar to Iron Horse, which we both love a lot. Yeah, that is a good game. Okay. So that's our, our game for two weeks' time. Everyone get playing Green Beret. Uh, so now we've got the interview with Oliver Moazesi, also known as Alpha One. It's about two hours long. So if you want to press pause now, I'm going to get a cup of tea or get on the bus or whatever you want to do, do that now. And here is a talk I had with Oliver Moazesi a few days ago about my trip up to see him and pick up a cab. Hope you enjoy it. And from me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. I've got a well-known UK uh, arcade collector with me at the moment, Oliver Moazesi. Hello, Ol. How are you doing? Hello, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Um, a lot of the UK collectors and forum members uh, and probably listeners to this show will probably know you already because you do get about a bit. You're quite well known. Uh, <laughs> and even in the European scene as well. I think you've got a lot of your machines from Europe before. Um, but for those people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Alpha One off the, the forums. Uh, I help administer and run uh, UK back with a few other guys been in this hobby since since I was 18 maybe just before my 18th birthday yeah um, and kind of have been in it without ever really having a break since then always always you know always looking yeah <laughs> always trying to trying to find something or hunting around or you know browsing ebay or you know just it's it's my only real hobby and you know it's it's nice to 
to try and find the games you used to play and and it's and also have, have, it's evolved for me it's also trying to find stuff that you didn't necessarily play but is has got like this vaporware kind of yeah you know aura around it like did it exist or not so yeah it's it's a pretty cool hobby to be in it certainly is. Uh, tell us how old you are, because you're not as old as us normal old duffers, are you? You're a little bit younger than us. <laughs> I'm 36 in this year. Yeah. So 18... Still clinging on to 35 at the moment. Yeah, 18 years of collecting. That's quite a lot. I've only been in myself since about oh, 2007, I think, something like that. So it's not so oh, long really? for me. Yeah, it's not that long for me. But I've always I always played them. I grew up in a seaside town, so I was always playing the games. Yeah, same same here. But you just used to get, and get a van and go and buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, so kind of. I'll ask you one question. I ask everyone I interview, um, and I, I sort of tentatively call it first contact. Yeah. When when did you first get into video games? Were you, were you a home console gamer first, <coughs> and then involved into the arcades, or around the other way? Um, I had a quite a sheltered upbringing where um, my really? my first computer, my first exposure. The where my parents bought me something that I had at home was an Atari ST 520 oh, wow. F- yeah. STFM, um, and I later got a SNES, and I, I also had an Atari Lynx at one point as well. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> my first ever uh, experience was my friend's Atari 2600. Yeah, that's a that's a usual sort of thing for us. Yeah, right? and then my next door neighbour. Uh, his sister had a Spectrum, <laughs> and we'd go around there. And then you know, can we play on the Spectrum? And then we'd we'd spend countless hours trying to load games, yeah, and, and watching the the attract screen slowly come down before you could even do something. And sometimes it would be nearly there, and then it would crash, and then you'd yeah. you know you, you'd get about ten minutes play after from about an hour's worth <laughs> of. <laughs> Dicking yeah. around. Oh, I remember that because <laughs> because in the UK we never really got discs. Until you know stuff like the ST and the Amiga came along. Because I remember some of the computers I had, like a Commodore sixty four, you could have um, floppy disks, you know, the old five and a quarter inch floppy disks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I never ever saw one disk drive ever, and that was some. I think it was friends of my parents who could obviously afford that sort of thing. But kids, we could barely afford the two ninety nine tapes, let alone you know all these disk drives and disks and stuff. So you di- you didn't sort of really have um, the consoles yourself as a kid. Because no. I think I had a console for since I was about seven, I think. Yeah, no, no, not at all. My, uh, I was uh, eleven when I got my ST. Yeah, latecomer. So you've made up for it in spades now, then. Yeah, yeah, I made up. <laughs> but as I say, my my friends had stuff. The guy that had the twenty six hundred, he later got an Amstrad CPC four six four with with the disc drive add on. So it was a tape one with the disc drive add on, and yeah. used to go around there and play on that for ages and. So I was always into it, and then we always used to go to the arcades, like like yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm, I live near a seaside, so um, I would, you know, <laughs> bunk off school occasionally yeah. <laughs> and go down the go down the arcades, mostly the Portsmouth Southsea arcades. Yeah, it was a good the south of England, I suppose, the north as well. But the south of England where I grew up as well it was a good place because in, in Weymouth where I grew up, we had at least. I think I counted when I sort of went back there recently. I, I tried to remember all the arcades. There was twelve arcades, so you can imagine the amount of games I, I saw in those years. I can't remember a lot of them, you know, because it was sort of the mid eighties and it was great. I mean, I presume Portsmouth was the same kind of thing. Yeah, so I mean, I was 
still, you know, bunking off school around 94, 95. That was before I, before doing GCSEs and leaving. But yeah. um, we still had, even at that time, if I had gone into Clarence Pier, we had a Cinematronics Dragon's Lair. Oh, right, yeah. Which was next to a Sega Time Traveller. Yeah, and I bet they blew your tiny mind. Yeah. Um, we also had uh, a Simultrek Cube Quest. Oh right, that's an odd one, isn't it? That is that is some. I remember standing in front of that thing and going, "Oh my god!" and putting my twenty p in and being blown away. Um, yeah. It is. I mean, everyone that's listening, I'd, I'd imagine that no one has ever heard of it. Well, you'd be you, wrong you'd, there because um, No Quarter covered it a little while ago. You know the podcast, yeah, and they. It's a laser game, isn't it? Laser disc. Yeah, game. it's just it's it's unbelievably rare. I think there's like ten in existence now. Yeah, they said it was a really weird and wacky game as well. Really trippy. Yeah, you're talking. It's like a fifteen thousand dollar game. Wow. Have you got one yet? No. <laughs> I'm well, quite I, surprised. Actually, but, I've seen some of your collection, which you'll get onto <laughs> soon. Yeah. So there was that. Um, there was a Wizard of War. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking ninety four, ninety five, and they still had these. Yeah. You know, and these are all next to all of the Electrocoin, uh, you know, you know those big showcase cabinets running Street Fighter 2 and Final yeah. Fight. And, uh, you know, we had Space Harriers and the Outruns and the Super Hang-On, you know, all the deluxe Sega machines. Yeah. But there were still some old machines. And then further on down at the other Portsmouth Arcade, uh, actually on the, the, the pier one, um, you would go through the main pier and then come out at the end and you'd go on the boardwalk and then at the end of the pier was another really run down kind of uh, building. Yeah. And that was run by this really old guy and he was just sitting in the change booth. And in there was about 20 really, really old games. I mean, this guy had nothing new. There was Pole Position, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a Tron. Wow. You know, God knows what happened to all of this stuff. Um, probably, you know, it all probably got kicked off the end of the pier into the sea. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. But that, those arcades, to me, because I, I was into arcades from about you know, six or seven years old, really young. But I used to live in the Midlands when I was really young, and there wasn't many arcades there. But when we used to go to, you know, the holiday towns, my dad was always really into fishing. So he'd go off fishing in a boat. Me and my mum would be playing the two-piece shovers, and, and I'd be on the arcade machines. My mum come 10p. And... um I used to play a lot of the really old games, you know, like Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Pulsar, you know, the really old gunfight, and even the electronic um, mechanical machines as well. So if I found an old arcade, or even a corner of a new arcade, which had a load of old games, I used to favour those, because some of the new games later on were like getting to 20 and 30 pence, and stuff like, you know, Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, they were like 50p or a pound. Yeah. But the old games are always 10p. And because I played them for years and years, I knew how to play them, so I'd get a lot of play out of them. So I quite favoured the old stuff myself. Funny you should say that, because um, there was a caravan park that's really, it's about five minutes walk from my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, again, in the 90s, so we're talking 93, 94, we'd go down there and there was a load of jammer cabs and we'd be playing, uh, don't laugh, like POW, Prisoner of War. Yeah, I used uh, to play I used to love that. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, at the time. I thought it was great as well. Double Dragon 2, mm-hmm. which was never as good as Double Dragon. The, the button combination messed it up for me. Yeah. Um, a few other few other games of that era. And then in the corner was an environmental Dissotron that was 10p ago. Yeah. So we would, uh, we would play all of these. We'd play POW, we'd play Double Dragon 2. And then 
once we were down to like 50p left we'd go and have five credits on the on the e-dot yeah. and, and that, that was great you know to to then you you, you had no concept or i i didn't really think anything was new or older than anything else I, if i liked the game i liked the game and i gave yeah. it I, you know i gave it some money gave it my time same here i, I remember you know playing space invaders and I, i'd always go back to it i never got bored of space invaders it's just no. that it's that sort of game you always go back to and it's always worth 10 pence i could play you know for at least five minutes or so and normally you'd be off a game in a minute or two but that one i could play for quite a while so always did yeah that. so um first arcade game i ever played uh was Frogger and Space Invaders, and that was when I was on holiday with my my mum in the Isle of Wight. Oh right, cool. And I I must have been like five. Yeah. Putting putting twenty p's into this Frogger cocktail, and you know, getting the hang of knowing what I had to do, but just not having the the total skill like you. you is easy now to like consistently get the frogs into the top and clear a board. <laughs> You know, and it was twenty p after twenty p after twenty p, and Space Invaders was kind of the <clears throat> the same concept as well, where I I didn't I didn't stick to a pattern. You just you know you're just shooting stuff willy nilly. Yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. Yeah, you know, those are the first games. They, they were good played. good ones to start on. I think they're similar yeah. for me. You know, Frogger and Space Invaders is exactly what I started on as well. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um. So when you were sort of about eighteen, I think you said. Um, you fancied having an arcade machine of your own. Yeah. Now, were, were parents um, told of this before you took it home, or did they just have a surprise when they got back? And which game was it, the first one? Um, so I started getting into MAME. Oh, yeah. Um, there used to be a website called davesclassics.com, mm-hmm. and it was like the forefront of uh, any retro um website or any emulation website and we're talking when um main really had about only 40 or 50 games yeah and uh i was just couldn't believe that people um uh, had taken the boards dumped the roms and uh, you could play these games on a on your pc and uh this was back in the day when you needed loads of different emulators to play loads of different games so there was rage there was rain yeah. Rage did a lot of the IRM games. Rain did a lot of the yeah, tight ones, wasn't it? Yeah, like Rainbow Islands, Rainbow mm-hmm. Islands Extra, uh, Paras- uh, not Parasol Stars, Bubble Bobble, stuff like that. And then yeah. there was uh, Sparkade. Yeah, if you remember Sparkade. Where I you remember quite a few of these now. There was the CPS two one as well that just yeah. did like the Street Fighters and the CPS two games. So, Sparkade did Nemesis and Vulcan Venture, as well as some of the earlier stuff. Yeah, yeah. That Sparkade is actually was actually written by uh, Dave Spicer. Oh, right, really? Yeah, oh, I know. I know so, Dave Spicer. He's a so bit of a Dave, genius, isn't he? Yeah, he's like he is. He was my arcade hero, and um, I actually got Dave onto the UK forums. He, I saw him post as Dave Spicer on Clov years yeah. about five years ago. And he said, oh, I'm trying to fix a Star Wars cockpit. Has anyone got some parts? And I was like, are you the Dave Spicer? Yeah. <laughs> and he came back and went, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I used to play Sparkade, and I think I scared him a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't he, know he was the writer of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, know, I, know, I know he's a very, very clever guy. Cause he's he's the guy, guy who does... Um, he's done the Firefox. Firefox, yeah, yeah. He's done the Firefox mods and all that sort of stuff. Wow, what a guy. 
yeah, he's, he's a great, he's a great guy. But, mm. Genius, I think. Yeah. So going back to um, the the emulators, mm-hmm. I had loads of emulators, and then I went to university. So I started going to university, and then within a couple of months, um, I was like using their T1 connection to start downloading every ROM I could find in the libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> then in the halls of residence, there was a few other like-minded individuals and we had done, we had set up a, a network and we had loads of uh, BNC cables uh, hanging out of our windows. Mm-hmm. Then we were jamming our windows shut and we had cables going down the side of the buildings. We had like 10 PCs on this network and, we'd do things like share files and we'd play, we'd also play doom and quake and unreal tournament. But, um, I was just using the, the internet connection to download everything. And then one day I was like, I need an arcade machine. And it it was like a spark in, in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. I know you mean. (laughs) So we've all had this. Yeah. So I went home for one of the holidays. It was probably Easter or summer or something. Mm -hmm. And I just started phoning arcades and, you know, it's it's pretty much the the same as what it is today. And you get people that just shut you off, or you get people that are receptive to you. Um, and I phoned a peer that was uh was in Bogner, and um, it was owned at the time by a family still, so it wasn't owned by a uh, by Rank Amusements or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he said he had some machines. Um, so I drove down. Um, and lo and behold, he did. He he had he had a at the end of the pier. It was very much like that experience of the the arcade in Portsmouth on the pier. You went through the main arcade, back out onto the boardwalk, run down building right on the end of the pier. You opened up the door, went in, hole in the roof, yeah. pigeons nesting. <laughs> Um, you could hear the sea. Not only that, you could see the sea because there was like a anything between half an inch to an inch gap between the planks, looking down into the sea. Oh, and it was it was full of about fifty, wow. forty or fifty cabs. Yeah, and that was back in the days. The one that when you could do that sort of thing. Yeah, and there was there was a super free player super sprint, a couple of op wolves, oh, wow. loads of jammer cabs. Uh, there was a converted defender, mm-hmm. which I didn't actually realise until I. It had Shinobi. It was it had Shinobi in it, and yeah. I thought, oh, cool, Shinobi. And when I pulled it out to the daylight, I, I could see it was Defender because it'd been painted black on the sides, but yeah. you you could see the embossed kind of Defender words under the black. Yeah. Uh, what else did I get from there? An outrun, an outrun upright. Um, cup. I did get two jammer cabs. Yeah. Anyway, so I did a deal, and I said I wanted, I, I wanted about ten games, but um, at, at the time I only could, you know, could take two away, and I so I took two Jammer cabs, two Leisure Two Thousand Jammer cabs, mm-hmm. and I still have, I've got a picture of them somewhere. Wow! My first two, my first ever two Jammer cabs on a on a roll of film somewhere. When I lift up the negative, I can see them. I should get it developed one day. Wow! Yeah. Um. And they were it was twenty five quid a machine. God. So I took these two jammer cabs and then I said I'd come back in a couple of weeks with a with a large van to shift another five or six. Yeah. Um took them home. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. They were completely covered in bird poop. 
Yeah. Pigeon poop. So I got my uh, I got my little brother who was about seven at the time and his mate paid it. I gave him a fiver or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they they cleaned all the all the muck off. And then I just turned them on in the back garden. Yeah. I didn't I didn't, you know, not like you now you'll check for, Oh god, yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. You'll check connections, you'll see if anything's hanging off, make sure the board's connected properly is there any like loose nuts or bolts you know rattling yeah, around at the bottom that could short out any of the pass bys you know completely oblivious turn them on didn't even know what was in them and one of them was carrier air wing oh right yeah and the other one was robocop and carrier air wing was a an original cps1 board wow and robocop was the the big bootleg board yeah um but they both monitors worked that ain't bad going for twenty five pound a piece, is it? <laughs> no, no, it was great. Although, good. although I didn't, I didn't think that was cheap. I, I just thought, okay, wow, you know, um, had to then work out how the hell do you play them because the co- there was no coimex. The coimex were were removed. So oh, yeah, then yeah. I then I kind of had to improvise and and work out what the buttons did inside the coin door. And I learned about you know. Oh my god! I can credit this up by pressing this button. That was a that was an amazing kind of, of epiphany. As soon as I yeah. worked that out, the magical then, button of coins. <laughs> yeah, and then um, cleaned him up and moved him into the house, and they were there for ages. And I had loads of mates come round and would play Robocop and carry away. I bet you were the most popular lad in on the in the town at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it was cool. It was great. It was great times. And I like it how you said your first collection was ten machines. You were going to buy 10 there and then. Most people <laughs> yeah. have one, and then they sort of learn. No, not you. You had to buy 10, didn't you? Well, I, I, bought, two at the the time. T- I bought the two, and I, I I didn't think I was going to take all 10, but I had every intention. Yeah. And um, I did go back, and I took the Outrun upright, the Opwolf. I took the Defense, Shinobi Defender. Yeah. Um, and a couple of other. I took the Super Sprint, which was it's a big machine, the three-player oh, one. It was yeah, it was a, <sighs> it was a, in great condition, but the monitor was necked. Oh right, okay, yeah. All right, and I, me being me, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know at the time it was necked. When I got it home, turn it on, and it starts fizzing. Oh yeah. I, I worked out that you know when I looked round the back at what that noise and saw that you know the. The, the tube is obviously not quite right. I, I worked out there was something wrong, but I, I gave that away. I, I phoned up Arcade Warehouse and went, oh, I've got a Super Sprint with a, a faulty monitor. Um, yeah. I don't want it. Do you want it? You can come and pick it up and take it away. And I gave that away to Arcade wow. Warehouse. The thing yeah, is, back, back then, though, um, it's not like nowadays where everyone's collecting. Back then, nobody wanted the machines. Yeah, that that arcade operator was probably happy to get twenty five pound a piece for those machines because they were no use to him anymore. They weren't making any money, and he, he probably would have, as you said, chucked them off the end of the pier. Yeah, so no, back but... then it wasn't. It might sound amazing nowadays if you bought a machine for twenty five pound and had a carrier airing PCB in it, original, uh, or you know if anything worked on it. But back then it was quite common. It wasn't. You know, I've heard loads of stories of you know machines being thrown away and smashed up and put in skips because they just weren't making any money. Yeah. If only we knew now what we knew then. We knew now, you know, we would have all been round there scooping these machines up like you were. Yeah, there's, there, there are a few moments in my life where I feel like I could have saved a machine. Mm. You know, the one that got away. But yeah. um, so I, I had these two jammer cabs, and then 
I obviously I couldn't hire a van, so I had to um, to go back and get the rest after you know I was living at home. Mm-hmm. So speaking to my parents, I um, got my my girlfriend at the time. Her dad was a was a truck driver. You well, know, that's handy. Big Arctic, but it, we hired a van from some higher place and went and got him, and he thought I was absolutely completely insane I, I remember we were driving down the, the the side of the pier going to, to it in this uh, Luton van with a tail lift and he was just like looking at me like what, what? why are you what? picking these machines yeah, that are normally what? in chip shops what's wrong with what? you what are you on but you know he helped me load them and then we took them home and I, I stuck them all in my parents garage yeah. and that that was pretty much that and um so the, it, this is where it can fork into two different ways because um, as I was as I handed the money, I think it was 150 quid or something. Yeah. Um, I think I gave him some more actually because when I went back, um, there was they had done something or they had been moving stuff around, and then I noticed there was jammer boards and boards on the floor. Oh, right, cool. And um, I think I picked up about 20 or 30 boards. Yeah. And I think I gave him another 50, 50 quid to take these boards. Yeah, and you had no idea what they were, though, Pony. No, you? no idea what they were. I, I, I wasn't really even sure, you know, I didn't know what Jammer was or anything. No. Um, but one of them was a Capcom CPS-1, or 1.5, they call it, yeah. where it's the big grey cased key sound, and it was a Warriors of Fate. Oh, right. Which I still have, because... Um, uh, Juno man kindly resurrected it for me because it had suicided. Yeah, yeah. But I still got that. But um yeah, that was that and then obviously I took him home and then that's how after I turned on the outrun and I could hear it playing but the monitor didn't work and then oh, yeah. and then Operation Wolf did work but the screen was funny and the gun didn't register. Um, I I then picked up the phone book and that's how I found Swallow Amusements. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Swallow. Swallow and he's literally I live about ten minutes away from him and oh, right. we're quite good friends and we helped each other out over the years and mm-hmm. um, he that's how I met him. He came to my house. Oh right, that's nice. And, uh, it was like he charged something like thirty quid an hour. That yeah. was his, and he was just in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he thought because I was like an eighteen year old, and he came to this house and he was he fixed Operation Wolf and Outrun, got it all working. Cool. Which was cool, but um, going back to when I was actually picking the machines up, um, I went back through the pier to pay, and uh, I went through the. There was a calf inside the pier, yeah, and literally I could hear waka 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 waka. Oh yeah, we're not that. And, nice. I, and I was like, what? And then I went to the calf, and then there was a little side, a little side bit that had a it had a yellow midway Pac Man in in the arcade, just sitting there working. Wow. And I was like, I really, really, really want that. <laughs> it's unusual getting a yellow Pac-Man in the UK. I never yeah, saw no, many when I was a kid. You know, and this was 1999. Oh, so, right, yeah. So, you know, it's pretty it's um, pretty weird to see a yellow Midway pack in an arcade. Yeah. And he wouldn't sell it. He just wouldn't sell it. And um, I, did, I didn't really hound him. I left it at that. But um, I did phone him about three months later. Yeah. After you know, I, Steve at Swallow had come over. I've got some of the other stuff working, um, and I phoned him and said, "Do you want to sell the Pac Man?" He he ummed and ahed, and he said he would. And uh, he said, "Let me get back to you. What I'll do is, um, I'll let you have it for what it earned the entire of the last year or 
you know whatever his book says for the yeah for the what that machine made and mm-hmm. and true to his word he phoned me back maybe two weeks later yeah said you can have it for 175 quid <laughs> wow yeah uh, that Jeez. was crazy and i was i was starting to really read up on machines um i i didn't know about uk vac uk vac was existing by then but i had absolutely no idea about any other uk collectors mm-hmm. and i was very much in with uh i'd started joining the rg vac news groups yep that's early like on, the, isn't it? Yeah. you know the old news groups uh-huh. so you had, you had you had a news group reader and i was very much reading up on quite a lot of the guys that don't seem to exist anymore that were doing loads of warehouse raids and finding like you know massive stashes of games in the u.s yeah. so i i was i was quickly learning about you know what's hard to find what's rare what's cool and you know i was totally soaking it up um but then i went back and got that yellow pac-man and then this is another really cool story um so i was wheeling it uh out of the main arcade i took it all the way through the arcade and uh the van was actually parked up in front of the the main arcade doors and everyone was watching me just load this pac-man <laughs> i thought you were stealing it <laughs> and uh the guy that was helping me his name was ben um, he was like some kind of shop floor assistant. I was like, he was like, oh, this is quite old. And I went, yeah, I, I like collecting the old stuff. And I, I said, I don't know what made me say it. And I went, I really would love a Star Wars cockpit. Yeah. And then he went, oh, there's one of those just down the road in a in a in an old uh, seaside uh, kind of caravan park amusement arcade. Yeah. And I went, I went, what? <laughs> I, I know where you're going next. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was like that's insane he went yeah I, I live near there it's been there for years so um i am um, i got the address details and i literally i uh i drove there after you know via via you know, going home and uh it was closed and i knocked on this this uh window and this old grumpy kit really he was a really grumpy guy like miserable yeah. I, I i'll forever remember him being miserable open the opened the uh like the curtain didn't open the door but looked at me and i said have you got a star wars cockpit he said yeah and i said would you sell it he went no and i went oh can i look at it he went we're closed (laughs) that's handy (laughs) yeah um come back when we're open season or something because i think they they actually did actually live there as well yeah and uh that was that and i was like okay and I kept on ringing. I would ring that place and ring that place and ring that place constantly. Uh, I think I must have like completely and utterly pissed the guy off. Um, and then I gave up. And then maybe six or eight months after kind of forgetting about it, his son called me and went, oh, were you after the Star Wars? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was. And he went, well, you know, uh, we realize it's time to put newer games in. Um, so uh, it's for sale. Do you want it? We kept your number, and I was That's like, handy. I was like, okay, and uh, and I went and had a look at it because I'd never seen it, and I went to the arcade, and uh, the the thing was, it was absolutely minty, absolutely right. minty. Um, they'd had it since new. Um, the the son was telling me that he remembered it being delivered. Wow, at the and box. He, and yeah, and he helped unbox it. Cool. And when we got there, I went with my mum because I still couldn't drive. She had to she had to drive the van. <laughs> but I still wasn't old enough to to uh, 
to hire a van. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the wife of the miserable guy, um, she was there with her pledge, and she was just, you know, she pledged all the machines. Wow. And um, I agreed a price, and it was it was it was a it was a really nice price, and uh, and we took it took it away, and um, yeah, that was great. But there was because I was still a noob. There was um there was this black angler, really nice as well. It was I remember it as clear as day. Really black angular cockpit next to the Star Wars cockpit, mm-hmm. and it had a red and white stripe going across the middle of it. Yeah, and he went. It's um this this is for sale as well. You can have it for fifty quid. Wow. And I was like, uh, no, I don't really want it. I had, I had room in the van. I don't know why I said no to be honest. And I went in there, and it was playing Outrun. Oh right. And my understanding back then was this isn't an Outrun, so it must be a bootleg or a conversion. I, my brain already knew this stuff from all the kind of researching I was doing. Yeah. And I walked away from it. Now I wish I'd gone round the back of it because two years later, um, I saw the first pictures of a Firefox cockpit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it sounds like a Firefox. They're really sort of square, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, and I put two and two together and then kind of slapped my forehead. And Dull. Went, oh, yeah, it was it was in unbelievable condition. I bet if I'd actually, because the, the rear bit was against the wall, I bet if I'd actually gone round and walked around it and looked, I would have seen, I bet it still had the Atari Firefox rear marquee lit up. I bet it did. I bet, it's, I bet it even had probably even the laser disc playing everything yeah, still inside probably, it. They couldn't probably. be asked to take it out. Yeah, I know. Gutted. Absolutely oh. gutted. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened with that because the, the, the two Firefox cockpits that have turned up in collector's hands in the UK. I know Sean had one, RK yes. Barn. Yep. And also Paul Swan had one, which later was traded or sold to Aid. Yeah. Um, it's neither of those. All right. So we know of three at least. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure it was... I'm pretty sure they probably trashed it to oh, make room. shame. Yeah, it was. So how many machines at this point did you have by then? Cause you, uh, what did you get, six or ten from the first guy? Yeah, yeah so from at, here as well. at this point I was cooking on gas. So I had a Pac-Man, <laughs> I had a yellow pack, I had a Star Wars cockpit, um, I had and I had my two jammer cabs, and I'll be honest, I played them a lot. Yeah. I was scared to play the Star Wars, if I'm honest. Um Well yeah, and, I, I even nowadays I wouldn't have a colour vector because I know how much the things break down. Yeah. I'd be scared and, to own one, even though I do like them a lot. I stuck the Pac-Man in my bedroom and I played that quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine your dad next door turn that bloody thing down <laughs> whacka 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 yeah, it was great and um, yes yeah, so, and I played the Outrun a lot as well yeah. um, and the Op Wolf I, that was the first thing I sold on eBay ever yeah um, I um, I I love the game it's something I used to play and have fond memories of and I, I used to play it a lot on the Atari ST actually mm-hmm. but um, yeah I, I, I don't know why it was really big and heavy and um, I sold it I think I did something like I was selling it it went it sold for 97 quid I still oh remember God. that um, and someone someone came and took it but um, I did it to fund something like buy mm-hmm. some more boards uh, back back then and this is probably before your time there was Arcade Heaven and Arcade Warehouse and they were the two UK establishments and they were they were doing a very good job at getting old machines 
yeah. and also boards. And I, I think I, I was after a Vulcan Venture because that's something I used to play a lot in in the arcades. Yeah, same here. And I think there was a Vulcan Venture Arcade Heaven for something like 135 quid. Wow. Um, and I I was desperately getting money to buy it because back then, you know, the first person was, you know, to pay for it, got it. You know, there was no yeah, yeah. kind of, we're not going to hold it. We don't really know who you are. It's, it's all a bit of a new frontier, yeah. you know, um, selling arcade parts on the internet, which was, you know, quite new. So, yeah, I, I did something like that. Mm. So I, 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 so I had about eight machines. So eight machines is quite a nice collection. Yeah. So how did it escalate from there? Because I know how many you've got now, and it's got, <laughs> I've got to that number somehow quickly. Um. So I, I would always, I was constantly phoning. So the, I was constantly checking free ads. Mm-hmm. So probably what people do now with Gumtree and others, yeah. but free ads used to have an actually amusement arcade section. I don't think they do anymore. Right. I, I I stopped checking, but uh, I was checking in in free ads, and there was an ad which was a, some someone was about ten miles away from me, and it said free Space Invaders, Ooh. Uh, two Space Invaders machines free, come and get them. Phone the guy. Uh, Spoke. It was an old guy. Answered. He said he had had them for years. Uh, one was a Space Invaders, and one was you know like a Space Invaders. Yeah. And he, I was the first person to contact him, and they were mine. And I said, "Brilliant! I'll come and have a look at them, and then we'll work out a way of getting them home." Mm-hmm. Um, which I didn't quite know, although I knew <laughs> I'd probably be having to speak to my mum to get them back because <laughs> I'm still I'm still not old enough. Um, and then I kept on trawling through there. And then there was another Space Invaders, which was in Brighton or Bournemouth. No, Brighton, definitely Brighton. Mm-hmm. And I phoned them up and they wanted 800 quid. And I went, oh, would you, you know, would you, do you want to trade with anything? I've got like an outrun or some other stuff. Yeah. And he was no. And I said, oh, would you budge on the price? And he said no. And I went, oh, that's a shame. And I, I offhand mentioned, you know, because there's, you know, there's someone giving them one away. And he, he he got a bit funny about it, or not funny, but I could I could hear him go, oh, "Really, you know?" And then that was it. So I wasn't going to go for that one. Mm. I'd already secured one for free, as far as I was concerned. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but to cut a long story short, I got a phone call maybe half an hour later from the son of yeah. the old guy saying, "Oh, I'm really sorry, but they're not. They're mine. They're not for sale." My father was confused. Blah blah blah. All oh, right. And I was like gutted, and then that was that. And then, about in the evening, I got a call from the old man going, "Where are you? I've been waiting." And I'm like, "Your son called me, said, uh, said they're not for sale." He went, "I haven't got a son. I've got like two daughters." Oh, and I was like, really? And he went, "This bloke's been phoning me all afternoon, going, can I come and get him? Can I come and get him?'" And I said, "No, they're reserved for someone else." And it turns out it was that flipping bloke with a space device. Oh, that's cheeky, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we we know of certain. Uh, we won't mention any names or companies, but there's certain people in in this um, in this uh, thing we do, and certain companies that would do that sort of thing. 
there are a few rip-off merchants and you've got to sort of beware a little bit and be a bit careful i'm sure that was one of these kind of guys yeah i know it's great it was crazy so i quickly got in the car and um went and saw him because I, I was driving i just obviously couldn't hire yeah yeah and um went there got there saw them um it was a zachariah the invaders oh yeah yeah um which would turn on screen would come up with some garbage basically mm -hmm. and then it would make random space invader noises you could it sometimes it would do the do, do, yeah do. then sometimes you'd hear the ufo the the, the the game was booting to garbage and it was playing random sounds mm -hmm. and then the other one was a little uh i wouldn't say uh i don't know it was a, it was a bootleg cabaret I, I i don't know if it would be um, like a sub electro cab or not? I I never re I can't really remember. We've got quite a lot of those in the UK, so more than likely it yeah, was. Yeah, but it, it was yeah. it was a it had a bootleg Pac-Man board and it. it was playing and it it worked. He turned it on and it worked. Cool. And um, obviously I'd got there. I had no preparation and he had a trailer. And he went, Do you know what? Give me a tenner and I'll because you only live just down the road. I'll deliver him. So I gave him a tenner and he nice. delivered him. Yeah. So it all worked out in the end. Yeah, you do get some nice ops. Like some of them. I've dealt with a few ops before in Weymouth. No, he wasn't an op. He was just, he was just, a, right. just a guy that had them in his house, said he had bought them in the 80s. So he had obviously got them from an op. He was just a just a really nice bloke. Oh, cool. Seemed better. Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I've dealt with ops before, and they're a funny breed. I mean, they're, they're quite nice, but they'll, they'll sort of leave you hanging for months on end. You keep ringing them and keep ringing them. They say, <laughs> oh, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. And one day out of blue, I said, come and get these bits. You can have them for five each. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. But it takes like three months to sort of yeah, set something the, up. But, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the game you've got to play. And mm. If you're not willing to do that and play it by their rules, you'll never get anywhere with Ops. Yeah, it can be very stubborn. I've heard of people before who will go and say, oh, I'll give you 500 quid for that. And it's obviously not even worth that. And I go, nope, nope, nope. No, oh, for God's sake, just sell them to me. It's a dark art in some cases. Yeah, it's weird. Them, and they don't some even them, sell them, some either. Of them are hoard, some of them are actually a bit hoard, have hoarding tendencies. Yeah. So you've got to... You've got to deal with that, and you've you've also you know the amount of times I've chased people and not today I'll give you a ring I'll give a ring, and then you then they ring you back finally and it could be like six months after you've been you've yeah. given up on them yeah I'm free tomorrow you <laughs> you've, got, you've got to get down there there and yeah, then yeah and, but you know so people that aren't prepared to then go and say I'm taking you know speak to your boss and go I'm taking tomorrow off yeah you know you if you phone them back and go oh, I can't do it how about next Thursday or how about three weeks from now because I've got that day off, and yeah. it, it, you're never going to get anywhere. No. Uh, and that sort of leads us quite nicely onto Hoarders. Uh, tell us a little uh, bit about this TV program you're on. I've never seen it. I've only seen a clip from it where you are in uh, a, a storage unit playing pole position. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't about Hoarders. It was about people with odd odd collections. and um, There's nothing odd about arcade machines, mate. No. Uh, and uh, I had... Um, I had a storage unit at one time. Mm -hmm. I still have now, but I I got rid of the uh, the one that that was filmed at. Yeah. And um, this obviously the BBC had contacted all the storage uh, places, saying, "Is there anyone with weird stuff?" All right. Yes. So then they they obviously the next time I went in, they went, "We've got, you know, we've got something we think might interest you." Mm -hmm. And I said, "Okay, sure, give me the details." And um, they the BBC phoned me up and said, "Can we come and have a look?" And I was like, okay, so um, they agreed to come down 
on one of the evenings that the storage place was open late. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I went to the gym and uh, I, I had, uh, I had no idea they were actually going to do the filming there. And then they, oh, they right. actually, they actually had told me they were going to come down, have a look at stuff, work a few things out, take a few test shots, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I went to the gym, um, and then literally come out of the gym and I had my, uh, my tracky bottoms on or my gym bottoms and like this sweaty top <laughs> because I'd been nice. working out and I, I went there and then they started filming me and I'm there and like this, <laughs> just this like less than desirable attire. Yeah. And, um, but they did it and then they went, Oh, can we go to your house? And then my mum and dad got filmed. Which, uh, <laughs> I bet they enjoyed that. Bless them. Yeah. It was a bit. Mum, um, dad, I got some visitors. Oh, who is it? Love. <laughs> it's the BBC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was all a bit crazy, but it, they, they would, done in about three or four hours and then it took about four or five months before it aired yeah 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 it was, it was yeah part of me enjoyed it part of it was cringely embarrassing oh now, now you've said that i'll try and put it on the show notes for everyone to look at <laughs> so it's on youtube somewhere yeah right? i'll try and but, find it i've never seen it i've only seen that one little clip where you're you look quite lonely in this great big long container just playing pole position <laughs> yeah it's quite good but do you know what do you know what um they they said can we set up a shot to you to play a game and I I got this pole position and yeah. uh, they went okay and I'm I'm playing it I'm there going playing it and they they were filming something else so they captured the sounds of the pole position yeah and then then they came, brought the camera around and said we're going to film you playing it um, and then the game just stopped working oh, oops as soon as they said that and oh, then they God. went okay well. We've got the sounds of it. We've got the sounds of it. Can you pre- can you pretend to play it while you're talking? And then yeah. we're just going to take the sound from the, the you know the previous ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, and we just superimpose it over. So I'm, I'm glad they didn't actually film the screen because you you look like a mental <laughs> case just playing a blank screen <laughs> pretending to play. Yeah, no, yeah, that was quite funny. Cool. Yeah. So. Another thing you talked about earlier, the UK VAC, and it's a forum I'm, I'm on quite a bit, and uh, quite a lot of our listeners are, I think. There's other forums, Jammer Plus and Arcade Otaku and Clove and Dragon's Lair Fans Forum. But um, tell us a little bit about UK VAC, and, and you know, just in case the listeners out here don't know what it is. Okay, so UK VAC was started in 1997, 1998, by mm-hmm. all of the UK collectors that were in the scene at the time. Um, and it's basically it's called UK VAC because it's actually an offshoot of RG VAC, yep. which is the old news group. And uh, all the UK collectors that were on the RG VAC news group, which was ninety nine percent predominantly US collectors at the time. All oh, right, you know, and the other one percent was a few Australians and and the Brits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there was any Europeans. Uh, the, the European scene kind of didn't really come into fruition until about 2005 because you could buy games from Europe for peanuts for a long time. There just wasn't that scene. But, um, yeah, so these guys started UK back and it was literally a mailing list. So it wasn't a news group. No one had set up a, you know, a UK dot VAC news group and it was a mailing list and I didn't know about it. And I, by then now I had been collecting and messing about with games and stuff for, for two years or thereabouts. Yeah. And then I was on an RG VAT news group, and I was actually also on an IRC channel. I, I still hang out on IRC now on lots of arcade channels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a lot of, uh, like, I won't call it underground, but there's a lot of 
mate, probably is underground, a lot of wheeling and dealing that happens on IRC because mm-hmm. a lot of the old collectors pre- predominantly used IRC and still use it today. All oh, right. And um, so um, I, I do do a lot of stuff on IRC. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I posted on RGVAT like, uh, God, it's lonely being in the UK, you know. Yeah. And then someone, some random US guy goes, why don't, why don't you post on UK VAT then? And I'm like, what? And then I did a, a search. It wouldn't have been Google back then. It was something like Alta Vista or... Yeah, yeah, Yahoo or something. <laughs> yeah, or Yahoo. And uh, UK VAT came up and on Yahoo Groups and I joined a mailing list and, and said hello. And then what was even funnier was... Um, on the actual because I use IRC client I use, they said there's actually a UK VAC IRC channel, and then I just joined it, and there's like there was about twenty UK people sitting cool. in this channel um, that had been, been sitting there for the two years most likely that I I wasn't aware of it, and but I've been using IRC. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's how I uh, met all the UK VAC guys like Rav and Juno uh, Juno Man at the time and Aid, mm-hmm. and it was all a bit of a bit of a firework explosion because there was um there was an eBay auction. There was four machines in Reading. Yeah. Uh a Tato Space in blue Tato Space Invaders. Uh a red colour, so it was a non mirrored, it was the the forty five degrees colour monitor. Uh Space Invaders part two. There oh, was I had one of those, yeah. Uh there was uh model racing black space invaders upright which mm-hmm. was very similar to the tato but it was just black yeah. it had a black size instead of blue and there was an asteroids deluxe uh cool. which turns out to be uh an irish one and it had wood grain sides and everyone thought it was a bootleg and i right. i didn't really know but it looked it looks pretty much like an asteroids to me but um it turns out it's the only wood grain sided asteroids deluxe that are Hmm. we've ever seen so oh, i don't right. know if it was an early one or it was they something was wrong with the screen print and they just started doing wood grain for a day or two yeah. but um yeah so i kind of said hello and made some friends and then kind of said oh you know there's this auction and everyone said oh yeah we, we, we've got like a uh we've got like a collection of, you know there's a few of us bidding on it we, we've already kind of a. Uh, you know, everyone knows what they what they want. Yeah. I was like, okay. So then I was in there for about a week. It was a, you know, there was a ten day auction, and then I basically sniped all of them. <laughs> Oops. <on it. laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that, you were that, popular. Yeah, that went. <laughs> yeah, that yeah that didn't go down too well. But yeah, that's how I got onto UK VAT basically. Mm. <laughs> it sort of evolved into uh, quite a community now, and yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It was. Doing it, it is. Going on there. Yeah. Excellent. Um. The way this this sort of interview has come about is um, quite a few weeks ago now, isn't it? It's quite a while ago. I've been busy doing other stuff. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. I can't remember. It feels it feels it's ages ago, wasn't it? Was it ages? Ago? Yeah, I think it's got to be two months ago now. I think. Blimey, it feels like about four weeks or three or four weeks ago, doesn't it? Yeah, what it does to me. Well, I recently had the pleasure of picking up a machine you got over for me from France. It's a, a wall mount machine. We, me and Sean, uh, sort of call it Cosmic Jeff. It's the yeah, second cosmic exactly. alien wall mount I've got, and you kindly got it for me from from France with a machine you bought, which was a was it a no man's land cocktail cabinet you bought? Yeah, I'd totally, honest to God, a totally impulse buy. I don't know, you know, no, I don't know if you ever do that. I've done it a few oh, times. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just got a bit of money spare, or you just sold something, and 
something comes along and you kind of I was, I was interested in it because it was it was unusual. Mm. So, so you're quite a collector of the universal machines, aren't you? The older ones. Yeah, I, I used to go after them. I'm, I used to go after lot. I mean, I, I'd be hunting them down, mm. and then I kind of stopped for a bit because they weren't really coming up, and I probably yeah. wasn't looking as hard as I probably should have been. But uh, yeah, then this came up, and I, I knew from the old days of trawling through arcade flyers and universal information that there wasn't a, un, a no man's land upright. There was there was one, but it wasn't by Universal. It's by Gottlieb. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So Universal um, only released No Man's Land in two forms, which was the the normal small Universal table. So if you've ever seen a Cosmic Gorilla or a yeah, Space Panic yeah. or a Lady Ladybug mm-hmm. um, in that in that form, or well, there was this deluxe uh, cocktail cabinet, which is more like. You, I, I literally stand up against it, and it's it's got a 19-inch monitor, and right. you can stand up and play it, and players are at either end. So it's like a rather than uh, you're at either end of it. So it's it's a bit like a joust pinball, if you yeah, I've seen you know those. what I mean. And I was I knew it was I knew it was really really rare and mm. unusual. And yeah, um, the last time that. last time I'd ever seen one was about ten years ago on on a. German eBay, funnily enough, and um, it was like something like three or four hundred quid, wasn't it? And so was your cocktail. But I messaged the guy, and yeah, he, was, good he was willing. Broken. He was he was willing to come down quite dramatically, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, so we, I, I got that, and then you got your your warm your cosmic Jeff. The thing is, you know, you said you know when you got the money and, and you like to sort of you know blow it now and again for this sort of thing, it has opened a bit of a can of worms for me. I've got these two <laughs> Cosmic Aliens, and I really, really like Cosmic Alien because I played it at the yeah, Unicam. Cool games, cool game. Uh, on an upright, and I wanted to buy the upright, and it was a bit too much money. I thought I'll leave it. And, and then this wall mount came up from um, uh, Martin Gudler, Martin White, a uh, friend of ours in the UK. And he, he took it to the Cambridge uh, Museum when we did a sort of open day there, and he brought it around there for me. He did me a really good price on it. I was really pleased. He said, Oh, there's a little fault with it, which it actually wasn't in the end. It was, it was just fine. Uh, and I loved it. And, and then when another one came up, I thought, well, I'll have that, and I'll put another game in it. And I've found out since there was about five or six released by the same German company. They did a Meteor, which is Asteroids. Yeah, I saw that. I've seen one of them over the years on... Yeah, there's a guy in Scotland got one. He won't sell it to me. I have asked already. <laughs> uh, there's a uh, Space Panic. Yeah, there was a Space Panic. Uh, Phoenix. Uh, yeah, there's a Phoenix. And there's also... Um, uh, zero hour, yeah, and then maybe some more because that same company yeah, probably some more. I would imagine used to do fruit machines as well in the same format. You know, it's sort of like a wall mounted thing. Yeah, they're really pop- they were really popular in Germany. Those types of yeah, wall mounted yeah. machines. Because I saw, I don't think I ever saw any in the UK. To be honest with you, I know there's different manufacturers. There's a ladybug one. There's a scramble. There's a Donkey Kong. And I think they're all licensed as well. But I want to try and get hold of those. I can't remember the name of the, the German company. It's something Spielermatt. Um, and I'm trying to get hold of the whole collection. But I think it's going to be very difficult finding them. But I have seen pictures of them, and I know they exist. I know there's a meteor in Scotland, and unfortunately the guy won't sell it. I think he took quite a while fixing it all up, and he got it working perfectly, and he won't sell it. So 
Maybe I'll, maybe in six months he might give me a ring. Hopefully, but I doubt it. Yeah, just, that's the most you can do. Just yeah, I ask nicely. Lodge, lodge, yeah, nicely lodge your interest. Don't pester, mm-hmm. but just say, look, if you ever, if you ever think about it, just uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the man. I've got two already, and I want another one. Uh, as as a, a guy in 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 Austria, Austria, Hannes, who's looking out for one for me as well, because he can obviously speak German. He can look on the German site, which is probably the best place to get them from. Yeah. So if you come across any, give me a shout. Yeah, I will. I will indeed. So you gave me the royal the royal tour of your different storage units, which there are many, and a few in your house as well. Can you yeah. tell us roughly how many machines you have at the moment? If you can, if you know how many you've got. Uh, Ooh, I, that's a question. Isn't it? When so, I when. When we were going to do this a few weeks ago, I yeah, I, I know the a, numbers changed, so we'll get yeah, onto that later I, on. I had 127. Wow. Yeah, and that's probably now more like 135. <laughs> and the extra, the extra seven or eight machines. Uh, uh, these came from um, a barn raid, which in in this sort of collective we call a barn raid, because usually. These old machines are stored in some old grotty barn, and you lot go along and raid them, and you yeah. know put an offer into whoever owns them. And usually, as a collective of people, and these are quite kept quiet because obviously someone might snipe in like you did with those machines years ago, and sniff them out from under your nose. Um, but this barn raid, can you tell us a few of the machines you got from there for yourself from the event? Uh, I've got, I've got clacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had a Clax before. Uh, I had a smaller one. Uh, yeah, I, really, I love the game. Really like no, the, the game. Yeah, so um, I've already got a Clax, mm-hmm. but um, it had a few marks on it. It's still a really nice machine. Yeah, but uh, I I bought that. That was one. That was a bought on a whim. Yeah, I was after. A, I bought it from Finland. And oh, wow! I wouldn't buy a Clax from Finland. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> but um, wow! I I got a 720 from Finland. And this guy had a clax, and I was like, "Well, it's only probably, you know, that to add a second pallet is not that much." Like you know about when we shared shipping for the yeah, yeah, it's just pretty good. Yeah. So I so I bought it, but um, it had a dead monitor, mm-hmm. and I never did anything with it. And then the clax that I got worked, oh, works cool. fine. Mm-hmm. So um, I bought it to replace the one I got from Finland. So yeah. The one I got from Finland, I will sell. Because another thing, as well as Universal games, you're quite particular about getting Atari and yeah. Taito games as well, Taito yeah. Titronic ones. Atari, Atari was what I started with. Yeah, yeah. And that was mostly because I played Atari games on my Atari ST, to mm. be honest. Yeah, I've like, always played Atari, so I've always liked the old yeah. Ataris. Always. So, and because I played quite a lot of Atari games in the arcade as well, I played mm. Asteroids and I played Star Wars. I remember playing Star Wars at Marwell Zoo. Cool. Yeah, they had a cockpit and an upright. Wow! Because back back in the day, you used to see those things all the time, and now they're getting rarer and rarer. Even in the US, they're getting quite uh quite yeah, thin on apart, the ground. apart from the barcades. But yeah, so I, I started on Atari, then I moved over to Universal mm-hmm. and Atari. Yeah, and then I kind of stopped universal and atari and then did started getting heavy into tato because mm. i was just i thought that was really cool and interesting 
Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I'm mostly focusing on at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of them as well. Yeah, but I got so I got the clacks. I got an Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. Ooh. Yeah, which I used to play on the ST <laughs> again. <laughs> um, and what else did I get? Uh, try, I, did, I didn't get a lot. I got like four, four or five. So I got a Crazy Bloom. Cool, that's a nice game as well. Yeah, because it was better than the one I've already got. So the other one will go, will be traded off or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I got, and then the other one was a, uh, a driving game, uh, Metal Maniacs. Oh, that's that's really rare, isn't it? Yeah. So that's another one for your Atari collection. I've yeah. never even heard of that until you told me about it. Yeah, it do not work. Oh, right, that's a shame. Yeah, gutted. But, um, it's trying to boot, but doesn't get past the boot stage. So ho- hopefully there'll be some light at the under- end of the tunnel on it. But yeah, you must know people that can fix it for you, surely. Yeah, yeah. Quite nice uh, to see that one going. I think. Yeah, would would be good. But yeah, that was it. I didn't really get a lot. Yeah, because there was there was how many machines were in the barn altogether? There was there was eighty eighty nine machines, which was wow. actually more like ninety two in the end, because there was a couple we didn't realise were there. Wow. So that is some operation. I mean, it wasn't just you. It must have been a collective of people with a, a heap of vans and, and four tonners to get these things out of there, surely. Yeah, yeah. And it was all done yeah. in one day, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like that and the Duke, the Duke of Lancaster as well. Um, you usually spend a week or two constantly of logistics, mm. so making sure everyone's vans are available uh Having backup plans. What happens if one van doesn't make it? Yeah. Um, so you know. So, uh, but um, you know, Duke of Lancaster. I had to hire a flipping crane. <laughs> yeah. Well, the listeners might. Well, I know about the Duke of Lancaster. They might not know about it. The Duke of Lancaster was an old moored ship off of Wales, and it was used as an arcade uh, up until about what 1982. It was really early when it closed down, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it's real good backstory, dukelancaster.net, I believe. Yeah, it's really worthwhile. They called it the ghost ship because it was a big ship and they basically just locked the door and no one went in it for like 20 odd years. Yeah, they had a, there was a, they had a discrepancy with the council. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, so they, they, they beached it and then opened it on Sundays. Do you remember the really draconian Sunday trading laws? Yeah, yeah. Which are are kind of almost enforced today to a certain extent. Why quite a lot of places shut at four p.m. and yeah, yeah, open. But it was it was a lot worse back in the eighties. I remember Sundays being a real ball lake where nothing was ever open. Do you remember? Well, I recently went across the um, Denmark. Yeah. Over the Easter holidays, that wasn't wise. There's nothing open at all. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I used to remember being hideously bored on Sundays. Um, mm. But uh, so they they found a loophole in the law that where ships could be open for trading on Sundays. Oh right, okay. Um, and then when they looked at the law further, it didn't matter if the ship was in the sea or in dock. Oh okay. Or if it was actually on land, so if it, it was in a dry dock, so they interpreted that as. Uh, Let's beach it next to a car park. Oh, that's handy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll open it on Sundays and we'll have loads of trading. We'll have loads of market spaces. We'll have a couple of calves. And yeah. uh, I think you could even stay on board You could wow. because there was cabins. And then they had the big arcade and they did clay shooting on the... on the. Yeah, uh, there's an amazing amount of stuff in there. I mean, that's if I, I, I put the um, 
that, that um, website on, on the show notes. I'd encourage people to look at it because it actually, in some places, it looks quite creepy. It looks like one of these ghost ships. You can actually still see pints of beer on the table. But people just left yeah. them there and they've yeah. never been cleared away. No, that, that was that was crazy. The, when when we actually cleared the machines, when I when we first went to see it, and I I it was it's a five and a half hour drive each way for me. Oh, God. And I I first went with um, Andy Wellburn and and Rav. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up, we saw them all, and then the the basically the guy couldn't meet us, and he sent his uh he sent uh his son. His son was like twenty. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, cool, I haven't looked around this in ages. So we went and looked at all the machines and took loads of pictures and looked at everything. You know, we spent a good two, three hours checking all the machines out. Are they complete? Are they not? Yeah. Finding a parts room, going through going through that. And then he said, oh, let's go through the ship. And uh, we um, we spent another two or three hours going wow. through the ship. It was It was really, 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 really cool. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. I mean, I was when I started reading it, and the thread was really, really long because everyone was commenting on it and talking about it. And I was quite envious. Oh, I wish I could, could have gone. But, you know, at the time, I didn't know anything about it. But, yeah, it's the kind of thing where you sort of discover these things. You, you must have had to, you and Rav and P-Man, uh, Andy, must have had to just bite your lips and just keep less excited because you didn't want to push the price up by seeming too keen, I suppose. No, um, I mean... It's all on it's all on UK VAT, but yeah, that mm-hmm. was a long, really long, painful process. Yeah, to to save them. And turns out there was a uh, two sides of the family, and uh, I was talking to the wrong side that had access to the all oh, right to the ship, but um, didn't have the final say on selling the machines. So mm-hmm. I spent I spent ages and ages and ages, and never really got anywhere. And then, and then someone else was offered all the machines and, oh, right. and I um, I picked up on it or someone informed me and I picked up on it and I, then I sent him a PM and he went, yeah, this guy did. And, and then this was the other side of the family and I phoned the guy. The guy kindly gave me his number because he wasn't, he didn't want to take all of them. There was too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. Phoned him up and said, I've been, you know, I've been talking to your, I think it was his auntie for flipping nearly two years. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, trying to do a deal on these and, he was like, "Oh, you you got to you know the wrong side, you know." And luckily, it all worked out in the end. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it, it went from like two years of stress, knowing that they were there. Um, yeah, to, you just couldn't get to them. Yeah, then it went to two weeks of stress after the guy said, <laughs> yeah, "Yeah, you can have them," um, but they got to go. They got to go within two and a half weeks, and it turned into a massive again logistics operation. Yeah, because quite a few people helped out as well. I yeah, think, and then it, was, it was it was like. Four or five days before we were going, he then phoned me up and said, "We need a crane because we can't use the stairs." Oh, and God. to be fair, he had a point because the stairs were pretty gone in places. Yeah, yeah. And it probably wouldn't be a good idea sack trucking a machine. <laughs> big heavy machines down. Yeah. Right? And uh, so then I had to find a a, tr- a crane hire company. Oh my lord. Yeah, and uh, so what I did was I, I, you know, I did location search and. I used the postcode of the ship and then I started doing, I did a Yale.com search mm-hmm. and basically looked at all the crane hire companies that were in like 20 miles yeah. of the place. And uh, the one I chose was five miles away, but I chose it because it was called Lawler Crane Hire. Yeah. 
And uh, the reason that was the reason I chose it because uh, my favourite pinball designer is Pat Lawler. Oh right, <laughs> he did, he did Twilight Zone and Adam's Family and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, excellent. So I was like, this, this is a sign. So I phoned them up and they went, oh yeah, we're coming help. We we do that and cool. And that's the end yeah. of that. I suppose um, that ship's been melted down now, hasn't it? No, they didn't melt it down in the end. It's still there. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. As far as I'm aware, it's still there, it's and it's had thing. it's had some really famous uh, European graffiti artists come, and oh, it's now cool. it's now being like it's got massive graffiti going all the way up the hull. Oh, that is excellent! I, yeah. I love that sort of stuff. You get this horrible grey thing, make it nice and colourful. I love yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, excellent. Well, your collection is it's because it's so big, 135 odd machines. Yeah, I think yeah. it's spread out a little bit. Um, just for ease, we'll call them your house. Uh, and units one, two, and three. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, they're all over the place. You took me to all of them and it was brilliant. I loved I it. I didn't take you to one. There was a fourth one that I couldn't. Oh, just, you're holding out of me, were you? <laughs> no, no, it just, it just wasn't available that day. Yeah, so. I had to sort of rush back anyway. Yeah. So, so the ones you've got at home, can you tell us a, bit, a few of your little games rooms? You, we had a look in your little games room. Yeah, so I think nice. it's important, it's important to have a games room. Oh, God, yeah. Somewhere that I'd go and relax. So, mm-hmm. I've, uh, what have I got? I've got this Indiana Jones pinball that I've been restoring for about two years, and the threads on UK back. Yeah, it's nice and nice and neat at the oh, moment. It's, it's yeah, lovely. it's really nice, but it just there. needs the the boards. Uh, <laughs> and I've got uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not pinball and uh, Transformers. Yep. Uh, and then I have a Food Fight. Yep. You got to send me that joystick, remember? Yeah, I will. Well, I, will. I made you some new gimbals for that thing. Yeah. Make it a bit smoother because it won't work in one of the directions. Yeah. And uh, Super Zaxxon. Yeah, the Super Zaxxon's got quite a little bit of history behind it. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it's a home use only one, basically. Uh, yeah. And it was won uh, by the family. I got it off in a Quaker Oats competition serial. So they won this in a competition. Was it in the UK or in America? It was in America. Yeah. Okay. So um, Quaker Oats in America did a competition on some of their uh, breakfast cereals to win one of three Sega machines. Um, And it was either Super Zaxxon, Pengo, or Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And this this is the one that was actually won by the family in a competition. Yeah, it was won by the family, but they never mentioned that to me when I won it. But I I could see it was in absolutely amazing condition. Mm -hmm. And the eBay auction said that they had had it since new. Mm -hmm. Um, and their father or their grandfather had, had got it since new. And I, I kind of put two and two together because I knew about the Quaker Oats competition. Yeah. There, there is information on that on the internet. Right. Um, and lo and behold, when I did finally get it, about two years later after I won it on eBay, um, inside was all of the was all of the uh, manuals and all of the uh, – Letters that were saying congratulations, you won it in the Quaker Oats competition. Excellent. And, and this is being this machine's being modified at the factory for free play. Oh right, yeah, I showed yeah. I showed you that stuff, didn't I? Yeah, I did see. Yeah, it was quite nice to see all that stuff. And I bet when you got it back and you saw that, it sort of made your day, didn't it? Yeah, you no, didn't it realised was, what was going it was pretty, on. It was pretty cool. So I got I got this the Super Zaxxon, which is crazy hard. Oh god, yeah, it's impossible. I tried to play it the other night on main. I was looking for a few games. I thought, you know, this you know, people really like this game. It must be pretty playable. No, it's probably died. one for Sean Holly because um, it's yeah, something, let's get him on that one. It's something you have to learn. I listened to your Toa Plan, your thirty-three point five yeah. podcast today. Uh-huh. Did you cover Gox, by the way? 
Yes, GA, you did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I missed that like bit. I, I must have, game. I must, yeah, great, great little game that. But um, uh, it's it's a learning game, so you have to learn Super Saxon. Yeah, it's to do with the heights and, and the shadows, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I tried to get into it the other day. I thought, you know, I must be able to... Because I used to play a game called Blue Max on the Atari 800, which is a very similar game where you learn the heights from your shadows. And I was quite good at that, but I just can't seem to get into Saxon. I don't know what it is. Well, oh, I, I, I'll try it again. If I kept on trying and trying, I got pretty good, and I yeah. could get to the second tunnel. But um, one thing, all the missiles that fire and everything that comes... It's, it's, it's a pattern game. And you have yeah. to be, you just basically have to be at the correct height and then left or right or in the middle. And then you've got to know what to fire and what to dodge. Yeah. Once you get that, I, I saw a kid playing it. He can't have been more than 15 on YouTube from okay. back in the 80s. And he's literally playing a dedicated Super Saxon and he's just tapping the joystick. He's like tapping it really lightly just to just to move yeah, the ship like position. two or three pixels left or right to get it perfect. And he was just, he was completely owning the game. So, wow. you know. Yeah, it's one of those games I've never... I must try harder, actually. I do like the look of it. It looks a great game. Zaxxon's easier. Oh, right, okay. I think it was Zaxxon I was playing. I was rubbish at that as well. So <laughs> I'm never going to be any good at that one. Okay, let's go... Uh, there's another one, a few in there as well, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, so I've got, I got Space Invaders in there. Yeah, because so. Space Invaders is the one you brought to Revival, I think. It's got the yeah, multi-game yeah. in it. Yeah, it's got the Braze kit. Yeah, it's some I, good I love, games on that. I love playing a bit of Lunar Rescue or Space Oh, Invaders. we all do. We're going to cover that one soon, I think. Yeah, cool We've game. Got Lunar to do Rescue. Lunar Rescue. I do like that. And I, I know Sean's good, slightly better at me at it, but I think I can beat him. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that one soon. And then I've got my Pong. Yes. When I first came out, I went, oh, you've got a Pong. And then the second thing was, they're smaller than I thought. <laughs> Have I think you I seen one before? I, I had actually. I've seen one in Germany dinky, before. Aren't they? they are. Dinky. They are really small. Yeah, but I think the one in Germany I saw in the Berlin Computer Spieler Museum was on a little plinth, so it seemed okay. higher. And I didn't think they had it on. I think just had the back open so you could see it. But yeah, your one is really nice as well. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't find that. I bought that off of an old UK VAT collector. Oh wow! Um, but he found that in a warehouse in Canada. Oh, right, cool. And it had basically broken down yeah. about three months after going out on site. And then for what, no, like some games get lost. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, the time travel warehouse, you know, there's always these cases of some machines. There's an operator. They've got so many games that one's just broken down and they're so busy. They just never do anything about it. Yeah. And it, it um, stopped working three months or so after being bought and going out on site and it had just been in this warehouse and luckily it had been in a really, really, you know, looked after and it was a, a decent building that it had been kept in. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's practically brand new. I was I was blown away when I saw it. Wow. So I, I, I hounded him for <laughs> years going, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. What what do I have to do to have it? And, yeah. and managed, to, managed to trade and, and a bit of cash and a couple of defenders, I think. Well, yeah, you've you've got quite a few multiples of your machines, so yeah, a few defenders <laughs> wouldn't make too much difference. So that's the ones at home, yeah. Yeah, that's everything at home. So we're going to unit one, which you've yeah. got in front of you there. Um, tell us, I can't talk about all of them because there's so many beer all night. Um, just tell us a few of the rarer machines in in that unit. Um, okay, so I'm just getting my notes. Hold on. Uh, so, just so, so what? I basically, know. it's one with the Darius Burst, and you can't really miss that machine, ah, okay. can you? So it's that one, yeah. So, yeah. So my 
that one, yeah, I've got the Darius Burst DX. Which is quite a, a modern game, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't, mean to buy, I didn't mean to buy that. Just a minute, oh, just a minute. You didn't mean to buy <laughs> the 240-inch screen four-player machine, which is about 12 feet long. You didn't, but you just bought it by accident, did you? Oh, look, I've just, Darius Burst just turned up at the door. Come on. All right, so so going back to um, when I... When I was about 14, mm. um, I was in one of my local haunts and they just got Mortal Kombat 2. Yep. And I basically stood in it, in front of it. And just like it, Wayne in Wayne's World, when he looks at that white guitar and says, one day you will be mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know you know what I'm talking about? I yep. looked at this Mortal Kombat 2 and I went, one day I'm going to own a Mortal Kombat 2 machine. Yeah. And I think that's something, a part of me that I remembered when I... St- when I got those, when I started going, I'm going to get an arcade machine. Yeah. And actually, I did get them. I, I I wanted a Mortal Kombat too, and I I managed to to get one. But um, when I hang, hung out on Jammer Plus, um, there was a thread about Darius Burst, and uh, I re- I quite remember making the same statement. Saying, oh, right, yeah. Because I I I I did own a Darius, and I owned a Sagaya, which is Darius Two. Yeah. But it's not a true Darius 2. Sagaya, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Sagaya is like a European release of Darius 2, and the levels are actually different. They're, they're, oh, they're, right. swapped, they're swapped around. They're like some European releases, you get like level 2 as level yes. 1. Yeah, do it's, a bit, it's a bit like that. Oh, right. um, but I had both of those. I had a Darius, which I found in my first ever, my first ever big score of games. Yeah. Um, and I had a Sagaya, which I got from Arcade Warehouse. I have no idea where they got that from. Mm. Um, and I, I like them both, but where when space was more of a premium, uh, I had to sell them. Yeah, so big old uh, three three screen machines. Yeah, Darius Darius is three fourteen inch screens, mm-hmm. and uh, Sagaya is two nineteen inch. All right, um, but I made this. Uh, I made this uh, statement on on the forum saying uh, I'm going to own one of those one day, <laughs> and then and then I was on some pinball website ukpinballinfo.com because yeah. uh, I, I do like tinkering with a couple of with pinballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a couple of Half Life cabs. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. And those. I knew I knew Rav Dom was into his half-lifes and these were the these were the uprights yeah and I, I, I saw them in that they weren't they weren't shown as half-life twos i just saw a glimpse of the control panel yeah and and i recognized the stick and i was like uh that's that's half-life cabs so i immediately sent sent him a message and went this is these this is a half-life machine and then funnily enough he then spoke to the person that posted they were and yes they were for sale and he ended up buying two half-life machines yeah. i've actually been to rav's um unit as well and saw something they saw no they're massive things yeah he's got the two super deluxe sit downs and now he's got two uprights so you can have four player network link oh my play. lord that'd be fun but then then i regretted telling him because then he came back and went oh i'm just letting you know the bloke's got a darius machine all right I was, like, I was like what so then i messaged him and the bloke sent me a picture and it was a darius burst ex Ooh. and i was like oh <laughs> I must have it. Uh, so um, I had a couple of, I got a few pinballs at work, and uh, I basically uh, said I've, I've got to have it. So I uh, I bought it, and then I then I sold a couple of pinballs to 
cover the cost of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I know how much you got it for. You told me, and it's a really good price because it's a big old machine. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally a lot awesome. of fun. I've actually played it. Um, they had it at the Casino Arcade when it was still in Goose Street in London, and it's an amazing game. I've recently got. Um, I bought a PSP. You know the PlayStation Portable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the first games I got for it. Uh, Darius burst on there, and it's it's brilliant on that little screen, but on those big ass. 40-inch screens. You can play four players together as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. We didn't boot it up, did we? Because you would... No, I've, I've played it before, but um, yeah, when when I get and see you again, hopefully we can get it on and have a blast. Yeah, but luckily yeah. it's on wheels and <laughs> you can move yeah, bits thank, around. It's a big old God, thing. Thank God, yeah. Thank God it's on wheels. Yes, tell us some more about the ones in that unit because I, I can't remember all of them myself. There's a few quite so, rare ones in there as well, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's a few oddball ones in there. So, mm. obviously... I. I, I started collecting the weird and the wonderful or the unusual. Mm-hmm. So there's a solar fox, yeah, which was which I I'd, I'd taken to. Um, that was at one of the South Coast slams, and I actually took the Super Saxon. It went there was solar fox and Super Saxon one year. Yeah, at the South Coast Slam, uh, I have a couple of Tato machines in there. I've got uh, the balloon bomber. Yeah, that's a great little game. Never really played that until we had a go on your uh, your multi game at Revival. That yeah, time. but the, quite the like multi game. So Macro told me Macro's the Mike Coates is the only mm-hmm. person that's ever played a dedicated balloon bomber that I know of. All oh, right. He said he played it in a lo- uh, they had it in a pub, and he said that the multi game, the balloon bomber board set has got extra hardware. Oh. That allows for scrolling clouds. Oh, okay. Yeah. And. Uh, and the Space Invader hardware can't handle that, so you you don't get this all the scrolling clouds. Ah, see, is it, is it, does it work properly in MAME, or is it? Um, I have I have in? no idea. I've not I've not tried it in MAME. All oh, right, it's interesting. Yeah, so it, it's probably one to one to check, but that came from that came from do, 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 do Belgium. Wow, that was on that was on like the equivalent of um, Gumtree. Okay, yeah. It was in 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 this like hoard. This the bloke was a hoarder. Apparently, it was in one of his outbuildings, mm. just sitting there. But wow. yeah, so I was like, I've got to got to get that. It looks awesome. It's um, a really rare game as well. I've never seen yeah. it since. So then next to it is the Tato Speedway CL5. Who 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 owned that before you then? Um, I think it's, it passed through your hands, hadn't it? It did. I wish I hadn't got rid of a big long oh, story about that. But yeah, it's a great amazing, little machine. Absolutely amazing game. I really Love liked it. it. But Love I had it. to get rid of it at the time because I was moving to London. And me and my brother had to take it over a four-foot wall around the back of my house. And it, it seriously nearly killed both of us because it's a heavy machine. Yeah. And yeah. I just had to get rid of it. And I, I wish I had the room to have it in London because it's a great little great game. It's really cool. Um, great, yeah, I'm glad you've got it at least. At least you're just going to get some play and some, you know, looked after at least. So, what else have I got in there? Uh, Namco Rally X. Oh, it's a great game. It's a proper Japanese one. Mm, yeah, the, the, the Midway one's quite easy to come by, but the, the Japanese ones are dead hard to find, aren't they? Yeah. And then next to that, I've got a 1974 or 75 Western Gun Tato. Oh, Western yeah, Gun, that's a great game. Which was. Uh, was what Midway used and based Gunfight on. It's basically a license. Gunfight is a yeah. license, a Western gun, but um, they changed Gunfight. So obviously, um, Western guns TTL only. Yeah. But they um, they basically remade it and gave it slightly better graphics and 
called mm. it Gunfight, and actually it's, it's the first processor-based game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that one is, yeah. Um, what else have I got in there? Which was that Sega one you had in there? It was quite rare. Sega Bomber, 1976. The Bomber, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's an odd-looking thing. I've never seen one of them before. Yeah, totally awesome. Mm. Totally awesome. That That's really cool game. Really, really interesting game. Uh, what else have I got? I've got the Sega KO Punch. Yeah, that was another one I was I was thinking of. Yeah, which is um, which was came out before Punch Out, Nintendo's Punch Out. Yeah, but actually is uh, based on a, a punching machine. But, but it's it's a lot smaller than a punching machine, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite small. Yeah, yeah. tiny it's Japanese machine, and um, you you punch the bag, and there's a fourteen inch monitor in a vertical orientation. Yeah, really bizarre that's, looking thing. And that's when you see the other fighter, and then you you select. Who you want to fight and the difficulty with the buttons, mm. then you do that. So that that was pretty cool. That was like That's very cool. That, that was on eBay. I mean, oh, yeah, it was on eBay. It was in Glasgow. There was um, some. It was being sold, I think, by some kind of fairground traveller type people. Yeah, that'd be about right. I'd thought of that kind of game. Yeah, and he said it just been sitting there for years. It was working, and then it was just sitting there for at least ten, fifteen years. He said, and you know, wow. But the board, the board's gone to be dumped and and gone over. It's been been sent off. To, oh, nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah I, I do make sure I, I do do my, uh, you know, give back if I, if something cool comes up. Um, Absolutely. What else? There's a there was a Sega Space Tactics. Yeah, that's another really rare one, isn't it? Yeah, for, uh, Sega Buck Rogers, or as the Japanese versions know, uh, Zoom Nine Oh Nine. Yeah, that was a funny little thing as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sort of trying. I'm just sort of remembering now which ones we saw next. We saw quite a lot in that day. Yeah, uh, so some was... of these I've never seen before. Even when I was a little kid, you know, <laughs> I think I may may have seen the uh, the gunfight one when I was really little. But it would have been an old game back then. I was I was born in '73, so you know, it would have been yeah. an old game so, when I played it, sort of thing. So there's a couple of other oddball stuff. There was a missile X, Tato missile X. Yeah. Tato Gunman, which was the sequel to Western Gun, cool. which ev- everyone knows that Midway did as Boot Hill. Yeah, I used to play Boot Hill a lot when I was a yeah. kid. Probably played that one as well. Not cool. a lot of people know that, which is why I'm heavily into Tato, that a, a lot of the games that people know, you know, by Midway, like Wheels, Wheels is Speed Race, right? And, yeah, yeah. You know, and the Gunfight series and Boot Hill are actually, ta- you know, there's, there's a lot of Tato games. Well, yeah, even Space Invaders, you know, the Americans got the Midway version with a different shaped cam. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I hate I've never liked version. it myself. And, oh, and their version of Space Invaders 2 is so very different as well. Made, so badly made. Mm. Yeah, and so that, that's... That's what, about it for that unit, wasn't it? Yeah, there's other stuff like I rammed in an initial D2 and a Star Blade and... Oh yeah, bits of Starblade. That's missile a... command cockpit as well, actually. Wasn't yes, it? there is. Yeah, that's a I'm really trying to remember machine. what was actually in there myself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah just you just throw in a missile command cockpit, you know. And <laughs> there was a wasn't there a funny shooting game as well in there, like a gun light gun game with a screen. It was like a little egg shaped thing right at the start of the Oh, a Cosmoswat, Namco Cosmoswat. That's the fellow, yeah. Yeah, which was a space version of a shoot away. Yeah. Have you ever had that one? did you say you've ever had that one going or is it Yeah it works not? it works but really? that, that again the the board's not in it because the board got sent to Andy Wellburn to be dumped and it's now in it's now being sent to Mame I don't know if it's in Mame yet but Yeah 
that's it's, cool. It's being dumped, but he's still got the board. I'm waiting for it to come back. And unfortunately, he's moved to America since then. <laughs> yeah, he's got a few of my boards. He's got mm. the Missile X board as well. He's he's dumped that. Cool. That's not that's been not being dumped. Well, it's nice to know these are getting dumped. So we can actually play the damn things because it's very. It's not very often you see these things, especially in working condition. So let's get on to unit two. Okay. Uh, and that's where a lot of your Ataris were. Oh, okay, yeah, I know. I've, so that's where that was my actual arcade that I used to, you know, I used to play everything before I moved. Before down you into, filled it full of machines, you can't yeah, move anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's just full of machines. So yeah, that's that's got quite a lot of my uh, my most coveted mm. machines in it. Absolutely, so, rows mostly, and rows of Ataris. Lovely. Yeah, nearly every. Every Atari Vector apart from Red Baron. You haven't got a Red Baron? No, I did have a Red Baron. I had the oh. Red Baron cockpit, which I sold to Sean at the arcade bar. Yeah, I remember playing it at the barn, actually. Years yeah. ago. It, was really, it was really nice, really nice one, but yeah. I just couldn't get on with the game, and I, I bought it for the sake of having every Atari Vector. Wow. And then I just had to think, oh, just the other games I like. Yeah, it's a big one as well, the cockpit and version. Yeah, I, I just, at, at the time... I, th- I think I sold Sean like 22 or 23 games over the years. So, wow. um, yeah, and it was better being there for people to play. So. Oh, it got a lot of play. Yeah, I remember it broke down quite a bit because it used to overheat, I think, where we used to play it too much. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, yeah it's th- good. So these these um, rare vectors, we're talking, um, oh, what's the game with this trackball? Quantum. Quantum. You've got a quantum? Yeah. Ooh. I, th- I, I really like that, that game. I love that game. I don't think I've ever played it, actually, to be honest with you, but it looks yeah. good. I mean, it's one of these it games that's cool. like, I mean, you see people regularly on Cloth, the American forum, you know, thousands of dollars to buy these machines because that's like a really rare one. How, do you know how many were made? Uh, something like 550, isn't it? There is an is Atari all? US list of number of games made somewhere out on oh, the internet. right, okay. doesn't include any of the island stuff, though. Hmm. You got quite a few um, Atari Island stuff, haven't you? Yeah, I, that's mostly what I collect. Because mm. collect. um, the other ones I was thinking of, just trying to think of that that place. Now, in the corner, you had a really odd machine. Was it a Snake Pit? Yeah, a Senti Snake Pit. Senti Snake Pit. That's a really odd. And is that a one-off? Um, not many of those made. There was. So the story goes, there was a Belgium toy museum. Do you know the story? No. Go on. Okay, so. Later on, go type in Belgium Toy Museum or Belgium Toy slash Arcade Museum and it'll come up with a Belgium museum that somehow this guy got a load of machines. He had about 100 machines. and wow. I mean, there was there was some crazy rare stuff. Mm-hmm. He had two snake pits. He had a speed freak. He had two midway submarines. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. You know, have you ever... Yeah, you probably... He had a midnight marauder. Yeah. Um, and he had a prototype defender, which um, Rav got. Mm-hmm. He went over and uh, got it years ago. But um, this toy museum, they shut down and they sold all the games to two German collectors. Yeah. Half of them went to a German collector and half of them went to uh, like the equivalent of uh, Arcade Warehouse, like some, you know, like yeah, American yeah. German reseller. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the snake pits were split so one went to the collector and one went to the reseller yeah. i got i got mine off of the the, the actual like the reseller guy you know they were mm-hmm. called world of arcade and 
it all went. Oh up. yeah, I've heard of them. Dot they went up. Yeah, yeah they it had, they had a website and everything, and then everything went really bad. Where they were selling stuff and not delivering the games. And, oh right. And then they've disappeared. I don't I don't know what happened to them. Mm. But I got it from them. Um, mm. And um, after we started, Andy Welburn did a lot of uh, homework on that Proto Defender, and he 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 had got a lot of UK trade show magazines, and he was pretty sure that. There, there's a picture of it on in like a London. It's probably like what uh, the ATI show is, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was there. And in, in the background, you can see these snake pits. So we're pretty sure that somehow these machines then went to Europe oh. um, on this kind of arcade tour, you know, going to all the different shows, and then they never got shipped back to the US. And somehow this toy, the German toy museum guy, got hold of them. Yeah. Um, but um, Senti was started by Nolan Bushnell. Ah, yes, I remember you saying so that. Sen- yeah. Senti is actually a Japanese word, and it's uh, another one of the pieces from the 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 game. What's the game called? Go. Go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's what Atari it's, comes from yeah, as well. It's isn't where it? Atari comes from, and he basically then chose Senti. Oh, okay. um, Senti made their first game was Snake Pit. Yeah, and um, and then. Not long after Snake Pit was being pushed out, Bally Midway or Bally came in and bought Senti because obviously they probably thought, "Oh my God, it's Nolan Bushnell. This is going to be the next Atari." Yeah. So they bought it out, and it became Bally Senti. And then, what's really funny is they only ever did about ten games before Senti got shut down. Yeah, it wasn't many. No, um, but a uh, you know a Senti Snake Pit. Obviously, only existed in in this kind of. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there weren't machines that were actually shipped out to arcades, but if there were, none none are known. And the only two known machines were these two. Mm. And I, I w- wasn't aware that it was that rare. To be honest, I knew it was unusual. Yeah, it was a lucky finder. Um, but I bought it because. You know, I had a bit of cash. You know, it was one other one of them things like, oh, I'll buy it and have a look. You know, it's, yeah. You know, so I did that. But the other one got dismantled, unfortunately. Oh, right. Damn. Yeah, a US collector got it. And he had one of the Bally Senti machines with one of the later games in. Yeah. Um, so bought it off of the German collector and then made him part it out and send all the parts, like the control panel and the oh, marquee. What a shame. To set so because he didn't want to ship the whole game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so unfortunately, the original, you know, the original one... You know, I would have had the original serial play. I'm quite into my serial numbers and, mm. you know, authenticity. It's probably all lost. Shame. Such a shame. Yeah, it is. Shame you couldn't have had them just for yourself for your bits. You would have had the sister machine to it. Yeah, Dang. that'd be cool. But I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what happened to the other one until it was too late. And then yeah, yeah. I didn't find out that it was, and it was someone I knew as well, which was even more annoying. Oh, God. Yeah, but I didn't find out until uh, you know as well. You know, a good year after it didn't mm. exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. I remember when when we looked around that place as well. You you have um, well, obviously a nice range of Atari machines and the vectors and such. We had a cloak and dagger in there as well, dedicated. Yeah, yeah, that that's a rare one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, me- I think I remember quite a few years ago when that arrived. You did an unboxing. Yeah. Out of a crate. Yeah, it's it was, a lovely looking thing. I really like this side art. I'm sure Sean and I have done that as um, one of our side art segments. Yeah, um, I, think you, segments. I think you have, yeah. It's a really have. cool. Apparently the game's quite cool. I don't think I've ever played it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's Robotron layout. So. Yeah, twin stick thing, isn't it? 
yeah, there's loads of Easter eggs and secrets to that game. Cool. I think next to that you had a, well, one of your many major havocs you have. <laughs> and so that's, is that the the wire wrap um, prototype you've got there next to that one? Yeah, so um, I uh, I was lucky enough to get uh, market research machine number three. Wow. They made they made three market research machines, uh, a t- uh, one, two, and three. I believe one still exists. Oh right, T- two was found in a destroyed state. Uh-huh. Um, and free is the one I've got, and that's what they used at Atari to do their market research. These games went out on test, cool, um, to see how the game was doing. And yeah, it's a it's a full prototype. It's in a Crystal Castles cabinet. Yeah, it's the slanted one, isn't White it? White yeah. sized. Yeah, it's got um, and it, yeah, it's got a handmade board. So wow. the board the board's been obviously uh, screened and created. Yeah. via their manufacturing process, but it's got loads of... Uh, everything's hand-soldered because it was hand-assembled because it wasn't on a production line. Wow. It's a proto-board, and it's got uh, it's got basically wire wrapping. So where there's obviously faults with the board or they've made modifications, it must have about 30 or 40 wire traces going all over the board, yeah. connecting it. That's amazing. That thing still works. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So tell us a bit more about your other major havocs. You've got one in, in the normal sort of, um, in the iRobot-shaped cabinet. Yeah, so I've only got the two. I've got the Pro oh, Only and two. Then, and, then, <laughs> and, then I, and then I've got a dedicated, so I've got a proper dedicated major havoc, which is, you know, they made 300 of those before. Wow. Major, major Havoc kind of ended up being a conversion kit game, didn't it, for Tempest and yes. Space Shields. Yeah, yeah. But they... Because the same shaped cabinet, the original one, is the iRobot, and you've got an iRobot as well next to it. Yeah, I've got an iRobot. But Alex loved that when he saw it. It's one of his favourite games from being a kid. Yeah, I fired it up. I fired it up for him and we played it. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah, we played. Yeah, I, I used to I used to get lost in that game. I used to come home from work and I would I could play that game for about an hour or two. In fact, I, we, in we fact, really got into it when we played it actually against each other. It's really cool. Quite liked yeah, it. I, 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 I could probably I, I reckon I'd probably be fourth, maybe even up to third on the twin galaxy score if but oh, I'd need right, to brush cool. I'd need to brush up on my skills. Yeah, get a camera on it, mate, do it. Yeah, but um, I used cool. to I, I could just go through that game. I I I learned this you, you have to learn that game as well. And I my I just completely got lost in it. I learnt it and I just would just go through every level with ease. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about a, def- um, a prototype defender and you've got one there. I remember seeing it because the side art is really odd. It looks almost like a, um, a Star Wars scene on the side of it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I managed to, I and wasn't really looking for it, but one came up. So yeah, I got a one of the pilot proto defenders. Mm, it's I nice got as that, well. Got that from the US. I shipped it in from the US mm-hmm. ages ago. Yeah, and it, it's pretty cool. It's got the, it's got all the Star Wars. Oh, it's got Tie Fighters and everything on it. Yeah, it's really. Is, does the game play the same though? Yeah, there's a massive um, story about because everyone thought they were they were bootleg defenders, but um, yeah, Andy Wellburn's got a, a page up on his uh, website about all the proto defenders, and then someone emailed because there was a massive argument on Clov yeah. about them. So someone, just some random person in the thread, just thought, well, 
bollocks to this. There's only one person that's going to know, and he email, emailed uh, Eugene Jarvis. Oh, right, and he said, well, yeah, it's a real one. Yeah, and he said, yeah, it's a real one. It was The artwork was done by something, someone, Constantine. Um, oh, yeah. And then we basically got a cease and desist from uh, LucasArts. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought they'd get involved. <laughs> yeah. So we... Um, and my one, uh, from from what I understand... All of the early machines, so they were all, they were all pilot or protos. Mm-hmm. But um, what was quite common was they wouldn't always get shipped back to Williams, Atari, whoever, whatever the the game yeah, was. Yeah, probably cost a fortune to send um, backwards and forwards across the world. From what I had heard in the research that was done, it was it wasn't uncommon for games back in the boom to be taken straight from the trade shows. Oh, I really need this game. Yeah, we'll buy it now. Then the sales guy would go, well. You know, our list price is so-and-so. And then the game would be sold on the last day of the trade show and then would go straight to site. Uh-huh. So a couple, a couple of the defenders escaped. But my one, from the person I spoke to, it was um, they were informed that it was to be destroyed. Williams got hold of them and said, oh, right. this, this machine's to be destroyed. Wow. And um, But the guy uh, read it as uh, disabled. So he kept the machine and literally the wiring harness to the monitor to the control panel. There's about 20 cuts oh. where they've cut through the wiring harness, complete, utterly, totally through the wiring harness. Right. And um, the person I got it off had meticulously uh, redone, reconnected all of the wiring harness together. Wow. So luckily, Yeah, so luckily it wasn't you know the op that he got it off that did that. You know, when William said destroy the machine that was his interpretation of it's never going to work again rather than the entire thing needs to be yeah, been, been put into a skip yeah yeah wow so in, there's loads more in that in that unit we got we, we haven't got time to talk about them, but there's rows and rows of these lovely atari machines they're in really nice condition as well because i saw quite a few um but, yeah any, so, are, are there other ones in there you can think of worth talking so, about so i've got an ass track yeah, that's track. Yeah, so that's the thing with a big bubble, isn't it? Yeah, with a bubble bezel. Um, wow. Which was, um, which was basically Centauri's last game. Oh, okay. Before they were going bankrupt, as as basically Aztrak was leaving the production line and being shipped out. Wow. And it was um, done. I can't remember the guy's name. Tim Iscat and Tim, the guy that uh, did was a programmer and programmed Aztrak. Turned mm-hmm. out to be a pretty famous programmer. Okay, and then he was he was really loaded, and then he ended up um, committing suicide in the Hollywood Hills. Oh wow! There's a massive story on it. Okay, but, um, yeah, but uh, so Aztrak didn't really get released. I think I I can't imagine that that more than fifty got uh, left Centauri. Yeah. Um, and the last one I ever saw was on eBay, US eBay, and it was actually an ex Centauri employee. Oh right, okay. And he was just—he had the story on eBay. He—he he wasn't like a anyone of real value there. He was just one of the production line guys building the games. Yeah. But when they were when they went bankrupt, and Aztrak was the game coming off the line because they couldn't Centauri couldn't afford to pay anyone. Oh, they right. were basic. They were basically saying, "We owe you wages, and you're being you know you're being made redundant, but you're welcome to take a machine in payment, so we don't owe you any right. money." Nice. And it, and he basically went, okay, well, I'll take one. Where most people just went, okay, I'm going to be owed, you know, however 
many hundred dollars it was back then for a month's wages or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But this guy took one of the Astracks. All oh, right, nice. So it went off the production line into the back of his van. Yeah, yeah. nice. I, I, yeah. I definitely do that if I was him. That, that was the definitely. last one I saw on on eBay. So that was oh. pretty cool. And then he just kept it in his garage. Oh, but right. yeah, they're 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 pretty rare. They they use the uses a Wells Gardener sixty four hundred vector monitor, which you know you you can't get. No, is that one of these ones that like the Sega one used to catch fire quite regularly? No, it's it's a reliable monitor, oh, right. but um, Wells Gardner. Obviously, you get the sixty one hundred, then you add the Atari Amplifone. Yes, um, and the sixty four hundred is actually a superior monitor. Oh, right. to okay. to the Amplifone. Is it color? Yeah. Oh wow! I thought it was a black and white game abstract. Cool. No, no, it's, it's a color Ooh. vector. Yeah, I think you should take that to one of the shows and let me have a look at that. The sixty four hundred has got an issue at the moment. Ah, uh-huh. damn! And it's only, there's only about three people in the world that <laughs> touch bet. them, and they're all in the US. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's a shame. But um, I've got Cosmic Chasm. Yeah. Which was the first ever console game to be. Oh yeah, converted the to an arc- one. To, yeah, to be converted to an arcade game, and that was by Cinematronics. Yeah, cool. It's a cool game. Yeah, that was cool. And then the only other real games of note, um, I've got the Euro Gravitar, which. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's I'm nice never, le- never letting that go. There's a, there's, there's a load of them in um, James Bond's Never Say Never Again in the casino scene. Oh, cool. There's load of there's a casino seed with a load of centipedes and a load of Euro Gravitars and I think there's probably a couple of Euro Dig Dugs as well. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know where the rest of them are gone. More than likely, your one was in that film. That'd be cool if it was, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you could actually that would, find out, that'd be brilliant. That would that would be cool. Um, that's pretty much yeah. it. I've, I've got the Vector Row, but yeah, there's there's load of stuff in there. Yeah. So let's get on to Unit 3. This is well, quite a small unit for you, and they were crammed in quite hard in this place. And the one I remember seeing at the front of the the unit was the 720 degrees. Yeah. And that's your your broken one, isn't it? And is there, is there another one coming? Yeah, there's another, one cu- there's another one coming. So that's the one I brought from Finland. Yeah, okay. But it's quite badly water-damaged in places. And yeah. I, it, my opinion is, I know some people do do major restores, and um, yeah. I, I my hat take my hat off to them. Yeah, you haven't but, got enough time, mate, with all the machines. You really no, it's, well, it's, not, it's not only. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also I've, I'm also quite particular about games. If there's something I feel's not right, I I, I have to. I, I will look for another one. Yeah, like I like I did for the clacks. Yeah, you know. So I found it. So that that will go. Yeah, that will go up for sale. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be snapped up in seconds. Yeah, I imagine it will. Definitely, I imagine it will. But um, yep. And the other one I, I, I noticed I'd never seen before, and you told me a little bit about was Golly Ghost. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a weird game, isn't it? It didn't do that well, but it sounds quite. From what you were telling me, it sounds in, quite a in fun Japan, game. In Japan, in Japan, it did really well. Oh, okay. And in Japan, there was a sequel. Ah, right. And the machines, I believe, the machines almost totally pink. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and that game, I think there's a couple of them still in arcades in Japan. Wow, cool. But um, Golly Ghost uh, uses a diorama. Yeah, it's like a sort of half and half arcade uh, electromechanical. Yeah. As well as a video game with yes. guns, I think. Yeah, so I believe it uses the same hardware as Assault. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and it's basically it's got a gun uh, the 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 arcade the jammer board is used to project to show the ghosts uh-huh. like the booze from mario yeah and uh, obviously show the attract screen and do all of the credits and control the gun but there's a there's a half mirror just like the old tato games yeah and then and then in the bottom of the machine is like a like a, a doll's house Okay. Lying, lying flat and it and um it has all yeah it has all the rooms and then there's all these little mechanical things with solenoids so the little wire the the doors will open for the cupboard or oh, uh, the, awesome. to- the toilet seat will lift up <laughs> and then what will happen is it will fire all the solenoids and make all these things move in the dollhouse wow. and then the board set will know that like the cupboard's opened and then a ghost will come out of the cupboard Oh, that sounds. Excellent. And then you've got to start shooting all the new ghosts. It's really, really, really cool. It does sound brilliant, actually. Yeah, I love that, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that was came straight off of. I got that on eBay, and I didn't even. That was another thing I didn't. I didn't even really mean to buy, and then it came <laughs> up on eBay, and I was like, "Wow, that's really, really weird." And then I, like you do, I went away and I read about it. I read about the the diorama and the doll's house and all the, the electromechanical parts. And then the, the fact that the image from the board is superimposed and it was like, it was like buy it now for 90 quid or something. Wow. And it was, um, it's come straight off site. I think it wasn't in an arcade. I think it was actually, it was actually from, uh, like an amusement park. Yeah. That sort of work out, wouldn't it? And, uh, yeah, I just cool. bought it and then I got Martin to deliver it. And I think he cursed me forever. That it's was a big his machine, old isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I nearly killed him with that. Because you're saying about um, these probably did really well in Japan. We were talking a bit off mic before we started the interview. Yeah. About some the gaming in Japan you've never been. Um, it's totally different over there. I mean, in the arcades, you know, there's a lot of the fighting games and the modern stuff, and you get the old ones. But there's a lot of things like there's a lot of weird betting games where you play with cards actually on the machine with a screen, touch screen, and there's there's the pod games where you sit in a pod and it's, there's a big image projected around you and there's there's photo booths where kids get dressed up to have photographs of each other and stuff and it's it's a totally different way of gaming. I think a gun game with funny little bits moving around and, and light shows and stuff that work really well. Yeah, I, it, I, I like the interesting stuff because that that stuff gets lost, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's stuff like um, uh, there's a game with all the millions of buttons. I was playing it uh, the Hog last week, uh, week before last. Um, the name of it now the name escapes me but it's a, a, a game where you play three players together and you've got like bash the buttons really quick hyper bishy bashy oh yeah hyper bishy bashy that yeah. is a really cool machine mate. if you can get hold of one of those they're a lot of fun yeah I mean it's great for kids as well it's a really good game but that, that sort of thing works really well it's like all the drum games and the and the guitar games and the rhythm games and the dance machines and stuff they just work really well over there it's a totally different way of gaming, but I mean, they love it and they really get yeah. into it. No, I'd love to go over. I would love to go over. I think you should. You'd like it. I, I think I will. <laughs> Excellent. So, as well as arcade machines and pinballs, um, you've got a lot of PCBs and spares as well. I mean, I saw them everywhere strewn around the place. <laughs> have, you, have you got like databases of all the stuff, or you just sort of I've got have an some. idea? I've got some, yeah. yeah. I've got some stuff catalogues. Yeah, it'd be nice because well, you've got so much gear. You need, you know, if you need to get hold of it, and you know, for a machine or whatever. Yeah, I kind of know. I know it sounds crazy, but I kind of know where everything is. Yeah, that I'm sounds like that. really weird. I I can remember, but yeah, um, obviously, is... since I was 18, I you know when I when I took those 30 or 40 boards. Yeah. 
you know, and like I said, I still got some of them. I've got that. I've got the Warriors of Fate, and I've I've done countless operator deals, and in f- in fact, I think on the way when I, when I got that Pac Man before, it was quite funny because there's a Butlins in Bognor Regis, yeah, and um, on the way to go and get that Star Wars or go and go and f- make first contact, <laughs> um, I literally drove into drove into Butlins. Didn't even pay at the gate, just drove straight through, parked up. And I remember this girl looking at me like, what in the hell was he doing? And I parked up, uh, went straight in, went into one of the arcades on site, and there was a guy servicing one of the machines. And um, I I said, have you got any boards? And he was just a really nice guy. He went, yeah, we've got a load of old boards. And then he took me to another location which had a load of bowling lanes and then we went through the door at the side to get to the back of the bowling lanes mm-hmm. and then in there there was a load of shells and he just had boxes of boards wow and he just said we don't want it we don't need them you can have them wow yeah so i i had that as well i, I think there's about 50 or 60 boards cool and i was so literally i was so over the moon i think i gave him like 50 quid i was like dude have this 50 quid yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there was I, I got some cool stuff from there. I got like a double dragon and all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was away in Denmark over the long weekend. Um, I went to this little arcade there. It was a little place there. And um, in the wall, they had like little um, recesses that covered by clear plastic. And they had PCBs sort of attached to the wall. And my wife sort of said to me, Jake, no, what's that then? I went, oh, that's a scramble. She went, what? What's that one? <laughs> and I said, oh, it looks like a frogger. You know, that looks like a space invader. She said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I just do. You just you look at something. Yeah, oh, that's a so and so, and you know straight away what it is. But when you go to op- yeah, when you go to operators like um, you 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 get this eye, and you can go through the boards, and you, you'll you'll know what's what's not worth taking, yeah, and what worth and what is, especially when you can't take the lot, and you know it's yeah. X amount per board, and all they're they're slightly hard work. So you do kind of get an eye. You know, I I I know visually what a board is it's it's mad isn't it really yeah it's like you you can see straight away what a, um what a fruit machine board is and you just throw that out of the way move yeah. get out of the way and you can just get what you sort of want straight away but as you said as well earlier because of all these pcbs you've got you have actually been sending them off to main to be dumped so we can yeah, actually yeah, play yeah. these rare games and you know what's the sort of if you can you imagine what the the rarest ones you've ever had you've uh, dumped for main um cannonball yeah uh uh, I had a prototype. I still have actually a prototype Paperboy. Oh right, cool. Does it play oh, any different? No, it doesn't. It's missing some of the ROMs, oh, okay. which is a total shame. But it's completely different hardware to System Two. Oh right. Okay. Um, so they obviously changed it to System Two quite late through. Yeah. Paperboy's development. Oh right. I've I, I've got three three sets of Proto Paperboy boards. Hmm. Um and. All the ROMs that are on that got dumped. Um, there, there, there are a couple of complete prototype Paperboy machines, right. but I had, I had slightly different code. But I'm, it's, it's, it's preserved anyway. Cool. Um, what else? There's quite a few. The Missile X, obviously, that's a t- TTL game. But uh, Andy Wellburn's been dumping the proms. No, like quite a lot, quite a lot of the later TTL games um, yes. actually have graphics proms. Yeah, I think uh, when I was talking to uh, Martin Laws a little while ago, he was saying his fire truck had that. Yeah, so yeah. They, they, you cool. know, and that, that stuff's not being dumped, so 
or not not a lot of it's out there so mm -hmm. we're trying to get a lot of that stuff yeah there's, there's a, yeah there's a there's a couple of games that i actually still need to do i've, I've got a tato sub hunter and a tato top bowler cool and they're both still on the main list as as undumped so well, it'd be I mean, nice to get those in yeah have a look at that yeah so they're next on they're next on the list to to get done yeah it's massively important because no one will ever play them otherwise yeah i know and yeah, Andy Wellburn used to come over quite a bit because he used to live down here near me. Yeah, and we'd go through and we'd pick a few boards, and there was there was a few, quite a few that were were done. Hmm. Cool. So you do share your collection about a bit by taking them to um, a lot of the shows and expos over in the UK. Um, a few have been cancelled this year, unfortunately, for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, they have. Which is a bummer because we do like to get together and you can see some of these machines. And I've seen some of the old ones that I, I used to own there as well, which is quite nice seeing them still working. Um, is there any shows this year you'll be sending any games to, or is it sort of next year now? Um, no, no. Um, I don't mind supporting Revival, and I, obviously South Coast Slam. I was. Yeah. I supported them, and then in later years, I was part of the crew. Mm -hmm. um, but they were kind of close. Everything else is yeah, it's all up north, quite, isn't it? It's quite far away, so yeah. it doesn't make sense because you're talking like three or four hundred quid just in diesel to get to Nurg. Absolutely. And to be fair, James and Andy are doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think supporting all of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, because um, it's a real shame because I, I live in, in London and you're even further south than me near Portsmouth. Yeah, uh, and getting to Nurgen that is it's great if you're on a train or you know going in your car on your own for the weekend. When you've got like twenty or thirty arcade machines in tow, it can be quite expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's, lot it's of a, effort as well. You don't want to get them broken hour, and stuff. It was a six-hour drive to get to Nurgen. That was in a car. Yeah, so it'd be like an probably an eight-hour drive with a load of machines. It's, it's, it's and it's not. It's it's probably not financially viable for no. for the organisers, but if if the slam comes back, oh yeah, and, I hope so. And if revival comes back, that's close enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are ones I never miss. Yeah, I that, love them. I, that stuff I would. That, yeah, I, I, I don't mind helping out. I, I wouldn't say I'd make it a regular occurrence because it's annoying when stuff breaks. Because mm. you don't you don't you know you're in it for the you're doing it for the the fun and the support aren't you rather than yeah yeah absolutely but um yeah I, 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 if the south coast slam comes back i'm sure that there'll be uh, a van load of machines from me going there yeah a bit crazy hopefully the darius burst and yeah, oh I, yeah that'd be wicked. yeah I, I actually bought that flipping darius burst for the south coast slam as well no oh, right I thought, I thought we can take it there and then i found out it wasn't happening Dull. i thought yeah. hopefully it'll be back cause it is a popular one so yeah hopefully it'll be back i don't i don't honestly no I, I haven't heard anything i don't you know hopefully it will though yeah yeah it's a good one so have, are there any more plans for the future is there anything you particularly got your eye on about collecting something you're getting into pinballs a little bit now um but uh forget always, pinballs always, pinballs are dull no, the pinballs are cool, but there's only certain ones that are good. Yeah, I, I find I do like playing pinballs. I know nothing about them. There's, there's, I don't there's know much, the rules, but um, I do like playing them. There's a much yeah. better selection of decent game arcade games. Yeah, where you I can, think I, so. I, I think people that have like forty pins. I, I don't think there's forty pinballs on the planet that are worth owning. Yeah, there's, I can probably pick up five if I, yeah, if I have enough money in you know, space. You, you got your you got your your early stuff, and you've got your 
you know, DMD games and, you know, you've got Adam's Family and Twilight Zone. And I love Roadshow. I absolutely adore Roadshow. Well, but 94. I don't think I would have more than 10 or 12 pins because, um, you know, there's there's not that many that are just totally killer, 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 killer games. Mm. Yeah, I reckon so. And they're very, very, very expensive as well. Especially the yeah, some ones. of them, if you're, if you're uh, nowadays, they, are, they never used to be. Mm. Yeah, I know. So I remember, I remember um, my favourite one I like is World Cup 94. Oh, I love that. I, I used game. to see them for three or four hundred pounds, and now yeah. eight hundred to a thousand. Yeah, crazy. even twelve hundred quid for really some. Yeah, but that, yeah, that is a great game. I'd have one of them. I do like it. I played it at that little place in Denmark. Actually, I had one in the corner. It's great. There's something about um, lighting up all the buttons and then getting the goalie working and then yeah, scoring yeah. a goal. And the way that football <laughs> spin round, I love it. Yeah, it's, so it's is there anything cool. you're particularly after in your collection or you haven't got right yet and you'd love to get? Uh, I suppose got, you've got most of your Grail cabs that you ever want. I've got a couple of machines that I'm waiting to arrive. Oh, really? Can you tell us about them or are they secrets um, for now? No, no. So uh, I've got this 720 that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a Crazy Climber Deluxe. Ooh. Nishibutsu one. Yeah. Uh, proper Japanese one as well, not the, uh, not the, the licensed ones. Cool. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, what else? Oh, then I've got two that I need to sort out. Actually, I, I got them in Italy. There was a warehouse raid going on in Italy that I got involved in. Right. And um, there was a three-player trackball, trackball Atari Rampart. Oh yeah, cool. They're like super rare, so mm. I've got to ship that. And there was also an Atari Crowns Golf. Oh yes, I remember seeing I, the pictures of this because yeah, which I'd been you were getting all excited like, about. It. I was like, yeah, no it's one only else a golf cared. game. It'd yeah, be like, it's Atari. No, no one cares, but you simply don't. The only one I, the only other one I ever saw was, funnily enough, also in Italy, and someone had seen it in Operator's Warehouse, and he took some pictures, and the thing was completely and utterly water damaged. Oh, shame. And I heard of, I had heard of another one in the UK that was found uh-huh. years ago, but someone converted it to a Dragon's Lair because it's in the same cabinet. Oh, okay, yeah, I get Atari, it. When, when Atari stopped, stopped making Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, although I'm pretty sure the Space Aces were probably just kits for the Dragon's Lairs in. Yeah. They obviously had some of the cabinets left over and mm-hmm. they put Crowns Golf into it, which was a licensed game. Oh, right. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're hideously rare. And I'd always seen the flyer. I had I picked up a flyer years ago and I was like, well, that's really weird. That's a Dragon's Lair cab. Just, yeah. like what, just like what everyone else said. Is that a conversion? And I was like, that's a Dragon's Lair. And then I found out it was a dedicated. And then there was no one that had any. And... Last year, I found someone that actually, and actually, I found another person that had one in Minehead. Oh, right. Um, and they they had got a load of games when they were like 18, 19. And, uh, but they, when they wanted some more, because they would get them up from the Minehead arcades, they would basically smash them up, the oh, ones they've already got, oh, and then get new ones. No. They were, they were te- this guy was telling me that he, he was like 18, and there was him and his brother, and they got a Star Wars cockpit. Mm-hmm. And um, in one of the outside one of the arcades in Minehead, there was this skip, and they'd gone to the arcade. And in the skip, sitting there on it, on it, sitting upright, was a Star Wars cockpit. Wow! And they said they spent all day pulling it out of the skip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, and then they got it out of the skip, and they, they probably 
bashed up it bashed up a bit i would imagine if it wasn't already a bit bashed up yeah and uh, they wheeled it all the way home and it was about two miles wow and That's they dedication said they said you. you know they were wheeling this star wars cockpit all past the shops and everything and they were totally <laughs> totally knackered and they remember stopping outside a convenience store and they went in and got two cans of coke and then they come back out and they're sitting in the star wars cockpit on the pavement <laughs> drinking this can these cans of coke but he, he got quite a few him and his brother got quite, quite a few machines um Brilliant. He's not. He's not in the scene, but I, uh, I, I made contact with him and bought a lot of old. He had he had loads of old boards and stuff. Everything he had smashed up or got from arcades in Minehead. Oh, right. And um, Crown Skull was one of them, and that was the first time I actually had proof, rather than hearsay, that it existed because he had a control panel for one and the marquee, and he oh, went here right. they are, and he went. You know, I actually own this game, and then I smashed it up. Oh no! Yeah, but I, I got one. I got one now. So yeah, it's cool. cool. That's it. Well, I don't think I can ask you now, mate. Um, <laughs> any passing thoughts? Um, or I suppose people can get hold of you on UK VAC. Probably the best place to get hold of you in case yeah, they've got yeah. a, a Crowns Golf 2 that never came out or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, yeah, Alpha 1 on UK VAC. That's the best place to get me. Yeah. You don't really do the uh, the Twitter and that sort of stuff. It's more of a work thing for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't use that as for my uh, social side of my life. Yeah, cool. All right, then, mate. Well, it's getting a bit late here now, so I shall let you go. Yeah, it's been lovely well, talking to you. you and no, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, I'll when I come around to see you again to pick up another um, wall mount, you can hopefully get for me. <laughs> uh, I'll have a look in that fourth unit wherever you said it was, and yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few, quite a few Tato games there. Cool. Okay then, right. Cheers then, mate. Thanks a lot for talking to us. And Catch you later, dude. Bye bye. Bye. And thanks for listening, uh, listeners. Listeners, yes, listeners, no. viewers. We will see you next. No, we will hear from you. Can I do this again? Bloody Go hell! Go on, you crazy fool. <laughs> thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Hang on. <laughs> you forgot how to talk. <laughs> thanks for listening. And we will hear from you. No. Thanks for listening, viewers. No. What's going on? Are you mental? <laughs> Thank you. Have you lost the will to live? <coughs> Go on. Thank you for listening, guys, and we will hear from you. Oh, my God. Stop we'll it. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Uh, I better see if there's anything on TV. This is Time Pilots, a battle with aircraft from the past and the future. Homing missile! Got him! Uh-oh! Blue bomber! Time Pilots, the best new arcade game. So, Victor Marlin and Sean In Your Face Holly, well, more Vic and not Sean, asked me if I'd do a little recording about a video game, an arcade game. It's called Time Pilot. So, uh, I, I played Time Pilot. It was very difficult. I couldn't score over 80,000. And it was very difficult. So uh, tune in next time, and uh, I'll see you then. That's all from me. Secret, 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 secret. I am a modern man. Dr. Robot is such a joker. <laughs>